What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. I'm with the great Gurino and SC Playbook. Make sure to follow Guru on Instagram at Rugby League Guru and Facebook at Rugby League Guru. Also, Timmy on SC Playbook One on Instagram and Facebook, or subscribe to both of their podcasts on all good podcasting apps. Make sure to grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. We are in every single celebrations in New South Wales and ACT, as well as IGA Liquor Plus, Porter's Liquor. And Bottolo. That is right. Every single celebrations, Bottolo, Porter's Liquor, and IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT, Bloke and a Bar is in, plus it's on special. So get into your local, grab a case. We're also in every single celebration superstore in Queensland. Go to blokeinabar.com, you type in your postcode, and you can see our store locator. We're in a bunch of other stores as well, all across the nation, whether it become whether it's Victoria, Queensland, we're in a bunch of different stores. Go to blokeinabar.com, you put in either your zip code or whatever, postcode, sorry, and it will show you the closest stores that stock Bloke in a Bar. Make sure to grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. It keeps the lights on, plus it's a beautiful beer. It's a beer of sport. No other beer loves sport the way we do. So make sure to grab a case. Also, got a massive show today. It's uh, We cover all topics, but if you just want to get to your topic and it's a bit too much for you to listen to, Go to the description of the podcast and we will have the timestamps in there and you can go straight to your team or straight to the topic you want to talk about um, if you don't have time to listen to the whole podcast. So you go to description, it'll have all of the times and you know what topic we're talking about or what time or what game we're talking about and just go straight to what you want to hear. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby! Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. I'm here with the great Gurino. Gurino, how you going, mate? Going well, mate. Good weekend of footy. Mate, great weekend of footy. The Broncos, eh? The Broncos are sitting equal fourth on points. <laughs> or That's your trigger, Matty. Also known as fifth on the ladder. Fifth on the ladder. <laughs> uh, Timmy, mate, how you going, brother? Bloody good, mate. Had a very good weekend. Snuck down to Redfern Oval there for a bit of reserve-grade Rabbitohs Raiders action, Sadiavo. Um, mm. Bit of young talent on display there. Some some Gagai's, some Mitchells. Some, uh, yeah, okay. some, uh, great weekend and good to be back into it. Mate, some Gagai's, some Mitchells. Bloody hell. Yeah, some crackers. Far out. How good. Now, uh, yeah, what a weekend of footy. Uh, Broncos, Cowboys. What's going on there? Who would have predicted? Who would have predicted? Because Cowboys, for most people, bottom of the table... Anyone that said, honestly, if you were being honest and you were a fair Dinkum fan, now obviously there are some fans that just, they get a feeling, they're like, no, this is the year or whatever. But most people would have said, if Cowboys make the eight, it's a good year. If Cowboys are in the top fucking three, that would be not, that would be laughed out of the room. Like they don't have the squad yet. Peyton needs a few years to build the squad, but they were absolutely outstanding. But we'll get to the Cowboys. I'm super excited to talk about the Cowboys and also obviously the Broncos being my team. But I need to get to the, the business side of things, guys. Origin Game 1, Bloke Live, will be at the Locker Room Hotel outside ANZ or a course stadium. It's literally, as you get off the train and you're walking to the ANZ Stadium, you just turn right, you see it's right there. It's the closest pub to the stadium. We will be there doing a live show. So basically, just like this, talking all foot things footy, we'll essentially do like a mid-year review of, of all the NRL clubs. And then also later on uh, in the show, we will do a preview of Origin. That is the Locker Room Hotel outside ANZ Accor Stadium. It's free as well. So some people will message me like, oh, I'm buying tickets. Where do I buy tickets to the show? It's completely free. So the best thing would be to get there early. Uh, the only thing I ask really is make sure you grab a beer or a feed. So the Locker Room Hotel, you know, they've been... It's, it's, it's actually really hard to get a spot 
at a place like the Lockroom Hotel because so many people want to do events around Origin. They've been gracious enough to let us be a live show there in, a, in their biggest area. So, uh, and it's a great, the Lockroom Hotel is actually a fucking great yeah, it's spot. It's cracker. It is actually cracker. When I saw it getting built, I was like, that's actually heaven. Yeah. It's like right outside. Mm-hmm. I compare it to, it's like the Caxton <coughs> of the ANZ Stadium. Um, so great spot there, the Locker Room Hotel. Get down there this week if you if you got time, but we will be there, Origin Game 1, Origin Game 1. Also, huge announcement, June the 1st at 6 p.m. June the 1st, 6 p.m., set your alarms. Now, we are also in every celebrations in Bottolo, Porter's Liquor, uh, IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT, and we're also in every celebration superstore in Queensland. That is right, Bloke and a Bar Beer, and we're on special in these places too, in every single celebration. So if you have a celebrations near you, they will stock us in New South Wales or ICT, Bottolo, Porter's Liquor, IGA Plus Liquor. Get in there, grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. It goes really well, we go nationwide, and it honestly changes the whole landscape for Bloke Network. Uh, now, Boys, let's get into a main topic. Let's get into a main topic. Turbo. Goes down. Looks like he's out for the season. Looks like he's going to get a shot of Rico. I mean, the, the, the thing that sucks the most for this is, A, one of the great superstars of our game, especially after last year, one of the greatest years of all time, period. There is no argument. Is it the greatest? You can debate that till the cows come home. But it is one of the greatest. There is no doubt goes down with an injury that this isn't soft tissue. This isn't, you know, calf or hammy or quad groin. This is something that you cannot really avoid. <clears throat> goes down with a shoulder injury. What does this say for first Manly? And then we'll get into New South Wales chat, Garina. Yeah, devastating for Manly. Um, you know, also this is the start of the season. They did look a little bit, uh, they looked better without him than what they did last year mm. without him, of course. Uh, but it's a tough gig, especially as you come into this origin <coughs> period. Um, they play Melbourne twice in the next five weeks during this origin period. So they go Melbourne in Melbourne next week. They go the Warriors. They'll be without DCE and Gerbo for that one and Turbo, obviously. Then they go the Tigers, who are going to – Tigers and Warriors will have their full they squad. They might be at Olukawatu. Might be without Olukawatu. Then they go Cowboys-Melbourne. They're Ouch. sitting 10th at the moment. So it could be a really tough few weeks for the Manly Seagulls there. It's, it's, it's crazy <coughs> how quickly – things can change in rugby league. Manly, premiership threat at the start of the year. Oh my God, look how good they were last year. They're only going to build on that. They got they retained everyone. They've got these young guys coming through. All of a sudden, in four weeks' time, we could see Manly literally sitting in 13th, 14th position. What do you think, Timmy? Yeah. A week ago, you're going, Tommy Turbo looks underdone, not right to go. How do Manly recover from this if, he, this if he's underdone? 40 minutes into the game on the weekend, Tommy looking pretty good. Yes. Manly hanging there going, all right, bit of a turning point here. Ten minutes later, gone for the season. It's like, well, there's a line through Manly. Uh, oh. Unfortunately, it's such a shame for the game. Um, that poor bugger, isn't it? It's just like time and time and time again. But it's, yeah, it's a bit of an old storyline now. And yeah, shattered for Manly fans and obviously poor old Tommy. Now, how do they? I will say, I will say, Ruben Garrick has been outstanding mm. this year. <clears throat> outstanding. He had that one poor game uh, last week. But I think, you know, everyone didn't play that well against the Broncos because yeah. they're the Broncos. We were fucking the best team in the world. But anyway, um, <laughs> go, you know, comes out next week and was one of the wingers of the, of the week. If, he, if that team wins, he's probably in everyone's team of the week. Now, yes, he is no Tommy Turbo, but he is playing some of the best footy of any outside back in the comp right now. Can he play well enough to supplement losing Tommy? 
you can have a crack at it. It's a, it's big shoes to fill, you know. And it's nothing against Ruben. I'll be, you know, are we confident they play Ruben Garrick there? Do they consider throwing Cola back there? They were going to do it a few weeks ago, and then he got injured. I like, I, like, I think Ruben's been playing really fucking good yeah. footy. I think Cooler has been really good in the centres. I, I think it'd be, it'd be asking a bit too much, especially like post Tommy. I just, I don't know whether it's a good decision when he's already playing good footy in the centres, and Ruben is playing so well there, but. It could be a masterstroke too. It could be the birth of a superstar. Mm. I was just thinking too, as you said, like if Olakwatu does get picked, you know, when Turbo isn't playing, he's their go-to guy. Mm-hmm. If he's out, uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be a brutal few weeks for them. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Ruben Garrett goes. We know that he can handle himself there mm. well and truly. Um, as I said, huge shoes to fill your feel for him. Oh, massively. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I think it'll be Rubes Garrick. He's proven himself very capable at fullback in Tommy's absence. Um <laughs> Manly is such a goody side. Desi Hadzler's in charge. You know, we've hardly seen him with a full team this year. Um, so Schuster back, Olaquatu, a few others, etc. They can still fight their way to a top eight position, you know, potentially top six if things click. When I say put a line through them, I just they're not, I don't think they have the X factor to, to be a premiership threat, which despite a slow start to the season, they were a few yep. weeks ago. Mm. Um, but they can still, you know, shake things up and be dangerous come finals time. Mm. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing Rubes at fullback. Uh, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? You talk about cooler to fullback and it could be a masterstroke. Yeah. Garrick's the safe option, uh, but Cooler's also been so good defensively there. Mm. It's just like, he's still very young. You don't need to throw these blokes into the spotlight even more than they need to be. Mm. Uh, be good to watch. Yeah, I mean, with the cooler one, I think you could maybe test it. Let's say you get a couple of wins, <coughs> you're playing a Bulldogs, you're playing, you know, a team that's on the bottom of the table or close to the bottom of the table. Maybe that's a chance to go, look, let's put him at the fullback, see how he handles it uh, and go from there. That could be a, a way to like slowly ease him into it. But as you said, like he's been so good defensively. Uh, I do think though that we are starting to see that although, you know, Morgan Harper did have his moments where he missed a few tackles were purely his own fault. You know, it really isn't the centre and the winger that is the issue on the right edge for, for oh. Manly. I think it's more the fact that DCE is such a unique way he defends where sometimes he jams in, sometimes he comes out. I think you just need a, a centre outside him that has played so much footy with him, they can read his body language really, really well. And so I, I think it's, it's more a DCE thing and the thing is, we all know DC can defend. We all know he, he's actually one of the better half defenders in the competition. But I do think it's going to take some time for whoever is his centre to adjust to the way he defends because it is very 50-50, really. Like, you just don't know. Is he – like, some some uh, halves are known to jam in. Some halves are known to slide. So I think, like, moving cooler, you're taking time away from them building that. For example, there was – you looked on the weekend. There was one try where – DC went, uh, I think he went, no, he, he slid off. The first one, he either slid off or, or screamed in. But let's just say the first one, he slid off. And I think Cooler thought that he was going in. So Cooler comes in. They get that ball out the, out the back there. And then the next try, he does, DC does the opposite and Cooler stays out and slides. And so it's, it's, and again, that's not to say that it is purely DCE's fault. It's just to say that. That's purely time. Like, you need time playing together to know, like, okay, DC, I can look at his body language. Like, for example, playing outside Hodjo, Hodjo used to do this thing where, and I and I would fall for it sometimes, especially in a really important game against the Storm, like, where he would dummy to go up. So he would pretend to shoot, and then I would make the decision, oh, fuck, we're shooting. I would shoot, and he'd stay back. 
And so if I played a few years with Hodjo, mm. it would give me time to go, oh, like he's doing a dummy shoot right now. Like I could read yeah. his body language. And so I think that keeping Cooler at the centre may be the better option for Manly so that he can get some time with DC to really understand what kind of defender he is. Um, but yeah, interesting times now. Uh, Manly, look, I agree with you. Like I, I can't see them winning a premiership from here, but I do believe that if Desi can get them into the eight, that's a, that's a win for the club, in my opinion. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, it's gonna, as I said, I mean, if, if they were sitting fourth right now, I'd be a little bit more confident, but they are sitting 10th. Mm. Um, I mean, it's going to be tough for those next few weeks coming up. DCE is going to go and play Origin. <coughs> who, who do you think they move into the halves when DCE is not there? Do they give Schuster a shot? Do they bring in yeah. KO Weeks? What, what's I think they go uh, four and at seven, yep. and they go Schuster at six and give him that little taste of that sure. six role yep. and go, mate, you wanted it. You got it. Um, and you know what? Fuck me. He is so like he is so underrated to how valuable he is to that side. Multiple like he, as soon as he got on the field on the weekend, what he went that intercept. Then actually I've got to make notes here. He ran that, that lead line for Tommy out the back and just sucked in defenders. Yeah. Oh, oh man, Schuster, yeah, immediate impact with a great catch and a line break. And then Schuster in his first ten minutes, he had two try involvements in his first ten minutes. Like because he doesn't he doesn't get the last pass, you're not really getting mm. the excitement that you would if he was getting the last pass. Whereas, like, he truly is there. Like, he's almost Tommy to them when it comes to creating space for outside people. Mm. That's how important he is to their, their game. So, you know, I, I think that if we're glass half full, if Schuster's fit and he is playing that way, maybe he, he picks up the slack for their attacking weapon you know, like if they lose Tommy to get those extra line breaks or whatever and they have Schuster there with that crazy no-look pass, fuck, he does it well. He does it better than anyone, in my opinion. Like, better than anyone. Um, yeah, so I reckon if they finish around 10th, like anywhere from like 9th to 11th, I would say, yeah, understandable <coughs> year because everything's happened. But I do think that Desi would, should be aiming for finals footy. I still believe they're a top eight side if they're mm. playing best footy, even without Tom Trevojevic. Um, because when you look at the other premiership thre- threat sides... If they lost one of their star players, you would still say they're a top eight side. Yep. Um, now, Origin. How does this affect Origin with Latrell most likely out? There's still a small chance that he could play. Tommy definitely out. How does this affect New South Wales? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, we said before, is he going to pick Jack Whiten? I think it's more of a case of where is he going to pick Jack Whiten? I think he'll be in the <coughs> side somewhere, whether it's at 14 it's, or at centre. Uh, but it's tough because you obviously want to get Nico Hines into this team as well. I personally, I'm not a huge fan of Jack at centre. I think I would rather go with Staggs and probably Stephen Crichton. Mm. I think they've both done enough, but then, fuck, it's hard to leave Nico Hines Mate, out how, of this how, side. Yeah, how do you leave Hines out of this yeah, side? But, I mean, do, do we all agree that, that we, we think Freddie picks White in somewhere? Oh, he loves White. He loves yeah. him. Yeah. Like, Which is, and fair enough, because he has played some yeah. solid footy at, at Origin. Yeah. Well, he was a bit quiet last year, but the year before he was pretty good. Oh, I just can't see him not picking Jack, which means he he's either has to be at centre or at 14. Um, I, I personally think he'll go 14. So, Crichton and... Uh, what do you reckon to me? Yeah, he'll be there. I said, Freddie loves him. Mm. Tailor-made for Origin footy. Uh, and as you said, it does give Freddie the opportunity to go. He's got that brutal decision of, you know, Nico or Jacko uh, at 14. I think he'll pick Jack ahead of Nico because he's so loyal to him and he's you know, stood up for him in the past often. often. If he plays him at centre, he can go Nico at 14. Um, it, it creates uh, or gets rid of a headache for him, doesn't it? Mm. Whether that's the right option, I'm not sure. Um, I said there's between Stephen Crichton and Katoni Staggs. 
good options to have. You throw Zach Lomax in the mix there a little bit, had a cracker on the weekend. Good options. Yeah, at least, I mean, at least you've got high, high quality options. Mm. I think, I personally <laughs> believe he will start him at centre. Mm. Um, I think that same love that we're talking about that he gets selected is also would get him across the line to get that centre spot. You know, like like Whiten is a player that he trusts. And so the, the option in Freddie's head is, do I risk two debutants in the centre? Two debutants mm-hmm. in the centre. Or yeah. do I have one guy I know is going to do the job at the very least and then one debutant in the centre? Because the problem is if you get two ro- rookies that don't turn up in the centre, I mean, we saw... Um, game uh, we saw the origin before, you know Gutho, who isn't really a center, and who was the other center that that um, played for you guys? I think it was one, wasn't yeah, it? I think it was year? Jack. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jack, it was Jack started at center a couple of times. And last he, year. Yeah, he yeah. struggled. Gagai, you know, like Gagai and Kurt, Kate, well, Bath them really. Yeah. Jacko Bath Gagai with the ball in hand, but then Gagai sent it straight back at him. Yeah, for two well, awesomely defensive players. But also, well, what was crazy though, if you go and look at the stats. One missed like six tackles yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, look, it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because if he has Whiten has played center and not great at center, then Freddie's sitting there going, "Well, I trust you and I want you to be there, but the evidence that you playing center." It'll be interesting if they do go for those two debutants. I was thinking about it yesterday. If you pick Stags, I think you have to pick him at right center. If you're picking Stephen Crichton, I think you pick Stephen Crichton because of his combination with Brian Tyo. So there's a chance that you will pick the Penrith right edge, play them on the left yeah. edge, and you'll pick the Canterbury left winger and play him on the right yeah. wing. But as crazy as it sounds, I think it makes the most sense if you're not going to start, Jack. Yep, yep. Let's go back and have a look at this first game with Jack at centre, what his stats were. Um, player stats, here we go. Jack Whiten and Gutho in the centres. Yeah, had a, Whiten had a... So, Whiten actually ran for a fair, like, really good metres, 179 metres, 67 post contact. And then he had one he had one tackle break, so his metres were all fucking hard hit-ups. Where are your tackles? Yeah, 10 tackles made, 7 missed. Mm. 7 missed. Whereas Gutho, 32 tackles made, 2 missed. I actually... I felt sorry for Gutho in that situation because, yes, he had that one play where we scored off it. But he made 32 tackles and only missed Jesus. two in the centres. And that was never talked about. That was never talked about. Whereas, like, Jackie on the other edge um, had a 52% tackle efficiency. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, Gutho had um, 91% tackle efficiency. Uh, so, yeah, that's, it's interesting, isn't it? So, so you, you think Jacko at 14? That's right. What are going. you thinking? I think they will go Jacko at centre. Uh, I would pick him probably at 14 and go with Crichton and Staggs. I think Freddie will go with Jacko at centre because he's been there and done it before, albeit not that well. Um, I think he has enough runs on the board, particularly defensively, to go, all right, that was one game, um, we'll put it behind us. He did some great things with ball in hand in that game. Um, I'm looking I, at his next game. I, I, I 11 just, tackles, 7 misses. Yeah, yeah. I just think he's going to want Nico in there and he's going to want Jack in yep. there. And that's the solution to do it. As you said, you're not, you don't have two debutants there. You've got one coming in. So, if you do go Jack at centre, <coughs> do you then go with Stags or Stephen Crichton? I mean, Crichton's got the combo. He's played on the biggest stages, but I'd say that Stags is probably in slightly. Mate, if you, had, form, but if you had a said to me, if you had a said to me four weeks ago, I would have said Crichton, even with. Stags' ceiling, mm. which is fucking crazy. Mm. And you'd say, you know, he's tailor-made for origin. He's a big, strong body. 
But I think uh, Staggs has really rounded out his game. Defensively, the last few weeks, like, yes, attacking-wise, we haven't seen – we've still seen him, like, throw blokes off him and all that kind of stuff, but we haven't seen the tries, the tries, assists and everything. But defensively, and that's what we're talking about now with, like, Jackie and that, with the missed tackles, defensively, Staggs has been unfucking – he's been the best defensive centre in the comp. He's ha- he has handled, like, handled Talakai and best – so who is going to bath him in the centre? Most likely now, Gagai is a different beast at origin level. We all yeah. know that. Holmes has been playing outstanding. But I do think that the combination with Crichton, Cleary, you know, the, the whole Penrith combination, and then you've got, you know, mm. To'o as well, it may be, do you move? Because, yeah, okay, you've got Luai on that edge. Yeah, okay, so, you'd, so you, do you reckon they would go Luai, Crichton, To'o, but on the opposite side? Yeah, I think so. I think they'd, I think they'd, they'd move the centre and the wing to the left. Just back to what they were doing in twenty twenty, essentially. And, yeah. And so, is it, so? Why did they do that? Was that because? Oh no, because they've because Penrith have actually moved to, or to the other side because of Taylor May. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we so they have proven that they can remember work that teenager out. that came yeah, in and it's crazy, fucking brained it, fucking mental. I was thinking with Stags, though, it's interesting. I mean, like you, you watch the Broncos over the last few weeks, and you know the amount of space there is behind the line that Adam Reynolds has taken advantage of. That's because defenses are going fuck. I've got to get up on Stags. Mm. I've got to cut off his time with the ball. So like, as much as he hasn't had crazy attacking players, you know who has Selwyn Cobbo, mm. who I think he's just created space for just with his presence time and time again. Uh, I think Stags has been outstanding mm. like outstanding this past month of footy um it's interesting though because like it's then you look at Crichton and you, you see him like out jump tupu run 90 meter tupo and run 90 meters you go on far out so it's, yeah it's funny how quickly it can change i mean it was only what eight weeks ago we watched val holmes absolutely dominate katoni stags yeah and yeah. like that's who he'd be marking, and now I'm I'm confident Stags to do a job. How many times in the last month have the Bronx been like retreating on their own line? Quick ball gone, Koshyano. Right, they're going to walk over and score here. Stags meets a bloke half a meter from the line and just manhandles him back, and you're Somehow. just like, how has he done that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and absolutely. It, it's such an interesting uh, debate because. With absolutely no disrespect to Stephen Crichton, I think Tony Staggs is a better footballer. Um, he's done, well, you know what he's done with ball in hand for the last couple of years, not so much this year, but in an ordinary Broncos outfit. Mm. Crichton playing centre in the best team in the competition for a few years now, and he's just not coasted, but it hasn't been a tough job, let's be fair. That being said, he's stepped up in grand finals and big games. So mm. like, he hasn't done a thing wrong. I think Tony Staggs is a better footballer. But all those combinations you spoke of, and you made those great points with, with Cooler and DCE there and those combinations defensively in particular. Mm. Um, do you just go with the tried and true combination? You, you've got so many Penrith folks in that team. Yep. He's so confident. Then mm. he and so is Katoni. Um, I'd, go, I'd go Katoni, but, you know, we, we, that's another thing that Freddie's done at Origin level, hasn't he? He's gone with combinations. Yeah. So. And so, like, we've spoken about it a lot, and yes, Stephen Crichton's in a great team, <laughs> but... They would have bowed out of finals on three separate occasions last year. Because of Crichton. Wasn't in the like Crichton has made the big plays in big games. Yeah, every single finals game and, last year, big play. And that's the thing, like that. That's what's so tough because although Stags is an absolute fucking throb, and I agree with you, like Stags at his best, Crichton is best in the in the centres. I actually think Crichton's best position is fullback, but at centres, I agree with you. I'd probably just have Stags just above him. Um, but the difference is, is we haven't actually seen Stags in any big games. We've seen Crichton in the biggest fucking occasion that you can be in three games in a row. Like, he literally made three plays in three games in a row yeah. that saved them, either saved them from a try or a try saver or scored like an intercept. So, 
mate, it's a tough one. I, I don't know which which way you go. I really don't. Um, I just I can't see them picking two debutants though. I think that's fucking risky as shit. It's also interesting that you know we always see Freddie. He always brings in one or two extra guys to his squad every year. You know, of the all, all the guys that I'm considering for this spot. It's funny that Stags is the only one that hasn't gone into camp before. We've yeah. seen Lomax, we've seen Campbell Graham, we've mm. seen Crichton. So, interesting to see where, where Freddie's at yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, you can't go wrong. I personally think to get Hines in that side, he's going to go Whiten in the centre, and then he's going to put either Crichton or, or Stags in the centre. And Lomax is a smoky too. We know, we know Freddie loves Lomax. And like... When we talk about a uh, player going really well on teams that are struggling, Lomax has been killing it in the Dragons, who you know really have been yeah. struggling for quite a while. Um, yeah, look, it really interesting. You can't go wrong with either of those, like either of those players. Crichton has been incredible. Uh, Stags has really rounded his game out. I will say it is interesting. Bradman Best has just hasn't really kicked on the way mm. we thought he would. I don't know what's going on there. Like he doesn't I get to play footy. Yeah. He's always injured. He's always like he's been so unlucky. But he gets no years. good ball either. Like I, I don't, I, I can't remember a time this year where Bradman Best has been given fucking early quality ball where he can do something. I just, I don't know. I think maybe he's a bit down on confidence. Maybe I'm not sure what and it is. I mean, whenever I think of Newcastle, they're playing good footy. It's because that left edge is humming, and yeah. he still just doesn't. Uh, I don't know. It's Fuck, a, that looked gruesome on the weekend though. Yeah, that was a tough watch. That was, that, yeah. That, I mean, the th- we'll get to the calls that were, you know, pretty tough. Especially one of them. The, the first call with Gagai, that's debatable as to what you think in that rule. The second one was a clear obstruction. Like, let's not fucking beat around the bush. But I think to be really clear here, Broncos were the much better side all fucking night, in my opinion. There was probably a twenty-minute period where Knights fought back into it. But I still can't remember a time where they looked really dangerous on the line. Where I was going, oh, the boys are pumped, like they're under the pump here. Whereas you know, the Broncos, for a lot of the game, I, I felt they controlled it, especially their forwards. But we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, interesting. Uh, very interesting. A world where Hines doesn't get put in that side? Crazy. I mean, it shows you how much step you've got. Like, how, how about the, the bloke Guru just mentioned that managed to dodge that whole conversation just about Campbell Graham. Yeah. Yeah. Six weeks ago, if you said, you know, there was going to be centre spots opening up, Campbell Graham, speaking favourites of Freddie Fittler's, yeah. he'd gone straight in. Yep. Who's like the fourth bloke we just listed then? Yeah. And if we're worried about, you know, White and defensively on the left, I reckon the best defensive centre out of all, well, probably along with Staggs, is Campbell Graham. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think I think Campbell Graham has shown for a longer period of time how good he is in defence. I think it's been recently we've seen Staggs really make a real effort in his defence to be like, no, I want to be a fucking defensive yep. centre. And I just don't think anyone's handled, like to, to say Staggs has handled Talakai and Best is pretty incredible. Campbell Graham, you know, and what's crazy is you could put Campbell Graham or Lomax in there and I, they may do a massive job. So the good thing is, is, you know. How old do you reckon Campbell Graham is? I think he's like 22 or something. He's 22. He's already played 100 for a It's crazy. That's why he doesn't get enough raps in yeah. my opinion. Like this guy is a 22-year-old centre that's been in the game for four years now. Like the most cons- one of the most consistent backs you can get. Um, even even games last year where he'd run like for 150 metres, missed no tackles, and he never got spoken about just because he doesn't have that flash, I guess. I think as well he doesn't get spoken about because last year he was the right centre for mm. the South Sydney Rabbitohs and it felt like everything was going left. But I mean, you stack up his numbers on the right where he doesn't get ball compared to the left guys and he's, yep. he's matching them. Yeah, man, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting who's going to run out. I mean, imagine Staggs and Crichton in a Blues jersey. Look pretty hectic. Oh. Look pretty hectic. If you go with Jack on the left and you go Stags on the right, like like you guys suggesting, do you just pick Adokar on the left and Toto on the right? Or yeah, look, I, it's 
it's a real tough one. Would you just let them decide? I'd probably let them decide. Yeah, okay. Probably let them decide. I think Adokar is pro. I mean, they both have proven they can swap sides, though. Yeah. So that's the positive about having wingers that seem to be able to swap sides. I think you probably, if I'm the coach, I'm saying which side does Toto scoot better out of? Because he, because if he scoots, they both can finish on either side. You know, yeah, okay, yes, maybe one of them isn't left-handed. But the one thing that Toto brings that no other player in the comp can bring is the best ball running out of trouble out of any player in the comp. Mm. So where I'm going, okay, how do I get that out of Toto? Whereas mm. I think Adokar, like, he's just so well-rounded. You just He could probably fill the position of, like, either side doesn't matter, matter to him. Whereas Toto, I think you think, like, if there's a point of difference that we have in this New South Wales side, it's a motherfucker in a winger that runs like a front rower but is as fast as an outside back. Let's try and lift that up as much as possible. Um, but, yeah, crazy times. But I, w- I will say this, though, with New South Wales. Yes, the depth is crazy. Absolutely, the depth's incredible. There's no denying that. But that side without Tom Travojevic and Latrell in it, doesn't pump New, uh, Queensland anywhere close to the pumpage that we got last year. Those two were so crucial. They were the best two players in the in the series. I actually thought Latrell just pipped him for player of the series, Tommy. But, I mean, I had no argument against Tommy getting because he was also incredible. But the amount of times those two in the series last year, especially the first two games, completely just exploded the game open from some phenomenal feat that no other player could do. I do think New South Wales is going to miss that. If you take Turbo and Latrell out of last year and you put them into any Origin series ever, probably apart from 05 Joey, mm. they're man of the series, mm-hmm. both of them. Yep, yep. So it's a it's a huge, huge loss for them. I think it's going to be a massive test. Well, we haven't seen centres do that since Greg Inglis. Yep. It's really that simple. Like, Greg Inglis is really the only centre at Origin level in the last 20 years that has done... And they had two of them. They had Tommy Entrell doing yep. things... that. You know, only Greg and Turbo done. was playing center slash fullback. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't playing a traditional stay, stay down my corridor. Like, they, yeah, they're going to seriously miss him. And you know, <sighs> I'm nervous because I look at the Queensland side that I'm picking, and the depth isn't as good. But all 17 are in form. Yeah, there's no one that you're picking that you're going. Oh, he's done a job for me before. He'll be okay. Yeah, you're going. He's in form. He deserves to be there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Queensland in a very different spot than they were last year, but interesting times. Now uh, on to uh, back up to the points. Uh, Herbie Farmworth has reportedly agreed to a one-year extension. Now, the reports are the reason for the one-year extension is he believes that he has a desire to play fullback long-term. Look, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. I will say that it does seem more along the lines of there's not much money in the Broncos cap for specifically him. And Farnworth is a high quality outside back. We all can see that. And I think Farnworth is being smart where, you know, do the one year deal, continue to play really well. And then your next deal is going to be bigger because obviously the the Dolphins might need a, a, a fullback or an outside back in that, in that next year, you know. Um, but let's, let's just assume he has a desire to play fullback, which does make a lot of sense. It's a tough gig getting that fullback jersey off Selwyn Cobbo long term. Yeah, very tough. And you know, our one criticism of Herbie has been that he he probably doesn't pass the ball enough. So that's mm. going to be a massive test for him um, going into that role, obviously. But fuck, he'd be a nightmare to deal with on kick returns and everything. Oh man, he's just he's like so Dylan Edwards, hard to handle. Similar to Dylan Edwards, yeah. just fucking constantly in your face. And he's just he just works so hard. He's just everywhere. Uh, I'd like to see it. I think Brisbane. This is a huge win for them getting like. 
just getting him for one year, there's probably never been a more important one year to re-sign him mm. with the Dolphins coming in next year. Yeah. I'm sure that they would have been looking at him as a, as a perfect target for them. So, yeah, good, good little win for Brisbane. Hopefully he does get a shot. Yeah. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, every time I see an, an outside back uh, coming off contract, looking for an extension or whatever it is, saying they want to move to fullback, blokes we, we consider pretty genuine outside backs, like not really fullbacks. You spoke about Herbie and his passing. It's not quite there. Can possibly develop it. Plenty of time. He's young enough. Um, but it just screams of like trying to get that contract bumped up a little bit <clears throat> because we all know fullbacks get bigger paydays than centres. It just is what it is. Mm. It's a more impo- important part of a footy team, generally speaking, especially in the modern game. Um, now, that might not be Herbie's thinking, but that's what I see every time I see an outside back say, I want to play fullback. Mm. Um, and he's well in his rights to do it. He might think that he can become mm. a, a top line NRL fullback, and maybe he can. But you know, as far as I'm concerned, Herbie's an outside back, centre wing, and he's developing into one of the best in the game. Mm. Um, I'd be looking to keep him, him there, whether there's a club out there who's happy to put him on and try him as a fullback on more money. I don't know. But if I was signing him with the, the desire for him to play fullback, I'd want to see it before yeah. I sign him on extra money. I will say, like, even me personally, like, I wanted to play fullback <coughs> long term. So I can understand where Herbie's coming from. And it, and it had, had nothing to do with the money it, and everything to do with I didn't want to sit in the fucking wing all mm. game. I wanted to be in the action, around the ball. Like, I, I kind of – I saw myself. I know nowhere near as good as him. But the way he moved and that, similar to Billy Slater, like, I felt like I could maybe eventually not be as good as him. Let's just relax, people. <laughs> Just the way he moved across the park and that I, I, I saw similar at it. And if, if you actually go and watch our running gates, they're kind of similar-ish. Um, and so I understand where Farmworth is coming from, where it's not necessarily about money. It's just about, I want to play footy and enjoy it. Like, I don't want to be standing out in the wing and just relying on everyone else giving me the plays. I want to be in the middle, supporting up the middle, offloads, footwork, all that kind of stuff. Plus, the good thing about footwork, uh, good fullback is like you're not doing all this you don't have to do all the shit hit ups like all the you know i don't think wingers get enough everyone likes to give shit to wingers and yeah it's funny in that wingers do the shittest hit ups in the game and that is you're in a fucking corner every all the defense is squeezed in they know a winger's about to scoot the ball out everyone knows a winger's about to scoot the ball out and you've got to fucking scoot shit it out job. it's the shittest job ever <laughs> it is the shittest job ever but apparently wingers are the you know hang out with <laughs> especially when the set before you can see your forwards getting dominated and you know fuck, what's going to happen i'm about to get 100 whereas like yeah. Front rowers, absolutely, get through hard work, all the tackles and that. But very rarely is a front rower scooting in his corner, yeah. you know. Um, and so, so little things like that where you're like, you know, I, of course I'll do it and it's great, but I would much rather be the fullback that, you know, is doing the plays rather than doing the scoots out of your own end and that. So I understand where Farmworth is coming from. Look, with the recent seeming Selwyn Cobbo is uh, going to re-sign on unders, I just think it's going to be a very hard ask getting that jersey off him. Now, in saying that, are Broncos with Staggs and Cobbo in the centres and Herbie mm. at fullback? I can, I can also see that a possibility. I think it's a small possibility, but I can't see – it's not so crazy that, you know, he would be – you know, he's got to back himself. You want him to back himself. Um, so, yeah, look, great re-signing by the Broncos. And also, if I'm the Broncos, right now, I am trying to re-sign everyone I can because mm. the place is happy – we're winning games. We're coming fifth, but we're on equal fourth points. Uh, we, you know, we, <laughs> we, everything's good. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, if we start losing and you're trying to re-sign people, everyone's like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. Um, you know, like, like, where's the future for us? Whereas right now, everyone's looking around. Everyone in the NRL's looking around going, 
The Broncos have a massive future. They've got the youngest forward pack in the comp and they're killing it. And we didn't even play that good the other night, um, you know, compared to what we could play. So, look, great signing and I understand where Farnworth's coming from. Just on, just on her before we move <coughs> on from that one. If I'm him and I'm, I'm a massive advocate for this after what Tommy Turbo's done at Origin level at centre and he, you know, maybe does want to do what you said and get involved more in the game there and, and play as a fullback, hands on the ball more, that sort of thing. I know that he's not Tommy Turbo and no one in the game is Tommy Turbo, to be fair. But that roving centre role, uh, mm. where you get out and basically play as a second fullback, if he wants to say, you know what, I can play fullback, I can show it, get out. And, and whether that's something that Kevin Walters allows, maybe not, but get out and do a bit of roaming out of the back end of your field like Tommy did at Origin. We're seeing Hiku do it yep. and Val Holmes at the Cowboys, and it's been so effective for them. Herbie, get mm. out there and do a bit of roaming. And it's, mm. it's a big effort area thing, but it's a good opportunity. And, you know, maybe it's somewhere, a way that he can show that I can slot in, I've got a passing game and be more effective. Yeah, look, maybe the game's changed since I've played. But, for example, there's certain players that the game plan is built around that you allow that to happen. <coughs> and there's certain players where it's like, no, bro, you keep you with so that we have plays on if we need to do it. So when I was playing, like, Hodjo had that roaming role. Like, Hodjo could go in and take a scoot anytime he wanted. Whereas if I went and took a scoot, and I wasn't on my wing, I'm getting absolutely <laughs> annihilated, you know. And, and the amount of times I wanted to go in and scoot and, and get involved in the game and just get some runs, get, just have some fun, was constantly, constantly. But that's not what the team wants from you. That's not what the team needs from you. And so maybe Herbie can become that guy, but I think the reason why he's not doing it now is because he's actually being told, keep your width, yep. keep your width. It's like a Kurt Capewell situation. Like when you look at Kurt Capewell's stats, you'd go, bro, like get involved. Like you're, you're a marquee signing. But I guarantee you Kurt Capewell is constantly being told, keep your width, keep your width. Because as soon as you go in, all of a sudden that defensive side just has to go, we know, we know they're not doing a play this side. Um, so if we can build a game plan around that, fuck, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I think it is interesting when you watch the Cowboys though and you see the way that Hicko and Val Holmes do it. They do it when... The ball goes all the way over to their tram line and there's nothing on on that short side where they'd normally be standing behind the ruck and then they just flick into gear when you know the ball's going right. Yeah. You know it's the only option. So I think there are opportunities yeah. to... like The amount of centres, <coughs> the amount of strike centres like that you see when the ball go, goes down their edge and it gets it gets tackled by the second rower and it's fourth and they just they put themselves in a no-man's land just to make sure they're sort of mm. out of the way. I do think that guys could be utilised a little bit okay, more. I ask this, okay. So you think it's going... It's absolutely going long side. It gets to the front rower. He hits a line and doesn't pass the ball. Then next is a kick. You're all of a sudden out of the kick chase. No, no, but what I'm saying is that they, 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 they do it when it goes to that side. On foot. When it's fifth and the only option is to swing back left, that's when the Cowboys do it. Mm. When, when, when the when only fifth tackle. So, so, so yeah, when, when the fourth tackle is the second rower gets tackled, mm. then on fifth when it's last, you know they're coming left, all your numbers are there. That's when Val Holmes and Peter Hicku come, come and join that play. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Man, it's, it's a tough one. So much things can go wrong with, like, if they kick back into your corner. Uh, maybe it's a set play they're doing then. That's, I mean, that wouldn't be really roving then. That would be more set plays. Um, what, what, whatever we want to call it, roving, set play, whatever it is, if, like, if you just got more... Like, I quite often watch Katoni Staggs that go out to that edge, and then you see Katoni, what he always does is he stands 10 metres behind the ruck and he's got his hands on his hips. He's just like, fuck, it'd be so much more damaging. Even if you were just somewhere hovering around that line, just giving an, an extra, you know... Ferrari for the defense to be yeah, watching. Yeah, like, okay. So let's say let's say we go with you like that, and we go. All right, I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna. There's a short side here that I could stand and do nothing, or I'm gonna go into the middle mm. of the field, and I'm and it's a fifth tackle, like you're saying. Yeah. We kick it. It's a midfield bomb or something like that. All of a sudden, I'm stuck in the middle of the field, and they could just go spin, spin, 
coming out of their own end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. But I, I think what you said before is more so true that it, it is a set play where you know you're going, you, you're taking them on, mm. on down on that yeah. edge, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, when it's more like a roving role where it's like injecting yourself when you want to and all that kind of stuff, it's it just very easy to get caught out. Just that one yeah. time you rove incorrectly, yeah. it's that one time that they go, Fuck, yeah, Stags is it on his centre. Boom, boom, yeah. we get a quick play of the ball. The way I see it more so is probably do it coming out of your own end when you are just bashing the door down through the middle, scoots, whatever. Uh, and then if there is an offload or a bit of second phase play, there's an extra bloke roaming and it can create an extra number on either side of the field. When you're doing it in an attacking zone, attacking the other side's line, that's where you know there can become issues for so many reasons. Mm. But coming out of your own end, I think it's a pretty safe bet with another number floating around the rock. Yeah, for sure. And, and we usually call them like either like a red set or a scoot set, outside back sets, where it's basically just the outside back's job. Penrith do this the perfectly. Set. They just go, boom. All the outside backs get in, in the middle of the field and it's the outside's back's job to just get us up the field. Give the, the forwards a bit of a break. Um, but it's just, it's such a delicate balance. It's such a delicate mm -hmm. balance because put it this way, like imagine how out of whack Manly would be if another outside back started doing what Tommy was doing. Because then it'll be like, holy, we got two fucking fullbacks coming in and out. It's like, so it's, it's tough. So I think certain, I think uh, when you nail it, it can be fucking incredible. Like, as you said, Cowboys seem to be absolutely nailing it yeah. right now where Holmes and Hiko just seem to be picking exactly the right times. <laughs> Exactly the right times. Um, you know, whereas you look at like a Melbourne Storm, like they've never really had that roving mm. centre, you know. They've been very like, keep your width. Uh, but it is a good conversation because, you know, to your argument, the game has changed. Yep. The game has changed. It's it's like very, although set plays are great, a lot of tries are just scored off quick play the balls. And I mean, just to back up what you're saying, you know, we're obviously using the Cowboys as the example who I would argue outside of Penrith, they're the most in sync team. Yeah. In general. Yeah, so, easy. Um, yeah, they, they, they probably do make it look a little bit easier mm, than yeah. what it is at the moment. Uh, but, yeah, just well, well, I mean, thought. A great example is is Staggs. Like, everyone mm. at the start of the year was like, oi, fucking take more runs, Staggs. And he was like, Kevy's telling – literally, Kevy yeah. is telling me to stay on yeah. my centre. Um, and, yeah, look – and, and it, took, it took Reynolds coming into the side to get him that good ball. But it's, it's a great conversation because what is the right answer? Footy gets changed all the time. Like, I think – We've had rovers before, but not to the level that Tommy roved in Origin. We've no. never seen a centre yeah. do something like that. So maybe that is the direction that you go. Where it's and, just and we have seen Kevy do similar, not a roving role, but he does use Corey Oates down that right edge yeah. when he swings right yeah. in. So scored a mad uh, try off that. Um, yeah. And that's where there. it's last tackle. It's all in on yeah. that play. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a set play. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Like, for example, with that Corey Oates play, his uh, wide running forward, centre, and even front row would be told I'm leaving the wing boys, so you need to fucking understand that I'm not here. And then if that happens, fuck, fucking oath, go for it, go for it, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Selwyn Cobo, uh, whilst I, actually, no, we'll break it up because I don't want people to go and speak too much about the Broncos. Um, <laughs> Matty Lodge leaves the Warriors effective immediately. Now, this is really interesting. If you just got the broad strokes of the announcement, it was very easy for people to go, oh, he's just used the Warriors as a stepping stone and he goes there while they're in, in New Zealand. And then if you're going to sign with New Zealand, you've got to expect that you're going to live in New Zealand. I think a lot of the details have been left out of this situation. Matt Lodge had a player option for next year that he hadn't activated yet and the club hadn't forced him to activate yet or anything like that. He was not signed next year. So people saying that he just like released himself from a contract and he never wanted to go to New Zealand, or whatever, that is actually not the scenario. 
He had a player option in, in his favour, and he, t- he told Warriors months ago that he would not be going back to New Zealand with them because he couldn't envisage moving his entire family across to New Zealand. Th- they were almost aware of that when he signed to a degree. I mean, it was literally, what, like a one-and-a-half-year deal with an option in his favour. Um, so I, th- I just want to make that really clear, guys. He had a player option that he chose not to take up. That is not – like, that's his right. Like, what's, what's wrong with that? Like, he actually told them months ago, I, th- I think he's done everything right in this situation – but I guess let's get your answers to that first as in him choosing not to take up the option and then we'll get into him getting uh, released immediately, Gurino. Yeah, I, I don't really have an issue with the way that Lodger's gone about it. Um, Were you surprised at the like, I was surprised reaction? they let him go. Yeah, no, I mean, I, like the reaction online, like as if he'd released himself from a contract when he hadn't really done that? The reaction didn't overly surprise yeah, me. Incident. Like, you could see it coming, <laughs> yeah. but I don't think it was overly fair, mm. but it wasn't surprising by yeah. any means. Um I mean, fuck, isn't, isn't rugby league just cruel sometimes? They let go of Lodge. It looks like Adam Vanilla Blake could miss a few months now with this Frank injury. We're yeah. waiting for scans on that. But if they lose Lodge and AFB in the oh, same fucking week, mate. Good God. Mate, Jesus. They're, they're the heart of that side. Adam Vanilla Blake and Lodge are the, like the heartbeat. What do you think about the uh, choosing not the option? Yeah, look, with, with Matty Lodge, it was never going to be a, a quiet little transition yeah. and a quiet decision, was it? No matter what happened, no matter what the circumstances. Um, so yeah, immediately is very interesting, but at the same time, it's something's going on there and I have no idea involving who or what or if anyone's in the wrong or what's going on. So, mate, no comment because I've got no idea what's the business behind that decision yeah. uh, from either party. I'm very intrigued to find out why it's immediately because... As we just said, we know how important he is to that side. They go forward, mm. a bit of experience in the middle, and now AFB gone as well. Oof, poor old Warriors, they are. That's that's a tough one week turnaround to lose their two big boys, mate. That the, that's the the key thing that is surprising to me. It's the you know if him not taking up his option, that's literally just you know within his rights. The key thing for me is this immediate release. Like you, you would have to assume the Warriors absolutely don't want to release this guy. Mate, they named him on Tuesday, didn't they? And then all of a sudden, boom, Yeah, immediate release. Weird. It's super, super weird. Like Even like the fact that they named him on Tuesday in a time where guys can get the flu and whatever, they can be ruled out for a temperature, you can't afford to waste a spot. Like literally. And like they're in a position where they're desperate for wins. Like what could have possibly happened that forced an immediate release? It's absolutely bizarre. Nathan Brown didn't say anything too in detail. All, they, all he said was... Um, just like the question was was posed, like why wouldn't he stay the year even though they're still based in Redcliffe? And all he said was Lodge was more keen to go the other way. That's pretty much all he said. So, so nothing really revealed. Could it possibly be, and just pure speculation, that Lodge has gone as far to say, I don't want to move back at all? Because they go back in a couple of weeks, I think, don't they? I, think, I yep. believe so, yeah. I believe that... The- oh, sorry as well. Um Lodge did tell the Warriors a few months ago that he didn't want to go back to New Zealand. Yeah, that's but that's for next year. Yeah, so he said he, he definitely told them a few months ago. I will not be going. I don't. I don't envision my family being back there. But they go back to New Zealand in a couple of weeks. I think. Can you check? Yeah, that July third. July third. Yeah. So, like again, pure speculation. But has he said I don't want to go back at all? And the Warriors have gone. Well, fucking see you later then. Maybe. But then yeah, wouldn't you, if you're the Warriors, wouldn't you go, well, let's just keep him until we go back? And he signed on with the Warriors surely with every intention of going back there. Like, them returning to New Zealand hasn't come out of nowhere. Like, there's every likelihood that they're going to go back to New Zealand at some point this season. Yeah. It just seems a bit like, 
it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it almost makes you wonder if Lodge has got something lined up that might be a better opportunity. Like he, he might In be short, short turnaround. Yeah, he might be state of origin cover for a team. Mm. There okay. might, I don't know. I'm just talking off the dome here, but like, okay, I mean, you know what? You know what could make sense? And again, pure speculation, guys. <laughs> so basically, he goes to the Warriors and says, "Look, I don't really want to look." He may have gone to the Warriors and said, "I don't really want to go and move over there for two months' time, or what? However long it would be. Literally, let's say it's let's say it's ten weeks." And then the Warriors have gone, well, if you want to release, we're not paying you. And another club has maybe come in and said, we'll pick up that last half mm. of the year. And that's, that's what's created this quick release so that the Warriors don't have to pay a guy that doesn't want to be there. And then the other team is picking up that contract maybe. That I, makes sense-ish. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a few teams that could really do with a lodge in their side. Absolutely. Like it, Put aside your own personal feelings about things that happened years ago. Him as a player. Him as a footballer. He is a gr- a really good front rower. Like you put him in the Melbourne Storm team, you look at the middles that they're lacking, yep. changes everything. I, I look at the Manly Seagulls, they're going to lose Jake Chavoyevich over the next few weeks to origin. Well, the report was, and I, you know, apparently he may have a, like looking at houses in Northern Beaches or something. Again, very speculative here, guys. Don't take it to the bank. This is all speculation. I think the speculation comes from the fact that this is a bizarre, like very yeah. bizarre, like for this to happen just It like is that. interesting, like the Tigers released McKaylee yesterday yep. to go over to the English Super League effective immediately. And he would be great at the Tigers. He'd be a good little get for the Tigers. So I, it makes me think that Lodge must have... Wasn't he at the Tigers as well? A, a long time a ago, A long yes. time ago? Yeah, a long time ago. Interesting. Interestingly enough, the Warriors' first game against in New Zealand is against the Tigers. Of course it is. <laughs> Rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, could that be they released him because they don't want that, you know, a week after he's playing? Like, as in he plays the week before with them, leaves, and then plays against them? I don't know. Again, this is all speculation, guys. It's, um, but to be really clear, it was a player option that he chose yeah. not to take up. That, that, that we know for a fact, guys. This was not a guy that had a contract and he was like, all of a sudden, I don't want to be here. I'm fucking out of here. I don't want to move to New Zealand. This is like... He had a player option he chose not to take up. And also he told the Warriors months ago, I won't be taking the option. Isn't it funny though, like if they would have waited a week, do you think this happens if they know AFB's Gornsky? No. Surely not. Like surely the conversation's yeah. different if we're sitting there going, oh, AFB's gone for potentially three months. But I, th- I think they're, the Warriors are in such a tough position right now. Even like they're already in that position. Do you know what I mean? They're mm. already not stacked enough to get rid of him at all. Like at all. Which is why there has to be something. Yeah, that we it has don't to know be. About. We don't. Yeah, none anyway. of it makes sense. Look, the, the, the positive thing for, for Warriors and Lodge, it seems like that they publicly, like outward facing, haven't had a spat. You know, like it hasn't become messy outward facing. Mm. Uh, but I, yeah, I agree with you, Guru. Like, there's a lot of teams that could use a Matty Lodge. And the other factor is too. Well, you know, Lodge he signed with the Warriors when Peter O'Sullivan was the recruitment manager. Mm. It's his father-in-law. Yeah. So he's not there anymore. Uh, which is why I personally think he'll end up with the Dolphins next year. Well, the Dolphins have come out and said we can't afford him. Mm. How? B- Bennett, last couple of days. Well, he, he said, said they've spent so much on Jesse, uh, yeah, Jesse Bromwich, they can't afford to spend that like big chunk on another front row. Because Bennett has historically never been one to go big on front rowers. Yeah. He's, I think, through pretty well all his days, all his years, whenever it's been his choice around the roster or if he's had it for a couple of years, he's spent low up front and yeah. spent big elsewhere. Yeah. And, they, and apparently they spent pretty big on Jesse. Yeah, right. Pretty big mm. on Jesse. Uh, mate, there's so much. There's so many like connecting fucking dots and shit. What do you reckon about uh, the Lodge situation, Maddie? Yeah, I was just as blown away as you guys, but 
I mean, my my first immediate thought was was dolphins because of the Redcliffe connection. Yeah. Is I Pen- think everyone Pen- thought that. Yeah, everyone everyone thought that. But now that Bennett, although if Bennett comes out and says he's not interested in someone, generally yeah, that means they are. All hell <laughs> So, this, this happened two years ago at the Warriors. They got Sean O'Sullivan. They got Matt Lodge all in the same family with Peter O'Sullivan. Yeah. But to your point, they have gone. They've spent a lot of money in the Fords already. So maybe I mean, there's not enough. Fusi, yeah. Kenny. They got Mark uh, Nichols. Ray Stone. Yeah. They got Nichols. But the longer this goes, and they're not buying backs, do they just start to think, "Fuck, should <laughs> we just stack forward? our front row?" Yeah. Look, it's interesting, and I'm pretty sure it was Peter O'Sullivan that came out and said we can't afford him. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, interesting times. Interesting times. Uh, now, uh, Selwyn Cobo reportedly 14 clubs are after him, rightly so. Um, who isn't? Mate. <laughs> who yeah. is the one club who's not keen <laughs> on him? Yeah, well, it was, apparently it was Penrith and Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, this kid has, like, I, you know, we spotted him up. I spotted him up last year saying this kid's special. I could just tell by his body shape, his ability to handle contact as a, as a teenager. But I think that his development is actually accelerated faster than I think anyone could have expected. I don't even think the Broncos expected that this guy would be turn into a pure and utter game breaker on multiple occasions per game. He's been incredible. Now, the reports are that he is set to take a pay cut uh, and not take up bigger offers. Like, he's getting offers up to 900K. It was actually funny. I think it was last year I was saying, Broncos need to sign him on a long deal deal now. And people were like... Like, you know, come on, Danny, sign for two more years. I'm like, you don't get it. You don't get it. This guy is a generational talent. You just lock him straight in, kind of like the Payne Haas situation. Like, there's no way – if Payne Haas wasn't locked into a five, six-year deal, there's no way we kept him yeah. in those first few years. There's no way. Someone else would have got him for 100%. Um, but anyway, the reports are that he's set to take a, a pay cut of about 200K a year to stay at the club. If that is true, thoughts? Yeah, I think they have to do everything to keep him. That's funny. Like, just remember what you just said last year uh, when we spoke about it last year. I remember at the start of the season, you know, he struggled the first two weeks or so. One of my mates that I was sitting with at the pub sort of said, oh, fuck, he's overrated, isn't he? And I don't remember this. He messaged me on the weekend and said, fuck, do you remember after week two, you threw me a phone and it had the highlights of the Queensland Cup grand final and, yeah. and you said, watch this. And then since then, he's been on the train and he's been like, he just messaged me and said, fuck, we're starting to see it now. Yeah, oh, we? man. Like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and if, uh, if they can get him for cheaper than value, fuck, such a yeah. huge signing. <clears throat> Anywhere from six to seven hundred k, like I think that's too much for a winger. But if he's playing fullback, just to keep him at the club, it's yeah. probably worth. But it. it's a <clears throat> it's an investment in a winger that you know will be a gun fullback. Yeah, or at the very least a gun center. Yeah, you know, at the very least Latrellish kind of center. What do you reckon about this, Timmy? Yeah, and they don't obviously have a. At the moment, they're chopping and changing more so due to injury uh, between fullbacks. Tamari's Tessie News, who's been solid there, but there's an opportunity. You know, there's not a lockdown fullback where you go, he can't displace them sort of yeah. thing. Uh, and even money-wise, I look at the Broncos roster, very solid across the board. But from what they've got, Kevy Kevy's getting a lot out of blokes who probably aren't on a lot of money. So we go through there. Katoni would be on decent money. Adam Reynolds, he's what, is he 758 or something this yeah, year? Yeah, I think he actually took less to go to the Broncos than to the Sharks because yep. he was so keen to go to the Broncos. Yeah, Payne Hass is on good money. Outside of that, you know, Capel, Carrigan, solid money, but the whole bench wouldn't be on too much. Um, there's money in that cap. Looks like there should be money in that cap to give him a little bit extra, not extra, but to re-sign him on decent money for what his potential says. So yeah. I don't... To stay at Red Hill, what Brisbane are doing at the moment, starting to build something special... I don't see why they can't re-sign him. And mm. despite obviously 
interest from 14 other clubs, but yeah, I can definitely see him staying. Do you reckon if he really pushed it, he could get a million dollars? I reckon he could. I think he could. You pay for potential in this slot. Like, I, I think chance. That, hey, a million dollars if he really went out onto the market. They're already offering 900. Nah, I don't. A million dollars. This is like his pay what? So you're telling me the Bron- the Bulldogs, if they had the money, wouldn't pay a million dollars for him at fullback? Uh, nah, nah. <laughs> a million dollars. <laughs> Mate, this is oh, mate we're, not, we're not just it's overs, but teams will fucking. That's, that's what I'm I, know, I know, I know. We're admitting, we're admitting I don't that it's think overs. They would. Yeah. I don't think they would. Like, I reckon they would. For starters, we haven't seen him at fullback at NRL level. Uh, he's We've a winger. Seen. He's a winger at the moment. Yeah. After a month of the competition, people are saying, "Oh, he needs to be dropped and go go get some experience in Queensland no, Cup." I'm with you. Like, <laughs> you got to remember. I don't think they would. Yeah. I don't think they would. I'm with you. It's more. Let's yeah. a thought exercise because yeah. we have to remember. Reportedly, it's already at 900k. And so what I mean by if you went to the market, if you went out there, drummed yeah. up the interest, you know, we, we, if you look at his stats the last few weeks and then you go and look at what he did in Q Cup, he's going to be a, like, I think it, the writing's on the wall. As long as he's mentally focused and he doesn't get injured, he's going to be a, a superstar. Yeah. I, I think that the Bulldogs, for example, would genuinely sit there and consider a million dollar to put him at fullback. Oh, that's madness. It's, well, it's only 100K more than what people yeah, are offering. Yeah, I think 900K is madness. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think right now he's probably worth, like, as in, I still, I think even right now, six, 700K is actually overs, but it is the right amount of what he's going to become. Yeah, I think the six, 700 is paying on potential. Yes, absolutely. And will probably be a great investment. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I truly believe that there are some clubs out there so desperate right <laughs> yeah. now that would, would genuinely, ha- like, they may not do it. But they would have a, a serious, serious conversation of, can we pay this bloke 800K and then 200K? And get away with it. And, and, you know, because the thing, the thing that's insane is like you say, he's absolutely not worth a million dollars. Would you say Greg Inglis wasn't worth a million dollars? Would you say Izzy Folau when he was at his peak, peak wasn't worth a million dollars? So like if it's actually, if he fulfills the potential that he's already showing and he goes back to fullback and puts up those same numbers... You're going, oh, that's, yeah, that's, he's worth it. You know what I mean? Like you actually landed the correct amount for what you're supposed to spend for a, a game changer. Because when you look at these Broncos win, what lines up with the Broncos winning five in a row? That's his form. Selwyn Cobbo's yeah. form. Directly off the back of Adam Reynolds putting together one of the great months of footy. I know he wasn't he there on the weekend. I know, play. I know, I know. But. And that's yeah. where if you do hit this and you're paying him a million and Selwyn Cobbo turns out to be what we think he can be, it's a, it's the a alternative win. was you pay seven fifty for a fullback that you know doesn't have the same yeah, ceiling. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if he does find his way into an origin jersey at any time over the next few months, goes to that level and kills it, then we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I, yeah. Like, Let's be really clear. I don't think that – I would not sign him for a million because it, you've been – you just don't know what the future's going to bring. But I do truly believe there are a few of those bottom clubs that are so desperate for a game-breaking superstar, they would genuinely consider. Well, the one that is there screaming out at you is Redcliffe, yeah. who need a star, who needs some star attraction, um, who can invest in the future being a new club, who by all reports have money to spend. Like, okay, no i Who would you sign for 900k, Reese Walsh or Selwyn Cobbo? At the moment, Reese Walsh. Again, chat to me in a month. <laughs> <laughs> He's still so raw. Oh, no, so no, I'm with that, you. Yeah, so I'd the, go right Walsh the, the at this One stage. thing I do say in Selwyn Cobbo that he has that you literally cannot find anywhere else is his physical attributes. Yeah. Like, there, you cannot – there's only been two players like him before. Greg Inglis 
Latrell Mitchell. Yeah. That and I, I'm not saying that he is like them yet at all. But when you look at them physically and the way they move, they move, they defy what we're normally told. Yeah. You cannot be that tall and powerful and strong. But they are. And when you go back and watch them in their first two or three years, you straight away go, fuck, they're skinny. Yeah. I don't remember the being them that G. small. Yeah. 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 Which Selwyn in three or four years' time oh. could be exactly the same. Yeah. So, yeah. look, I, I, I think I think six, six, seven right now is, is still technically overs for him right now. Mm. But six or seven for what he could potentially be, I think is a good yeah. deal. I think Brisbane will have the Reese Walsh situation in the back of their minds. And I reckon they'll put enough on the table to, to not let him go, Yeah, in my opinion. Oh, look, if I'm speaking to someone as his manager, I would just be like, mate, that contract's coming, bro. Your life isn't yeah. going to change much difference. If you earn 600K or you earn a million dollars, like, yes, that is a substantial amount of money, but it's not going to change your life. If you can't save enough money over your next 10-year career whilst you're on 600 to a million eventually, because we know who get there eventually, you're, you're not going to save it if you make 1.5. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't know how to take care of your money at a, you know, earning 600 to a million dollars, you earning a million dollars to 1.5 million dollars, you're not going to do it either. So, yeah, it's uh, eh, interesting times, but it's uh, good to see that it looks like he's going to take those. Another thing I quickly will say is that fans that are so quick to say players are money hungry, this, that, next thing, remember this pay cut that someone has taken when he does ask for the big contract. Yeah. Remember this, because people will forget this. No one's going to remember that if he does resign, that he took a, a, a substantial pay cut to stay loyal to the club. Remember it when he comes around in four or five years' time and says, look, I was loyal. Now I want the payday. He's has every right to it, in my opinion. The uh, Dally M points just dropped. So we're around 11. Like, we're almost halfway through the NRL season. Mm. Isaiah Yo is the sole leader on 17 points. Wow. Nico Hines, second on 16. So is Ben Hunt. Benny Hunt, Jeez. Bruce. Benny Hunt, he's one point off Dalian lead. Wow. It's crazy. Still in third and on 15 points, Ryan Pappenhausen, who hasn't played in three weeks now. So so is Hines and Hunt on equal points? I'm, I'm being serious. I'm yeah, being yeah, serious. yeah, second, second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Reynolds is fifth even. or As in fifth amount of points equal. Yeah, yeah. he's on 11. So he's just behind. D- DCE there as well, Mitch Moses. So <laughs> I can hear you laughing. How good was the uh, – did you see the Waterboy video? No, it wasn't. Did it? you see that one, Matty? The, um, yeah, that was that was hilarious. <laughs> was I can't remember who the made movie, it. Um, the Waterboy, yeah, Adam yeah, Sandler. Yeah. It was um, Matty, obviously, as Adam Sandler and, and your face talking about the points and the even stuff and then oh. he comes and tackles. It was unreal. It was <laughs> worth having a look at the punters and dribblers. Um, it was hilarious because I – because, like, you know, obviously people, you know, they jump on it and they have a laugh. But I was speaking to Matty about it and I was like – People, I'm sure people understand what I'm saying. Equal fifth amount of points. Like, I'm sure, surely I'm not that crazy. Um, I couldn't believe, like, the reaction. I, they just, I, it's just banter. Like, I think they just have had a bit of a, a laugh. I think also we forget how many people listen. Yeah. Well, I see it, but it doesn't seem real. Like, minimum, minimum per episode, you're getting 50,000 downloads. So, like, it's, yeah, it's a lot of people. They're having a bit of fun, having a bit of laugh. As long as they're enjoying themselves and it doesn't become too, too, uh, you know, actually negative, then fair play. But yeah, Isaiah Yo is a lock forward uh, in a team stacked with superstars. He mm. should have points stolen off him left, right. He probably yeah. does as it is. Yeah. Uh, for him to be where he is halfway through an NRL season. Crazy. So I think Ta- when Tamalolo won it, he won it with 31. Well, so he's already on track to beat that. Far out. Mate, you know what? And he, he deserves every fucking point. He has been absolutely outstanding. And 
he didn't get a point yesterday or Saturday night. Really? Yeah. He was one of their best, in my mm. opinion. Did he really not? He was key to their early points, which made sep- like pulled them away from the Roosters. Fuck, he didn't. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. The guys that got it were good. Luai, Appy, James Fisher-Harris. But I would have had yeah. Yo at least. I would have had Luai number three points. I would have had Yo second. What about the full work he showed yeah. to set up right. that triumph for last time? Incredible. So good. Incredible. And two things. Awesome to see forwards getting recognised, particularly like a lock forward and not, say, a hooker yeah. in the Dalian voting because it's... We know so rarely it happens yep. over the years. And number two, to be doing that and leading it in a team with Luai, Cleary, Appy, Coruscant, Philly, and kick out, Toto just makes it even more ridiculous. Yep. Edwards as well. Like yeah. Edwards, you oh. know, I think he's starting to get a lot of recognition for how good he is. Um, yeah, really interesting. So so what are the points? The points are Yo, 17, uh, Hines and Hunt, f- f- uh, 16, 16. 16, and then just trying to find it again. Uh, and then 15 points is Pappy, Mitch Moses. 13, DCE on his own, then 11 points, Adam Reynolds, James Tedesco, and Sam Walker. Wow. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. Isaiah, yo, what are you paying for him on the open market? <sighs> I tell you what, you're paying a fair bit, seriously. Yeah, I, yeah. I guarantee he's on unders. Like, there's no doubt 100%, he'd be on unders. On unders. Yeah. What are you paying for him on the open market? Um, yeah, probably eights. Yeah, seven or eight, I think. And he wouldn't be on seven or eight. There's no way he'd be on seven or eight. Probably seven, I reckon. Just because you, your, your big money has to be on your seven or six. It Really, that's it. Like, yeah. That's really it. Because if your big money isn't on them, someone else's will. Yeah, they? yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Now, team of the week. This was definitely the hardest week. Yeah. Definitely the hardest week. Because our teams are fucking totally different. So I had Miller at fullback on a debut against the, uh, for the Sharks. I thought he was outstanding. I want to give a shout-out to Ramsey, Cody Ramsey. Best game of his career. Easy. He was outstanding on the weekend. Then I had Cobo on the wing, Lomax in the centres, Hiku in the centres, I had Tulangi on the edge. I had Luai at six. I had Townsend at seven. I thought Hines was incredible, but I just thought Townsend orchestrating one of the great wins against Melbourne. Papali'i at eight. I thought he was fantastic in his 250 NRL game. I had Robson at nine, and I want to give a massive shout-out to Brown. Um, you know, initially I had Brown there, but I think the fact they did that against the Storm, pretty incredible. Uh, Brown from the Tigers came on, scored two tries, hadn't played three years. I had Fisher-Harris at 10. I had Nanai at 11. I had Madison at 12. Isaiah Yo at 13. You want to hear something crazy, though? Offen he actually nearly pipped him for 13. I thought Offen was fantastic at 13. And matter of fact, every single week that he's been in 13 this year, he has improved. Uh, if you had asked me four weeks ago, I would have said Offen is not a 13. He is not a 13. He's becoming a 13. He had two try involvements on the yeah. weekend and was crucial to their win. His ball playing's come a long way Massively. in a very short space of time. Massively. Uh, Tarpanair at 15, Cotter at 16, Carrigan at 17, Hines at 18, Braley at 19. Fuck, it's a tough week. Good God. Uh, fullback, I went Ramsey. You said I, I agree. I think it was the best performance of his career so far. Hard to leave Miller out, but I've got him in later. Wingers, I had Cobo, Tuolangi, then I had Penasini and Hiku in the centres. Luai at six, Hines at seven. Josh Papali, I think it was game 250, huge performance. James Fisher-Harris in the front row, Reese Robson at nine. I had Nanai. Uh, I had Hudson Young in the second row. I thought he was unreal for the Raiders. Isaiah Yeo at 13. My bench, I went Jared Wallace, two tries, Cam McInnes, Miller. And my last spot I had it between Jeremy Marshall King and Cook. I think I'm going to go with Marshall King. I thought he was great for Canterbury. Mm, yeah, bit of youth in my side. And I remember last week, 
trying to pick a hooker because there wasn't a lot of standouts. Yeah. Could have picked about 10 different hookers this week. Yeah. They had that many good performances. Lockie Miller at fullback. Cobbo and Nico Kotrick on the wings. I thought Kotrick probably had his best game back in Raiders colours. Staggs and Lomax centres. Luai Hines halves. Wallace and big Joshy Papali'i in at front row. Reed Marnie at nine. Hutto Young and Luke Garner, who was awesome again. Back row with Isaiah Yo. Bench was Cook, Nanai, Robson and Madison. Yep. Mate, there was some good performances. Good performance now. First game of the week. Knights versus Broncos. Uh, yeah, look, what, what a game. What a game. I guess we'll get the... Uh, we'll speak quickly about the rest this week before we get going. We'll try to be brief. Um, personally, I think the refing standard has deteriorated slightly. I think that... And I think it actually isn't the ref's fault. I think that the... Uh, direction being handed down from higher up as to what they want done is actually at fault here. I think that, for example, you know, some of the sin bins they've been told to be very aggressive mm-hmm. about professional fouls. We saw on the weekend, like, you know, the Mitchell Moses one was touch or go. Okay, yes, he did grab onto him, but was it that much of a holdback? I would be okay with Moses getting sent off. Then fast forward two games... Reese Walsh literally holds the guy's leg down, clear, clear professional foul, doesn't get sent for 10. And so I just think that there is a confusion as it's, there's such a, a subjective decision as to like, you know, are we black and white? Some refs are gray, some refs aren't gray. Then you look at the obstruction call against the Knights. That was a shocking call. Then the, the Dane Gay guy one where it like slips out of his hand slightly. I believe he got control before he grounded. Like I believe he grounded with control, like clear, clear control. You know, in saying that, if you want to go black and right, yeah, okay, he, he bobbled a little bit. Do you guys think that the refs are the ones that have deteriorated in quality or do you think that the uh, direction from above has made it harder for them to ref? Oh, I think the direction above has made it much harder. Mm. And let's be clear, it's a fucking hard game to referee. Mm. As it is, it is a tough game to officiate. I also think that some of the bunker decisions have just been awful. Mm. Like in that, like I felt sorry for the refs in that Knights Broncos game because everyone said the same thing. Oh, the refereeing was shit. It's like the bunkers went upstairs. They mm. watched it fifteen times on replay and still came up with the wrong decision. Like I don't understand how we can miss the gag eye one. I can understand, <coughs> but sorry, I haven't spoken to anyone that I consider as knowing rugby league that has agreed. With that decision, well, when when we're we are watching obstruction calls get called where it has no effect on the play, we all know it has no effect on the play, and that gets pulled up like that. Like a player gets obstructed, he's twenty meters away from the ball, they score in the corner, and that gets pulled up. But then we watch a clear indication: he catches the ball in the inside shoulder, he goes behind him and passes. Doesn't matter what you think, even if you're saying he 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 wouldn't have got to the ball, whatever. The, the ball has left his line of, line of sight because there's a player in front of him and he can't see him. Plus, he can't get to that person because there's a player in front of him. How is that not an obstruction? How's it not an obstruction? Oh, I hate it as well at the moment how, <coughs> you know, you can half run an obstruction and then you can just go down. You can apologise. Like, I don't understand how we can only penalise it on scoring plays more and more. Like, if you knock on, you can't pick up the ball and go, fuck, my bad, I'll just lie here. Mm. Like, I, I think we it, it, we need to make, have, make a decision where it's black and white. We penalise it regardless of what the outcome of the play is. Mm. But on that one, I don't understand how... Like, it was so it was so obvious. It's so obvious. Like, crazy. So obvious. It was just... You know, there was the other one... I forget what game... I think it was the Sharks game yesterday where the halfback made the decision to tackle 
Mm. The lead runner. Well, it was a couple of weeks ago we saw. He literally turned his body in. I forgot who it was. So it was Schneider. He made a decision to tackle the lead runner. <laughs> yeah, like, that was... That was ridiculous. That was, yeah. How much more obvious can you get? And Schneider wasn't even up. watching the play. He went that, down that, and that made the play, If Schneider, like, didn't dive straight into him and he actually went up and sort of... Because he didn't have to go in. The ball was given mm. early enough. He didn't have to go in. Mm. He could have gone across and, like... It would have been taken out and it would have been penalty without even looking at it. Yeah. But because he went into it, it was like, oh, it was clearly, he almost he gave it up decision. because he made yeah. the decision. Yeah. yeah. And that gets pulled up, but then the, the nice one doesn't. Once again, it goes to the bunker and it gets pulled up. And oh, I sort of feel like at the moment, the bunker's more of an issue. I think with the sim binnings, they've been handed down what they have to do. And I just think it's it just lacks common sense. Mm. And the Reese Walsh for that one, though, that was disgraceful. He should have gone. I couldn't believe that. That, that, was, that was like the Daniel Tupu. That was probably, I reckon that one was worse. Like, I could. That's like a, a professional foul. And then, okay, Hastings gets back on side. Gets, like, so makes the effort to get back on side. If he's offside, it is by half a step. Now, tell me how that you can prove that was a professional foul and not just a player getting off the line because he had no one around him yep. and he's trying to win the play. And also, that was the second penalty the Tigers had conceded that game. Crazy. That, that was insane. Like, a player makes the effort to get onside. I don't even think he was offside. Like, I, I think you could debate because... Isn't it as soon as that player's touched the ball, the, the player playing the ball, you can get up, correct? Mm. Yep. That's that's the rule. Hastings, it looked to me, if he was offside, it was by less than half a second. Less than half like it was split second and it was all just timing. How is that a professional foul? And yet Reese Walsh can like lie on a leg and good on Reese Walsh, you got away with it, that's what you want as a player. <laughs> I just is it because he's hot? Like is is that is that what we're doing now? We're doing hot sin bins and not hot sin bins. Like what's going on? But that one was just so obvious. I mean, the Hastings like, ones to me blew my mind. Yeah, blew my mind. Um, what do you reckon, Simi? Yeah, the sin binnings. Whenever you see an influx of sin bins like this, I think it has to be a directive. I don't think it's the referees just going, let's start bidding people more. They're getting a directive up top for whatever reason to start bringing more into the game. So I put that on the uh, the higher authorities. Um, I think with you mentioned, Guru, that the, when they're giving themselves up and dropping to the ground, I'm happy for it to stay that way and not be penalised only because 80% of so the attacking much. structures are block runners. Yeah. So if they started calling every one oh. of them, I think it'd just be, there'd be 35 penalties yeah, in a game. there'd be a million penalties. So as long as you give yourself up properly, like most of them do, I, I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, mate. It's, and then the, the Hastings one... I'm with you. I, I thought it was very harsh. I'd like to see the still frame, and I'm sure someone can get it up for us, of when it touches uh, the dummy half's hand and when Hastings leaves the line. Because, you know, if it's it's a simbin every day if you are, like, semi-early enough because it was clearly going to be a try. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I just want to see the exact freeze frame of when he leaves. Well, basically, yeah. like, I'm telling you, it's, it is half a... Like, yeah. There is no way you could prove that he is intentionally trying to do a professional foul. It's like the ref's gone... No matter when he leaves here, you're gone. Yeah, you're gone, Skis. Like, yeah. it, it's just absolutely bizarre. Um, then on top of that, I think it's a Manly Eels game. So a few weeks ago, we saw an out-and-out knock-on. Roosters, was it Roosters Bulldogs? An out-and-out knock-on that they score off. Everyone says, oh, they can't go back in because it was a play before. But then Manly Eels, there's a, uh, the, the Mitch Moses thing. They go back two plays mm -hmm. and send him for 10. I'm like, so you can use the bunker. Yeah. And go back and look at plays. You know, like, what? Like, and I'm sure someone will say, yeah, well, it was foul play or it was 10 in the bin and that's why you can go back there. It's like, what's the difference between that? 
which is was very you know give or take in a, a straight up knock on like it's so the bunker can go back or it can't go back or it can only go back on foul play that's not really foul play that's just a, a foul like like as in it's not like a a head high or a spear tackle i don't i don't know so without yeah. getting stuck into refs too did Matty Tomoko get away with one of the greatest forward passes <laughs> of all time yesterday? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I want to be clear. I personally think that, yes, the bunker has been you know, not the, not the best. I think it's a directive from above that has made refing so hard, yeah. like so fucking hard. Because like, I feel like we went 100 years or however many years. I don't feel like the sin bin was needed that much. Like, was anyone ever sitting there going, mate, we need to use the sin yeah. bin way more and there's way too many professional fouls? Was, any, was anyone sitting there saying that? Now, it's just, we're, you, honestly, you're almost, I would love to see the amount of sin bins on the weekend because it's nearly one a game. It's like literally nearly one a game. It used to be one a month. When I was in high school, I remember it was like a rare treat to see a sim bin. Yeah, like it, was it was a massive deal. It was cool. Remember it was when cool. Cam Smith got sent for 10? Mm. Yeah. And everyone lost yeah. their minds. <laughs> Nowadays, it would be like, oh, yeah, fuck. Another well, would you have, when you were playing, would you have ever done any practice for playing? Never. Against, yeah, never. Wouldn't have even been up. Never, ever done any practice of yeah. like playing with ten, of less than 10, uh, 13 men. I think that's also where it comes into play when you look back at those old games where it did happen. Like it doesn't have the result you expect. Teams hang yeah. in the fight probably because yeah. they aren't training for it like yeah. they are now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so look. I I think that the the above the refs, you know, they're they're culpable for this. You cannot watch the games, in my opinion, and say to me that these refs aren't being put in these impossible situations. Got the stats if you would like them. Twenty thirteen, two hundred one games, and there was fifteen sin bins, two send offs. Twenty twenty one. Only 116 games. Oh, no, sorry. This is halfway through 2020. Let's go 2020. No, let's go 2019 because it's 200 games. 62 Simbins, one send-off. Last year, 78 Simbins, like halfway through the year and five send-offs. Wow. Far out. So half the amount of games and already more. Yeah. Well, uh, four times more. Far out. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. The, like, big, year, the big change was 20, 2016. There were 17 Simbins. Sorry, 2016, there were 17 sin bins. 2017, there were 43 sin bins. And then 2018, there was 112 sin bins. So those Jeez. are the three years. If we get 17 in a month, I'm not shocked. No, not at all. No way. There's games where we're having three and four. Yeah. Well, you look at those fucking three sin bins. There, set there the was bin two Raiders. in the Tigers Bulldogs. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, man. Crazy. Um, anyway, so look, hopefully the, the directive above and the bunker, I don't know. I hate to bag the rest because they, they got the worst fucking job yep. in the world. No one gives them any... We have to... Like, when you look at all the bad calls, you have to remember, what about all the good calls that they do? What about all the, you know, great games that we see where the refs are fantastic? You don't talk about them because the more a ref does his job, the less you notice him. So yep. I, I personally think it's more the directors above that have made it harder for them. I don't think it's the ref's fault. I do think the bunker definitely has deteriorated a little bit, needs an improvement. Um, but yeah, we had, to, we had to speak about it. So Knights fans, especially with that obstruction, it was at a crucial time in the game. Broncos don't score that try. I still think the Broncos win. But the thing is, is we don't know. We don't know what would happen if that try isn't yeah. scored. But that's the disappointing thing. That I, yeah. I thought the Broncos were the better team, but it's hard to praise the Broncos crazy because those things did happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and it takes away from the Broncos' great effort. Yep. Incredible effort. Anyway, we'll get into the game. Knights versus Broncos. Uh Mate, the crazy thing about this game is the Broncos weren't even close to their best. They kept inviting the Knights back into the game. Like, they'd, they'd get momentum, they'd get the upper hand, they'd dominate the Knights' forward pack. 
Then they'd drop a ball coming out of their end. Then they'd drop another ball coming out of their end. Um, but at the end of the day, their defence is, is keeping them in games. The Broncos' defence is keeping them in games long enough to get the points on the board. And as soon as they put together a number of uh, sets, they score a bunch of points. Uh, so an absolutely incredible win by the Broncos. Uh, what did you think of this game, Guru? I thought Newcastle looked really good in the first half. Mm. I think it was six all going into half time, and I, I just I sat there and thought, "Fuck, Brisbane's done well there, mm. considering yeah. how poorly they're playing." Like I, I thought, obviously they, they missed Adam Reynolds in his kicking game, but I thought a lot of Gamble's kicks were really good. Mm. They were solid, but then on second and third tackle, you'd give away a penalty every oh, single time, fuck. and Newcastle would get out of there. I thought Milford looked really strong for the first half. Um, he looked outstanding for the yeah. first half. And, you know, I, I mean, was anyone shocked that he struggled in the second half after playing no rugby league, let yeah. alone NRL? Um, yeah, I, I thought Knights, they looked good in the first half, but Brisbane credit to him without, to do it without Adam Reynolds, to do it with Ezra Mam, who, you know, he, he was pretty average in the first half. Uh, I thought in the second half he was good. And I, you know... <coughs> We, we spoke about I just thought Credit to Ezra he, like, he kept making mistakes But he just kept coming back mm. He kept trying shit oh, I love that in young players um, You know The try that he set up Where he ran out of dummy half Was definitely the wrong play It wasn't on mm. But he, he just kept backing himself Which I think is dangerous And like If you've watched him In Queensland Cup Even that first try That they scored where I think it was Clune or Milford kicked And he got a hand to it mm. like, like, j- 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 He anticipated What was coming most of the time in Queensland Cup, he catches that and he goes mm. and he's off. So I, I thought it was a, a tough day to boo in the first half, but I just love the way that he just hung in there and he just kept kept backing himself. Mm. What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, I think the man one where he scooted from dummy half on fifth, I thought that was actually excellent vision and he backed himself because the markers were scattered and he knew worst case he got a six again, which he got given as soon as he, he went and then they ended up scoring from same play or the following play. Um, and as you said, just kept backing himself, didn't he? Which is another sign, I say it time and time again, but it was just good coaching and you coach on, you know what? If you stuff up, back yourself, back yourself, back yourself. Um, Brisbane, we I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, how good they were going, how good they looked, but can they do it without Adam Reynolds? And last weekend, with a spine of Tamari, Tyson Gamble, Mam, and Walters, where you could argue, you know, whatever, like they could all be deputising for blokes that are out injured or for whatever reason. And to put that many points on down in Newcastle, despite the night's ordinary form, that's never an easy road trip. Yeah. Um, it was just, it must fill you and Brisbane's fans with so much confidence going, all right, we can do this without Adam Reynolds. Mm. Oh, incredible. I, I just, again, the errors were frustrating as anything. And I think it's going to sound really cynical, but we aren't going to get away with that every week, yep. boys. So it, times are flying and we're loving it. But you have to remember that you come out next week and do that or the week after against a team that is going to punish you for it. Uh, but on the, the glass half full chat, their defence, like I'm so proud of that forward pack's defence. They kept turning. The amount of times, I, I guarantee we all felt it. We're like, oh, he's... Here's the old Broncos. They're about to just open the floodgates for the Knights. They've given a bunch of penalties away. They're on their line. The amount of times Stags come up with, with a big play or Carrigan or Kobe Hetherington or, or Flegler off the bench, who's been absolutely outstanding off the bench. It's their defence. And, uh, and that's the key. Like, if we can get this young forward pack buying in to those kind of things, defence, we truly can be whatever we want to be. I, so it's, it's a negative and a positive. We can't afford to play like that every week, especially that first half. But as you just said, Tomato Martin, Gamble, Mam, and Walters. That 
spine, and this is no disrespect to them, that spine would struggle to play for some of the lower end teams. Yeah. But again, on the flip side, that spine got the got the job done because they're buying in to what's happening at the Broncos right now. So they are actually good enough to be in. The, they're a top five spine right now. Is in like right now the Broncos are in the top five, um, and so like a massive credit to when you see players like Walters, uh, Tomate, uh, Gamble. Gamble's a great like a really good example. Like is Gamble the most naturally gifted footballer? No, he's not. But is he buying in to what they're trying to build there? Yes, he is. So is Walter. So is Tomato Martin. Ezra Mam. Ezra Mam's a really interesting case. I think we all saw the talent there. You all saw the talent there. But he was kind of like the perfect example of that game where the ball bounced for him this time, but there's three plays that could have bounced the other way mm. and it could have been a, a debut, debut, debut from hell. And so although I love the fact that he was confident and he kept coming, I do like that also have to appreciate the fact that this is the NRL and just that one hand sticking out can be the difference between a win or a loss. Um, And so, but in saying all of that, he's a rookie on debut. And so the the positive thing with a guy like Ezra Mann, even if you take, you know, the couple errors or whatever, you know, I think one time he kicked on the second or third tackle, that's a rookie mistake. Sticking your hand out like that, that's a rookie mistake. You get rid of that and... Ezra Mam impacted the game. How often do you really see rookies impacting games? It's it's a rare thing. So it shows his incredible talent and it shows you where the Broncos are as a club that a guy like him is waiting in the wings to come through to the point where you go, right now, like, do the Broncos need to spend big in the market? Like, yes, it would be good to get a big a big fish, maybe, you know, a nine or, you know, whatever. But if Ezra Mam can keep developing and Adam Reynolds continues to play this kind of footy, You've got Gamble there as well for depth. You've got Tomate Martin as well that can play six. All of a sudden, the Broncos is like, do we need to go on the market? Do we really need to go on the market right now? Like, I don't know. I think they're building something pretty special there. And I think Carrigan is the, is the key to all of that. And I also want to give a fucking massive rap to that team because they obviously don't listen to this podcast, but let's say they did. Boys, everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon now. Everyone's going to be your best friend. But remember the people that stuck around you when everyone hated you. When everyone was off the Broncos, they were shit, they were this, they were that. You boys are what got you through that. Not me, not anyone else, no fan, none none of that. You boys were the ones that stuck together as a young forward pack and got each other through the really tough time when no one fucking backed you. No one backed you. You boys stuck together. So always remember that. It's it's use against the world. It's not... You know, the pats on the back are great and they're cool and everyone, it's great to be loved by everyone. But always remember, when the chips were down, it was your boys beside you and the staff that fucking stuck with you and not other people outside of that. But I'm, I'm super fucking proud. I'm so proud of the boys. If you would have said in the preseason that round 11, a Queensland Cup team would have the spine of Martin, Gamble, yep. Ezra Mam, <laughs> Walters... No yeah. one would have pushed back on you. No way. Going, oh, that's a handy Queensland yeah. Cup team. Yep. They come out there. And I know it was against Newcastle. I get it. But Newcastle didn't play poorly. They came out. Absolutely. They played some good footy to start. Um, so, yeah, credit to the Broncos. Very impressive. Like, very impressive. Like, the fact that they can still – because, like, you look at the second half. As soon as they held the ball and stopped giving penalties away, they put on 30 points. Um, Do we know if there's been any um, changes to coaching staff over the offseason and particularly defensive – because of just how different they've come out this year to last year. And as I said, especially their defensive systems. Any movements there? or I think they have brought on a new defensive guy in the last, like, 12 months or so. Yep. I'm pretty sure. Um, I also think it's, it's that we speak about it all the time and it's, it's almost lost its meaning, but it's that culture that Kevy brings. Like, 
He mm. can get the boys and the right people around the boys to be like, this is who we are. This is what we're, we're playing for something bigger than ourselves. Because like, what is a jersey? A jersey is just color. Like it's, like it's just color, but it's everything around that jersey that makes it something special. And if you can make the boys believe in the things outside of that jersey, all the people that have bled for that jersey, like, you know, the colors of the jersey aren't what make it special. It's Darren Lockyer doing what he did in the jersey that makes it special. And if you can relay that to the younger boys and getting them fighting for something bigger than themselves, like, you know, uh, Palacios taking a pay cut to say, Carrigan took a pay cut to say, I think Flegler did as well. Cobo took a pay, is taking a pay cut to say, that's when something special gets built. That's when something special gets built. Um, yeah, so look, absolutely fantastic game. Corey Oates, fuck, he's been good. I mean, we, we've spoken about Selwyn, incredible, but Corey Oates, for me, yeah, he had an error or two, but I think he's back to nearly best form. So much so, I'd probably have him in my Queensland side. Yeah, I think he has to be in the Queensland like, side. I really do. I really do. Uh, Jensen, I thought he was outstanding again. Payne Huss, like, what I think I love as well is like, Payne Huss can kind of doesn't have to rely just on yeah. him anymore. He can just enjoy his footy. I was just about to say that it's not about Payne Haas now. Which is and, and, and he's except he likes that. Yep. Like it seems like he's enjoying that, which is like sometimes you get players, they get addicted to that role of like, I'm the fucking guy, mm. give me the ball. <laughs> but Payne Haas is humble and enough to understand that this is a like what I love about their four pack right now is Carrigan Haas, Flegler, you know, Heathering to a degree. But in uh, Palacia to a degree, and Ricky, like these boys have all come through together. Like they have all come through together. They are truly working, like they're brothers. They're working mm. with each other. They're not just a makeshift forward pack being bought from all these different places. And I think you're seeing that. I think, I really think you're seeing that. Well, like we spoke about this last week. Adam Reynolds was on Matty John's show last week. And he spoke about with Payne that he's, he's sort of had to sit down with him and sort of say, like, you got to let other guys do their job. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, you're a sensation. We know you can do it. We don't want you to do it every single week. We don't need you. Like, yeah. we, we need you to be fresh, happy, yep. and enjoying your footy. Well, the, the last couple of weeks, 55 minutes both games, which mm. is well down on sort of averaging 64 minutes for the year, uh, over 60 last year. The fact that the other blokes are stepping up and doing their job, it means you can manage Payne House better because he's not playing 75 minutes yep. a game to get you out of trouble because everyone else isn't doing their job. The flow-on effect is just numerous, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So massive congratulations to the boys. Uh, Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Remember that it was you boys that got, got you through this and no one else. What do you go there, Matty? Matty Ballin joined the coaching staff. Matty yes. Ballin. Uh, is, but is he defensive coaching staff? It, it didn't say. It just said he just joins like the assistants. So, he, yeah, he was coach of Blacktown yes. Workers, I think. Yep. Mm. And then he was, a co- he was assistant coach at yeah. Manly. I actually spoke to Matty Ballin uh, recently. Um, he's loving it. He, he just thinks that – well, me speaking to him, he was speaking about the, the young – forwards are starting to buy into the fact that you can't clock off, you can't take shortcuts and go, oh, you know, someone else oh. is going to do it. And you can clearly see it. You can clearly talk, see talk it. Talk about a cultural recruit. No wonder they've got this defensive resilience. Yeah. Matty Ball, one yeah. of the toughest to play the game. Mate, 100%. Uh, awesome. One of the most unlucky nines to come through the... Yeah, the terrible timing. Cam yeah. Smith era. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. The Cam Smith era is just like... Yeah, he, get to play, he play, played one game, Origin, I think, Matty I think, Ball. yeah, he played yeah. one game. But like I've said this before, but Cam Smith truly is really the only person that like had their position totally unlocked, like totally unlocked. Yeah. Like I, I think there was even a year or two when Lockie's form wasn't great, where he was questioned. Thurston, there was a couple of years where well, his Lockie was told in 06, if you don't win, you're gone. Yeah. And so, whereas <laughs> Cam Smith is literally like, that's your jersey. Yeah. You, you own it. Even even Joey in some rep sides. Played hooker. Played hooker games, in that. Yeah. Whereas Cam Smith's truly the only bloke where it's like, no, no, there's, there's literally no question. Freddie played a heap of 13, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, 
Yeah, look, great stuff. Ezra Mam, the, the potential there, like him with Reynolds. Now I'm almost like, oh, fuck. Like, I wish we had have got Reynolds four or five years ago, you know? Um, but look, things are looking outstanding. Well done, boys. Congratulations. Enjoy it. Uh, shout out to Flegler as well. Flegler and Heatherington, the energy they bring off the bench is outstanding. Like, look at their bench. This is their bench, and they, they all played about 33 minutes on average. 125 metres Kobe Heatherington, 141 metres Flegler, 105 metres Palacia. Like, no, I, I, you know what? I'm, I would go out on a limb and say no other bench ran for more metres than the Broncos bench. You know, maybe, mm. maybe there is, but I didn't see any benches with those kind of numbers. Uh, so congratulations, boys. Absolutely incredible win. The crazy thing is they play the Titans next week, a winnable game. They go into the bye. Mate, Broncos could be in the top four. Like they genuinely could well, be in the top uh, four. After that bye, they've got uh, I think they've got Cowboys in Melbourne. So that'll yeah. be. A, 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 I think that, that's the sort of game Brisbane want to play at the moment. Hundred percent, absolutely. To see, see see where they're at, but it's a perfect time. You get the bye, you freshen up, and then you come into Cowboys. It's going to be like what they're going to lose. Paint. They're going to lose what three front rowers? Do we think during the Origin period? Yeah, Carrigan and Haas for sure. And you know what, Flegler probably too. Probably lose Flegler. They'll probably lose uh, Tony Staggs. Uh, so there is going to be a couple of challenges coming their Corey way, Oates but as well. it's what you pay for being a good footy side. Yep. If we get two Queensland sides in the top four, I'm going to have to take some annual leave <laughs> and just, just get back to my bearings. And <laughs> uh, now, on to the Knights. Man, I mean, it was tough calls. And look, I liked uh, Adam O'Brien. He said, look, yeah, they were tough calls, but that wasn't why we lost the match. Yeah. And he's 100% right. Unfortunately, in that second half, you know, when they just needed to hang in there for an extra few minutes, they didn't, and then it was all over. Um, Knights currently sit 15th. Where to now for the Knights? Yeah, I I can't believe how it turned out, but how good they looked in the first half. Mm. I really thought this, like, it got to halftime, I sort of thought, fuck, this is a classic, like, Newcastle, back in Newcastle. They're going to show up here. Uh, but, yeah, Brisbane just too classy in the second half. I... I don't know. I don't know where they go, mate. They got, you know, obviously Fitzgibbons, he's in the side now. Tyson Frizzell's back, which is great to see. Gagai's back. I thought Barnett was good in, in the 13 role. I don't know what change. I mean, they, they now lose Bradman best. I, I think Milford, he'll be better for the run. I think he'll, like, all things considered, I thought he looked great. Mate, I think they've got to keep Milford. I think they have to. Yeah. yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it crazy that we're saying that? Like, and now Jake Clifford can't get in the side. Yeah. Saying after week two, could Clifford be a Dally M smoky? Literally. Yeah, he's not in the same. Well, he was, he was, after three weeks, I think he was on top. Yeah. On top mm. of the thing. And then it's just, he's got some personal stuff going um, on. And yeah, I thought there was guys that came off the bench were really good. I thought Matt Croker was sensational. Um, the side that ball. inside ball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a really good indication of combinations. Like, yeah. they're, they're really close mates. And it's so important to, like, have that connection. And that, that doesn't, there's a read, like, KP can run that line all the time and yet we've never seen really before off a front row at the very least and for them to nail that i mean and kp hitting the fucking afterburners oh. fantastic fantastic yeah newy knights uh i thought clemmer battled hard as he always does um at least you, you're starting to appreciate the clemmer the clemminator oh for sure yeah, yeah I, I i think and we, we we sort of more so talk about it in Supercoach world but you'll probably see his stats drop down a little bit now with barnett playing yeah. such huge minutes, which is, is how it should be realistically. S- similar to the Payne Haas situation, you don't want you don't want Clemmer probably doing what he's done the last few weeks every yeah. single week. Oh, so yeah, yeah. it's good for him to have that support there. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, I just thought having Gagai and Frizzell back in, I really thought they'd sort of turn the corner at half time and then just got blown away. 
Yeah. What do, what do you think about the New Orleans? Yeah. Look, I think there's signs that they can build off from that game. And the first one is that their forward pack is very good, whether it's lived up to sort of hype or not this year. They've had so many injuries in the pack, but now they've got blokes back like Mitchie Barnett, Fitzgibbon, Frizzell, who was crooked there for a week or two. The more minutes they get into these blokes and match fitness they get back, it's a platform that you can really build off because on paper, I think it's one of the stronger forward packs in the, the NRL. The back line defensively, the edges are so frail. Like they're just getting chopped to bits and pieces. Bradman Best is now out there. Probably doesn't help her, but at the same time, like he's been there most of the season. Um, Milf is exciting for Knights fans, and it could easily go either way. We know that with Milf, but I think everyone had a little bit of apprehension, a little bit of fear coming into the game that when he ran out, we were saying you just wanted, you did want to see him come out with a bit extra meat on the bone. Yeah. You thought you want to see him nimble and training yeah. well in the off season, and he has because he looked yeah. good. Um, they said ran out of steam a little bit in the back uh, uh, second half there, but you know. There's attacking flair there that can take pressure off KP. Um, you know, full forward pack back, I think they can build towards something. Uh, I don't know what that something is, and I don't think it's top eight this year, but I think they can take a little bit out of that game. Yeah, look, it's... I think that that performance doesn't reflect a team sitting 15th. Mm. Um, I think that the first half, they were really, really good. Yeah, they m- might have lacked a little bit of punch to just finish their sets mm. to score some tries um it's the, the concerning thing if you took that six if you took 60 minutes of that game i'd say even if the knights lost it was still a great performance and we can build off that the just the really concerning thing is that last 20 the la- like it was just gates are open and also conceding three line breaks off kick chase that was very Ooh. poor that was like selwyn cobo's a gun but that he was running through holes. Like it wasn't yeah. like he was bumping or stepping people off. He was just running yeah. back fast and getting through. I think even Corey Oates made a break. So that's all attitude. That's all connection. That's all staying, you know, close together. I prefer to be the glass half full kind of guy. I think the Broncos are better than we kind of have expected them to mm-hmm. be. I think that there is a lot to build on. Uh, they just, it's just that last 20. If they, if they saw that last 20 out, all of a sudden we're looking at a game that's about, you know, maybe if they lose, it's 18-12 or 16-12 or even they win. You know, if they if they finish the game really strongly, they win it. Um, so it's just the tough thing for the Knights is though, is like for, for their roster, like they're not even close to where they should be. Yeah. They're not even close to where they should be. They've done all the recruiting. They've gone into the market. They've brought players to the club. Their forward pack on paper is great. Kalen Ponga, I still think he's playing decent footy at the moment. So it's like, where do they go? Like, how do they fix this? And I, I don't know what the answer is I, to that. I think it's also a tough... I mean, like, you know, you, you look at it on paper and you go, oh, Newcastle playing Brisbane without Adam Reynolds. What a win for them. But then you go, okay, how do we prepare for this Ezra Mayer? Haven't seen it. We haven't got any tape on him. We've seen him play Q Cup where he's mm. carving up that's it. And they've got Tyson Gamble, who's running the side, who... <laughs> Like, you can't prepare for Tyson. You've got just, no idea yeah, what he's going to yeah. do. He doesn't know what he's going to do. Like, it's, it's, it's a hard game to prepare for if you are the Newcastle Knights. Yeah. And I, I do believe that this Bronco, I know I keep sounding like a broken record, but this Broncos forward pack, it's something special. Mm, yeah. it's, we, we're seeing, in my opinion, the birth. It reminds me a little bit of that the Panthers forward pack a couple of years ago. Now, will they go on to be Panthers? I'm not sure. But this Broncos forward pack is special. Like, you've got, you got guys like uh, Jordan Rickey, for example, like, he is 
at any a club that's struggling, he would be seen as like the next superstar because he's got a lot about him. He's a great ball runner. He's he's you know got a few errors in his game still, but in this forward pack, he's one of the quieter ones at the moment. That's how good this forward pack is going. Now, to be clear though, he still scored a try. He still ran for over 100 meters. You know, he still made 35 tackles, only one miss, four tackle breaks, a line break. But that just points to like we're talking about Flegler, we're talking about Carrigan, we're talking about Kate Will Haas. When you start going down the list of this Broncos forward pack, you go, holy shit, like this is a fucking really, really good forward pack that's young, energetic and starting to believe. Um, so I agree with your point that I think that maybe the Broncos maybe don't get enough credit mm. for how good they really are going yep. still because they're so young. Uh, but back to the Knights, what, what does Adam O'Brien do from here, Timmy? I like that Maddie brought up the, the kick chase there because is there a better mark of, of attitude in a team, marker, I should say, than a kick chase? Mm. There's always variables. I understand if you're gassed and that can affect it, if you're getting run over the top off. But it's such a variable that you can control in an outfit, can't you? And just go, like Penrith, Melbourne, yeah, they often have games going a lot easier for them. But I don't think I've ever in... But under Ivan Cleary and under Craig Bellamy, like a staggered kick chase where mm. that allowed to happen, even when they're on the back foot. Yeah. Um, the Knights, Adam O'Brien, I think the things I mentioned earlier, he's just got to have faith that they've got the pack to, to win games throughout the middle. Uh, if they start you know, putting a few things together, they've now got another spy, another halves combination in there. So they've got to probably put a bit of faith in, in Milford clicking with Clune over time or Clifford or whoever that might be. Uh, and just stick to their guns. Um, I mean, it sounds like a bit of a, a cop-out, but I, said, I still think they've got the team to win a few decent footy games this year. What do you do with Kurt Mann when he's available? Does he slot into centre to fill the best role? Does he? Do you move him straight back to 13 where he was so good? Because they, they have shown that when Gagai's been out, the guys they've got to replace at centre, they've struggled mm. during that period. No, I, I just With Milford there, I think you probably put him at centre. I think if Milford wasn't brought to the club, you put him at six. Uh, Oh, mate, I don't... But he looks so good at 13. Yeah, I know. He was playing yeah. probably career-best footy at 13. I thought he was really, really good. I thought he suited it. Um, yeah, the Knights are just a really strange... They're a really strange team to me. I don't know what the answer is for, for a lot of their positions. I don't know... I don't know what direction they go in. Because, like, if, if you said the Knights need to go on a recruitment pu- like push because they don't have the, the cattle to get the job done, people are like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Like, how mm. does this team not have the cattle yeah. to get the job done? Um... I just, yeah, I maybe you put me in there probably, I guess, and just hope that he's good enough defensively to get the job done. Because uh, at the moment, it's more defence that they need to shore up. Uh, Bradman Best is a huge loss for them. Like, you know, he, even though he's been quite compared to his standards, he still ran for 140 metres, 59 post-contact, three offloads, which is, you know, big. Um, but, yeah, Adam O'Brien, he's got a tough... I, I think Knights as a whole stick it out with Adam O'Brien. I think he can pull through this uh, but I don't know do, do they need to go on the market do you think I think so but I can't tell you where that's what I mean the, Look halves. At the, the halves is where but that's where you give Milford some time mm. like we know what he can be who would you, buy? Who, who would you bring in though who would you like, like oh in terms of right now are we looking to the future as in like you're going to go into the market for the next two or three years who would you be targeting right now to be the guy that's going to turn the ship around well they've got without looking at the list of halfbacks coming off contract next year, they've basically got... They've invested heavily in their forward pack financially. Uh, obviously, Caitlin Pong at fullback, taking up a big chunk of the cap. They've got three halves there, chopping between Clifford, um, you know, Milf, Clune, who would be on 
very, very little money mm. compared to other halves in the competition. So it's just the spot that screams out to me, this is where we need to invest. Mm. But like, is, do you, is there anyone on the market that you would oh, go after? Contracts these days, you can always find someone if you want one. Well, let's assume contracts matter. Let's yeah. assume. Is there anyone that's coming off? That I'd you have to look at who's coming off yeah. next year. Without you, or anyone coming off? Those, I'm those trying. Target? I'm scrambling. There's been so many quality halves that have been signed over the last year or so. I'm, I'm sort of coming up with blanks at the moment. Do they make a player? I mean, if they can, do they make a play at Munster? Are they going to be able to afford? Well, Munster I, I don't know. Team? I'm not sure. I'm that's not sure. The, yeah, I. Is this a case of they've they've gone they've made a few wrong errors with the balance of their cup? They're heavy in the forwards. They're yeah. very heavy in the forwards. Like they've got back row depth for days and front yeah. row for that matter. Mm. Um, so do you think their cap is a bit out of balance, and that's what we're seeing at the moment? Potentially, yeah. Because they could apparently could have got Luke Brooks. You know, they were, they thought they were going to get Luke Brooks, so they got a little bit of money in the halves because they would have had to at least pay him five hundred k. I'd say. Where do you think they'd be if they still had Piercy? It's an interesting. I know it's hard to say, yeah. but like, would they? Would I don't they, think they'd be fifteenth. I think yeah. that'd be significantly better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it'd be fine around the eight. Um, in their defence, Brayley was is we're, we're forgetting Brayley, yeah, who is their true. captain, yeah, and he. I do think they're a much different side with him in the in the side. So, I put it this way: I want to see Brayley back in that side before I go. Uh oh, this something needs to change and change bigger. And, and I think as well, we saw Jake Clifford with a team that was going well, and he, he, was, he was playing great yeah, footy. Great but then. Gago got injured, Frizzell got injured, Barnett got suspended. Like, there was a heap of shit that went wrong for them in that five or six period mm. where it turned into a train wreck. If they yeah. can start to put together decent footy now, I don't know how Clifford gets back into this side, whether it's in the seven or whatever. I think it's tough to drop. Clune, despite him not being a superstar, I think he gels this team together well. But we've seen that Clifford can play. Mm. When's Braley back? About round 14, isn't it? Oh, check. I think it's, it's, yeah, up, I think it's, it's around it's that mark. About round yeah. 14. I was going to throw a name, but yeah. What about Jock Madden? Because he grew up in Scone as well. Uh, are you going similar to what you did with Clifford, though? Like, you know, an untested like young... Sort of, yeah. I, I like him. I think he's a very good player, but it, I don't know if he's your answer. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's the elephant in the room, though. It, it almost becomes like... And I know we've been very anti-doing it, but it's like if your money's in Ponga, do you just have to play him in the halves end because your money is there, you know? I don't know if him in the halves is the answer, though. I don't either. Yeah. I, don't, I don't either. But do you go, okay, we need... Clearly, the six and seven are our weakness. We put our best player there, and then we just fill the fullback role with someone that is, is a young, decent player that can ball play. You know? Maybe. Again, I'm just tossing shit up. Do they have up. that guy, though? That's the other... I, don't, I honestly yeah. don't know. But I'm just tossing shit up. Because it's I an awkward... Like, it's a good team, but it's an yeah. awkward sort of... Yeah, fuck, it's tough. Anyway, hopefully New Knights fans, hopefully you can turn around because it's uh, yeah, it's definitely hasn't been the year that it promised at the start. It really promised to be. Braley said definitely, definitely before round 20 and that's being um, like that's max, that's latest. Okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, hopefully before not. round 20. Oh, fuck me, honestly. I, I, I do think, and, and some Knights fans are going to say this is a cop-out and that's and fair enough, I respect that because it is a little bit of a cock-out, cop-out, cock-out. <laughs> be a cock-out if you want. <laughs> be a cock-out if you want, baby. Um, it's a cop-out. But the last 24 months injury-wise, they have been super unlucky. Like, let's be real here. They have got decimated yeah. by injury. They, I think... Okay, ask ourselves this. Let's say they're on the Penrith Panthers end of the scale where they've been just so fortunate with injury. Like, that's an unspoken thing that the Panthers have been fortunate enough where I don't know whether it's their training programs or, or whatever it is, but their injury 
count is, is substantially lower than, say, a Newey Knights. If the Newey Knights had of because they like for 24 months they've barely had a spine play together like literally barely um so in their defense they have had a lot up against it like a lot of injuries a lot of suspensions people moving on so hopefully they can turn around now i was just gonna say you look at the top four and you look at penrith Parramatta, and north queensland Mm. they're you could count on one hand how many injuries there are between those three clubs at the moment. Mm. Not saying that the Knights are on that level, obviously, but massive difference. Yeah, <laughs> massive. Oh, it helps. It helps. Massively yeah. helps. And anyone that says that it isn't an affecting factor, I don't think you're being fair on the situation. Yeah, and you have a look at all the teams that have won comps <coughs> in the last 10 years. Not many of them have huge injuries that they managed to. Yeah. And Knights have essentially been the worst hit club in two years in a row, pretty much. It's probably fair to say. Mm. Yeah. Um, at la- definitely last year at one point. Like, they could barely... I think even this year... Adam O'Brien was saying, like, I don't even have... That's what he was saying. He, he was struggling to name 24. Fucking hell. That's crazy. Crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, on to Tigers-Bulldogs. Uh, how good was it to see the crowd react every time 12 touched the ball? That was fucking sick. I, I Man, huge fan of 12. Uh, we've already spoken about Hastings 10 in the bin. Uh, I couldn't believe that myself. But, I mean, look, the Tigers, they got another win. And I think that... <clears throat> We kind of all could see this coming because although they lost three in a row, they were playing good footy, in my opinion, last three weeks. They were unlucky, those three weeks. You know, they were playing good, solid footy. They get a win against a, you know, a dogs team that started really poorly, then came out firing the second half. Timmy, what do you think about this game? Yeah, with you, mate. We are the, the Tigers. It had been coming. They put it together. Yeah, they got the dogs and it's some sort of softer opposition, but I thought they were pretty decent. Um, Luke Garner... Touch on him most weeks, but I think he's been fantastic. And he moved back to the back row this week. Mate, his line running, I think you mentioned last week about uh, decoy runners and how just whether you sell it or not mm. and, and whether you do a genuine job of it or you're there and you're a bit of a passenger and you mean nothing and they slide off you. The first two or three tries the Tigers scored, every time it was Luke Garner, he scored one, he was blaring into the line and you just saw defenders bite on him and that space opened up out the back. Mate, I thought Garner was fantastic in that game. Mm. I think he has been all year. Um, and over at the Doggies, it was you know, a few decent moments. Matty Burton was in everything. I thought he had a really good game. Um, yeah, so yeah, they, a few positive for both sides, but uh, the Tigers, it was a deserved win after a tough <coughs> month. Fuck, he's going to be a handful at Penrith Garner, isn't he? Mm. Like you think if he lands on that oh. left edge, like it'll be interesting to see what they do because they're, they're losing that ball player in Kikau. So it'll be interesting to see if you do see Dylan Edwards maybe play down a bit more yeah. the left down that side mm. next year. But I thought I thought some of the lines he was running, sensational. Well, Garner reminds me a lot of a Capewell. Mm. He's very similar. Very similar-ish kind of player. So I, he'll probably go to similar-ish heights that Capewell did at the Panthers. Yeah. Oh. Um, but that kick-out, the loss of kick-out is going to be interesting to see how – because, like, the amount of games he breaks open for the Panthers and just changes momentum is crazy. But, sorry, Guru. Yeah, no, I thought Canterbury, I think they – I don't have it in front of me, but I think they scored 14 of their points in a 10-minute period. Yeah, they scored a try in the 42nd, 45th, 54th. Uh, two of those tries were whilst Jackson Hastings was off the field. Um, so definitely helped there. Jeremy Marshall King had a big few minutes there, line break into a try. This Kiraz can play, can't he? Oof. Yep. He's a goer. Yep. Um, yeah, I thought that uh, Tavita Pango Jr. off the bench was really solid. I thought it was probably one of his better games the last su- few he's weeks. He's such a headache, though. Oh, you just don't know where to put him. Yeah. But then he comes and does shit like this where you're going, oh, you're actually one of the most damaging ball runners in the game. And you go, where, where do I put you? What do you guys reckon? I, do you reckon? I just reckon put him in the front, in the middle. I like him off the bench and say, Tavita, 
just go and enjoy yourself, mate. Rip and tear. We'll bring you off if you get gassed. We can put you back on. You know, get through your tackles, but don't be too worried about it. Um, yeah, just enjoy yourself. What do you guys reckon? <laughs> the more you think about where to put TPJ, I feel like the closer you are to making a mistake with TPJ. <laughs> yeah. Like, he yeah. just, yeah, I, I think you bring him off the bench and you just let him rip, rip and tear in the middle there somewhere. But they have got a lot of really quality middles, mm. which makes it tough. Uh, I like the move of Josh Jackson out to the edge. I, I just, as we said a few weeks ago, I don't, I don't love him in the 13 role. Um, I'm not sure if I love him on the edge either, but he's another guy that I would love just to put him in the front row. Yeah. But you have got so many guys in that pack between mm. Luke Thompson, Maxie King mm. off the bench, Paul Vaughan's going good. Um, so it's a it's an awkward pack to sort of uh, find your balance with there, but yeah, Canterbury. Um, I, I I wasn't overly impressed with them in this game, to be yeah. honest. Um, I thought the Tigers were the better team the whole way through, and if it wasn't for that Symbian, which I thought was a little bit dodgy, I thought the Tigers were going to run away with this. Question, and it's early early going. Has Madge turned it around? I think so. I think he might have. Yeah. And and if he has turned it around, let's if he has now they it's you know I think we we need to ask this question at the end of the season because that's when we'll know. But is it the greatest fucking turnaround of all time? Are we talking goat turnarounds? Because this <laughs> we talk about being under the pump. This bloke has the most under the pump that I've ever seen a coach nearly, and he's managed to hang in there, hang in there. And I like what I'm seeing at the Tigers. Offering Galway playing good footy at 13. You know, I think when Dane Laurie gets back, they'll be better. Hastings is clearly the guy for them going forward. You know, Luke Brooks is out. You know, they get the job done with Madden in there. I, I think they turn. I think the ship's turning. Timmy, is the ship turning or is, am I get too soon? The ship's turning, but it's not there yet, mate. Bit of, <laughs> bit of, about a, it's about 45 degrees turn. It's uh, getting there. Um, I mean, yeah. We said that they've had excuses the last month, and they really have. But at the same time, I think coming into the Bulldogs game, they'd lost by 13-plus margins, or thereabouts, two weeks in a row. Pretty comprehensive losses. They lost to the Dragons the week before that. So, they, I mean, they've won one game last month. Mm. Um, so I'm not getting too excited. That being said, I think they've looked as good as sides can look for having lost 13-plus in that period, um, with sin bins and all sorts of things go against them, injuries. Um, getting there. Uh, forward pack particularly getting there you know they've got Dane Laurie coming back in will help out Adam Dewey coming back in yeah, yeah. that is going to be a tremendous inclusion I, I can't wait for it because that will change the yeah. side um, to be fair their last two weeks losses were 36-22 against uh, Tom Javovich Manly mm. and then uh, then against Cowboys mm. two pretty yeah. fucking fair sides um, getting there um there's a footballer in Jock Madden somewhere. Yeah, he, uh, he can produce some good quality stuff. Good vision, has a crack. I uh, don't mind him. Do you sign Hastings on a long-term deal now, whilst he's still on the come up and it's still trying to find out what's going on? Now, I'm not talking million-dollar deals, but I'm just talking about if he keeps pulling this Tigers team up, his value becomes. You know, yeah. for example, if I'm the Dogs, I am absolutely asking what Hastings is doing. If you're the Dolphins, are you starting to look at Hastings? I, honestly, any club that needs a half, Knights, all of these clubs at the bottom, I am absolutely asking what Hastings is doing because there is no denying anymore. Hastings has turned the club around. Like, he's not the only reason, but that's that Tigers team with and without Hastings are two – it's like two different clubs. Yeah. It's honestly like two different clubs. 
do you go to the if you're the Tigers, are you going? Let's lock this bloke up now on a, a solid contract, but not too hectic because he's he's still in that loyalty phase. Mm. Because think about it, okay, Bulldogs could use Bulldogs could use him, Dolphins could use him, um, the Knights, Knights could use him desperately. Yeah. Uh, who else is at the bottom of the table there? Raiders could use him to a degree. Um, who else you got the bottom there? Like that's enough though. That's that's easily enough. Yeah. You know. Titans could have used him. How long is he contracted for? I think two, two years. Two years. If you're the Tigers, are you starting to look to lock him up now? I think you have to. I think you'd be crazy not mm. to. Especially when you consider the pieces you're going to get next year in Papali'i yeah. and in Api Kurosawa. Yep. Um, I think it would be, you know... I mean, it, if they would have won two or three of those first five games... I know they didn't, but if they did... Would, like, would you say that there's a world where they could make the top eight? Mate... It'd still be tough, don't get me yeah. wrong. And as you said, you know, as the ship turned around, I personally think that even if the ship does turn around, which I think it has, I think best case scenario, they can finish 11th. I yes, know it's maybe. probably I know it's probably this stupid to say, but when Hastings was out for three weeks, they lost against the Warriors and the Titans, which they, if he was playing, they could have won. And if they won both of those, they're on the same points as the Rabbitohs. That's true. Yeah. Well, Two then, yeah. games out of the eight. And also uh, Hastings contracted till the end of 2023. Okay, so he can literally go on sign at November, November 1st 1, this year. Yeah. Holy. I do. I have noticed some people don't like when we do like scenarios of like if Tigers had a one. Yeah, I know. Then it's like, <laughs> That's like, what I was oh, careful about my word. Yeah, no, no. But it, we, we, we understand that it didn't happen. We're just saying that like it's not – they're not that far away from the eight. Like if they go on a little run in the next, you know, six weeks, they're, they're two wins off the eight, which, which sounds insane with the pressure they were under at the start of the year. Um, it, it just shows you like if you're a team that is on the edge of the eight those games where you go we, we should have won that are so crucial yep. are so crucial uh, but yeah look I, I think personally that as long as Hastings can say injury free and I know he got injured on the weekend but it doesn't seem like a long long term injury that they can build in if they bring they bring Appy and uh, Papali'i to this side next year I absolutely <sighs> believe that they can challenge the top eight next year and that's why I do believe that the ship, not fully turned around yet, but she's turning, <laughs> baby. She's turning. Think about it. Like, that size, and that can challenge the eight next year for sure. Yep. Matter of fact, if they had Hastings from round one, like playing the footy that he's playing, they probably would have picked up one or two games over that period. You I know? They would have, mate, that Titans game was a shit fight. It just needed someone that <laughs> could play to step into it. Uh, so, look, Tigers fans, get excited because it's it, it does look like there's direction now. It does look like the club is headed towards top eight footy. I know there's a joke that, you know, they don't make eight or whatever, but you can't tell me that. Put it this way. Imagine Appy and Papali'i were at the club now. They definitely would have won one or two more games than they did. Uh, so exciting times for the Tigers. Um, I know it was the Bulldogs, but a win's a win, a yep. win's a win. And we have to remember, like, they did take it to Manly and got a few rough calls against Manly. And also Cowboys, they were in that game pretty much until the last 20 or so. Uh, so they're heading in the right direction. But I agree, Timmy. It's not fully turned around yet, but they're heading in the right direction. Doggies. Is it going to get worse before it gets better? Unfortunately, I think so. Yeah, as I said, I wasn't overly impressed with them the other night. Scored most of their points uh, against 12 men for the West Tigers. And, fuck, when you take off Hastings, you might as well be playing 10 with the Tigers. Mm. They are just a completely different side. They lack a lot of direction. Um, yeah, I, that's tough with Canterbury. You come into the season with so much hope, 
their team is so much better on paper. They do look like they're playing better. And then you look at the ladder and you're like, fuck, it's the same old. Yeah. Like, it's it's brutal to watch it at the moment. Mate, I don't know. Like, when you see that, do you go, okay, well, it wasn't the coaching? You know what I mean? Like, what kind of <laughs> – what position have the Bulldogs put themselves in at the moment where let's say they go on and continue to lose and get the spoon? Then is it fair to say, well, Barrett was unfairly let go before he was allowed to build the roster he needed? Mm. Because by getting rid of him now, it's almost setting yourself up for you need to improve because you're saying he's such a bad coach, we need him gone now. Whereas if they don't turn things around, it's like, well, there's clearly something else that's not working at the club either. I mean, mate, like the reality is that game on the weekend, they played the West Tigers who aren't a top eight team without their fullback, without their five eight. They had Tyrone Peachy at centre, who they've had as a lock forward all year. They had another Adam Dewey's debut on the wing there without Adam Dewey. Like, uh, I just, like at some point with Canterbury, you sort of just sit there and go, fuck, why don't you win that? Like, there's no reason why they lose that game of football. Mm. They're missing Josh Adokar. I get that. But. Fuck, if you, if you said to me, oh, would you rather miss Adokar, would you rather, rather miss Luke Brooks, Dane Laurie, blah, yeah. blah, blah, Dewey, like, yeah, it's tough. Positive is, positive is, Matt Burton is absolutely improving each week over the past mm. month. I think he is really, really starting to find his feet. I think he's impacting games. He's making less errors. He's making the right decision. He's also showing us a kicking game, a very unique kicking game, where almost every kick he puts up, it's a... 50-50 chance as to whether you might get that ball back from a knock-on. Yeah. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I think he's like starting to realise the power that he has with that big boot. Uh, I did find it interesting that Hastings goes off for 10 minutes. Burton kicks his dick off and can kick, has all the time in the world kick. As soon as Hastings gets back on, there's 10 minutes to go, the game's over, but Hastings is the one putting pressure on him. And I think like that was such a good example of like an, an experienced player understanding like that guy is killing us with our kicks. We need to do something about it. But anyway, back to Burton. Um, yeah, the positive for the club is is that he's playing the best footy he's played since he's got there. So at least it seems like he's happy. What, what do you think about the doggies, Timmy? I thought they used him more effectively. We touched last week on him sort of sweeping out the back a little bit, just being ineffective. They were using him in a flatter role and just getting the ball early in sets. Um, he made a lot of just really classy decisions, whether that be giving early ball, whether that be going to the line and giving, creating a bit of space for the blokes out the back. Um, and you're right. So I think that's a, a real shining light that he started to click there a little bit despite a pretty one-sided affair. Mm. Uh, the doggies, you know, you talk about expecting or hoping for improvement in performance and start winning games as soon as they change coach and that. It's just not going to happen, mm. I don't think. I don't think they've got the roster to do it at the moment. We keep talking about next year, next year, next year. And it's hard not to say, well, we want results now. But I think if we're being realistic about it, um, I don't think they're going to get results until next year. So mm. it's more about building towards that and showing signs of combinations coming together rather than necessarily getting the two points at the end of the day. As much as you want to see it, um, I think there are more important factors to look at. If Dufty is another club next year, and Vaughan isn't at the club next year. I think Vaughan's actually been pretty solid this year. You know, I, I, I don't think, like, he hasn't set the world alight, but I, I think he's actually been pretty consistent. Um, Dufty on the weekend, probably not his best performance. Do you start considering putting Avrillo at the back there in preparation for next year if Dufty isn't going to get re-signed? Um, and to your point, do you start going, all right, every selection is building combinations for next year when we get mm. the side. Is that the spot the dogs are in right now where they go, this year's a write-off, we're not going to challenge for the eight, we're essentially done, 
let's start preparing for next year. Get young guys in that are long-term or, or whatever. Let's put Avril at the back there. Let's uh, keep the Flanagan-Burton combination. Is that? Do you start, you know, moving other forwards around that are going to suit a Reed Marnie? What do you think, Yuru? Fuck, it sucks that we're having this conversation again. Yeah. Another year. Like, yeah. But it is what it is. I, like, there was a couple of things that Dufty did on the weekend that I – I don't think I could pick him next week. Mm. I think I would have to make a change there. I think that Avrilo, we always said we we think he's best position is fullback. Yeah, that's it. So I I would definitely be playing him in the one next week. And yeah, I don't know. You prepare for, but I I really like uh, Reed's coming in there, and it's going to be an improvement. But I don't think that nine is a huge problem for them right now. Mm. I think Marshall King is playing pretty damn well. Not at the level of Reed Marnie. Don't get me wrong, uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. Look, are we, are round one next year, are the halves going to be the same? Is that is that what you're anticipating? I think so. Yeah, okay. I, I personally think if you're not going to re-sign Dufty next year, if you've made that decision internally, I think you put whoever is going to be fullback next year yep. immediately okay. into that spot and you start building up that combination. <laughs> and, like, honestly, you almost try to force them to live together. Like, I know they can't. It's a <laughs> joke. But you get Flanagan, Burton, and whoever the fullback is, and the nine, Jerry Marshall King, for now, obviously, Reed comes in to do it, and and just force them to be best mates. Just get them close as anything, and build towards next year. What do you thought? What do you think about that, Timmy? Yeah, I'd I'd be willing to just about pull the plug on the it's not a dafty experiment, but um, throwing an Avery low back to fullback and start to build those combinations, mm. especially in the sense they've got an interim coach in there at the moment. They're still looking for a full time head coach uh, for the future. There's no pressure on the coaches to go. You have to get results now. It's like you're building towards next year. Mm. Um, as I said, it's, it's a tough one for fans to stomach because they're going, as much as it's about 2023, we've heard this for a few years now, we want to win games now, yeah. but uh, I'd be looking at combinations and bringing them those together because it'll benefit them benefit them so much in round one next year yeah. if the, this new look spine has games together. Yeah, for sure. And and look, if you're going to re-sign Dufty, <laughs> then you keep Dufty back yep. there and you develop around him and you go, you try to work on the shortcoming in his game because the, the tough thing with Dufty is like, when he's on, he is on. Like, he, when he is on, he truly is one of the better fullbacks in the competition. And I honestly, I'll argue with anyone, Dufty's best game is as good as some of the better games. Now, it's not as high as, like, a Tom Dvojevic, but I tell you what, it's it's up near Dylan Edwards' best game. Like, like and Dylan Edwards is obviously a premiership-winning fullback. So when he's on, oh, man, if you could get that every week, you've got a good enough forward to, uh, good enough fullback to win a comp. Didn't he, he had, like, five tries this in a game last year, didn't yeah. he, for the Dragons? Yeah. And, and there was a game where he was a bit under the pump, he had a poor game earlier this year. Then he came out the next game and he was outstanding. But So if you're going to re-sign him, I think you need to make that choice in the next week or two and stick with it. I just think, fully. you know, Dufty's another guy that, yes, his ceilings are unbelievable, but I feel like I look at Canterbury every week and go, can they win this game if this happens, if this happens? Like, you're relying on a lot of players if, with huge yeah. ceilings to play a good game at the same time yeah, for them point. to get a result. Mm. Good point. And, and he's not... Dufty's not a Tyrell Sloan where you're like, we've seen his good games, do we persist with it? Where he's had 10, 15, 20 games, 93 appearances now. That's a fair few games. Yeah, so it's like way. when you have all these highs, but then so many lows, it's like at what point do you, do you cut your losses and say, he's just not going to be the consistent performer that we want to see? Like even spoke last week about fullbacks at um, A mark in defence, mm. New Browns two tries straight through Matt Dufty. He wasn't alone, but mm. two pretty ordinary defensive efforts. It's like, how many chances do we give this bloke? Mm knowing even though what his ceiling can be. Yeah, I tell you what, 
if he does move on to Super League, he will absolutely yeah, tear, it up, yeah. tear. I mean, we saw what Jai Field is. Yeah. It Jai Field. Jai Field. Yeah. He is tearing that thing apart. Dufty over there, it'll be a piss take for Dufty. He'll win Man of Steel. Easy, and it won't it, like it won't even be like if he yeah. turns up and, and has a crack, like he'll yeah. kill it over there. I do think that right now where he's at in his career, it's very hard to once you get that brush painted with that brush of like you know, yes, crazy ceiling, but a bit inconsistent. It's going to be hard for another club to take him on right now because mm. fullback is so crucial to be consistent each week. Um, but hopefully, you know, regardless of what he does, he's going to play footy somewhere because a yeah. Super League team picks you up. He will absolutely... Oh, like, like th- this year was back against the wall for Dufty. Yeah. It was perform or go to Super League. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully uh, whatever happens, hope he's happy uh, with the decision because he, he's got such an incredible talent in him. Like he just needs to unlock it each week. Yeah. Once he does, fuck, he's going to kill it. What do you think about the doggies, Matt? Yeah, it's – I did expect them to be gone a, a little better than, than they are now. I did like um, – when they were coming back on the weekend, I, I was thinking – because the, the one bloke we've forgotten about for Origin is Matt Burton and he's probably not going to play now. But I was sitting with my mate um, Eric, and he was saying, "Mate, if Matt Burton can pull the dogs out of this, then you know he's back in the conversation." Unfortunately, they didn't get there. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to put a finger on it because they've. Yeah, I, I don't. I think Matt Dufty at fullback, you know, he's not right for them. Mm. Definitely, for where they are right now. For where they are. For where they are now. Yeah, yeah. like because obviously that that spine's very inexperienced. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be better with Reed next year, obviously, mm. and yeah, kick out as well. But I don't know; it's hard to really comment because I just, I just I'm not so sure. Nerd. Yeah, and, and like Dufty is such an interesting case because, like, in his mind, he'd be like, "Well, look at this game and this game and this game," and, and he has every like you'd look at go, "Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like, fuck, that's incredible what you've done those games." And then you know, in his defense, he could be like, "Well." The whole team's inconsistent, you know. Like it's not just me that's inconsistent; everyone's inconsistent. So, um, yeah, I, I, if I'm if, if I'm the Bulldogs, I make the hard decisions now. Like I'm I'm talking really hard decisions. Um, even even I'd be t- trying to either recruit or stick with a thirteen. Um, you know, because I think thirteen is so crucial. When you look at that squad, is there anyone that stands out for you that could be a thirteen for the doggies? I mentioned uh, to Pine a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I wouldn't mind giving him a go. I don't. I don't think he is a premium thirteen. Mm. I just think he might. I, I still. I, we said a few weeks ago too. I come back to fuck. If they had Asiata, he'd be such a good point of difference. Mm. Oh, he would have been such a good. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Like that, that. That has really stung them. Like as far as all these recruits went and uh, all these big names, like Josh Adokar and Burton, were obviously the two top dogs. But I thought Asiata was the next most important. There. Well, it was funny. Remember how we were saying? I think like a few weeks before we were saying, you know, who'd be really good at the dogs. Asiata. Yeah. And then they go out and sign, sign him and then all the stuff happens outside. But you're right, they do miss... They missed him heaps. Massively. Um, but anyway, Doggies, hopefully uh, they start building towards next year. They, 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 yeah, they've got a forward pack that do rip in. Like, they do mm. rip in that forward pack. Anyway. Tyler Mater is going to be big. Um, yeah, hopefully, yeah. He's missed a lot of footy the last couple yeah. of years. 400 days or something. Yeah, if, if he can come back and, you know, he played on the weekend in limited minutes. If he can come back... Be that eighty-minute edge man that holds up defensively. He's a great footballer. Yeah. When he's fit, um, so hopefully he comes back, shores up an edge, offers plenty in attack as well. Yeah. Um, a bit of a, a shining light for them. Good hopefully. to see him back out as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, congratulations, uh, Ray. Because the, the other one too to mention, <coughs> Zach Docker Clay. He made his debut on the weekend at age twenty-seven off really? the bench. He oh is, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck, he's he's. 
he's played so much New South Wales Cup over the last few years. He's had a heap of injuries too. Like being a halfback at 20, like he, he's playing hooker now, but he's always been a seven or six. Yep. He would have just thought his career was over. Yeah. If you're a halfback and you don't get a gig at 22, oh, yeah, you're at long skills. odds. He's waited another five years. He's bounced around. A heap. Like I think he's played for three clubs in three years. Mm. Got his opportunity there. So well done to him. Yeah, well done, Zach. Uh, now, on to the next game, which was Eels versus Manly. Uh, we'll talk about it quickly to get it out of the way. Has anyone, and I'm being serious when I ask this, has anyone seen any footage that says that tackle was high on... Uh, Hayes Perham. Nope. Has anyone seen any footage? Like, this is where I feel like the fans, whether you're Manly or you're Eels, deserve to at least see footage of such a huge call. And I still have yet to see any conclusive footage that says that... Um, because when it happened, it wasn't a penalty. It was, a, it was only after that it got called a penalty. So I want to know what the bunker was looking at that I didn't get to look at, that was such a huge call in the game. Uh, what did you guys think about that uh, penalty that truly impacted the game? And what's crazy, a set later, uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard actually gets head hide <laughs> and they don't give it to him. It's, what are we doing? Anyway, sorry, apologies, apologies, rest, they have it hard, I'm sorry. But that's just, I'm just passionate. But mate, passionate. Fuck, I feel like, yeah, I don't know about you, Tim, but I feel like when you throw to us, I've got nothing more to add to yeah. it because it's just, it's what it is. It doesn't matter. I'm as confused as you. I'm sure we all are that we're watching it. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Tui Palotu, great, great uh, tackle. That was a great tackle in my opinion. Yeah. And also, like, for people saying, oh, you know, he shouldn't have been as aggressive. Like, he has to be because if he doesn't put his body on the line, he's going to get bumped. Yeah. He's going to get bumped. So he has to throw everything he has into that tackle. I, yeah, look, if, you, if they release footage or someone can send it to me where it shows, like, direct contact with the head, absolutely right call. I personally just have not seen any footage that shows contact to the head. Just on him as well. Has he not been one of the fines of the season? Mate, I've told you. I, I know cooler has been getting the rats, but Tui Pilotu mm. has been outstanding. Outstanding. 212 metres, a try, 83 post contact, two tackle breaks, a line break. I think he's been outstanding. If you take out the try... There his stats every week. Yeah, yep. He he's incredibly consistent. He does a heap of work. He's he's got that Toto esque big sort of fucking boy. Him. He's yep. a big like. Did you see him next to Hayes? Yeah, he's fucking huge. I reckon he's about six two, maybe ninety eight kilos. Fucking, I forget. You know, it's weird. It's like when I played footy, like I always thought like I'm a small person. Like I'm a small, like I'm just a small person. That's what I always just think in my head. And then when I quit footy and like got out into the real world, I was like, oh shit, like I'm not actually a small person. But when you're in footy, you're like, oh, I'm like a very light, small, a small guy. Then you get out in the real world and you're like, you know, I'm nearly six foot. I'm a hundred kilos at the moment, which is a bit too much, but do you know what I mean? That's not a small guy, but because they're all so fucking big, you get used to walking around giants all the time. But yeah, I went into the real world and I was like, oh, I'm actually probably like, an average uh, size. Imagine how those guys feel now. Yeah. Like, respect, like it's only got bigger. Yeah, 100%. Like, 100%. Um, but yeah, like for Tui Palotu, you wouldn't think, oh, he's a big body. You would just say, oh, yeah, he's a normal size winger in the NRL. He's actually like six foot two, 100 and mm. up, like at least 98 kilos. Big, big boy. Uh, we'll, we'll get to, we'll talk about Seagulls first of all before we get to the Eels. Um, <clears throat> this is heartbreaking, this loss. This is heartbreaking because 
Although I don't know whether Eels would have gone on and come back and won the game, as a Manly fan, you're like, that call directly got them in the position to get the points, to score the game, to win the game. And if they win this game, Manly are in a totally different position. I think they're in the eight, pretty much. Uh, at the very least, you know, they're, they're on equal points. They're, in, they're the in the eight. They'd be on equal points? They'd, they'd be... I'm not sure. <laughs> no, now now we've, we've created a whole meme about it. Like, <laughs> we, we can't even say equal points anymore. But so, Souser on 10 competition points, and they're sitting eighth, and Manly are also on 10. So, they would jump South and be eighth. Because they have a better points differential? No, no, they're equal now. So, if they won, they would be above South. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. So, they'd okay. be eighth, yeah. They'd so, be on the same yep. points as the Roosters. Okay, so, so they're currently equal on points for eighth, but they have a worse points differential than Raiders and Rabbitohs. Correct, yes. yeah. Okay. Um, it's so funny. Now it'll just be a constant running joke of like, can't say equal on points, can't say equal on points. During, uh, during that chat last week, I was like, 50% of me was sitting here in stitches. The other 50% of me was like, if they throw to me, I'm just going to curl up in a ball <laughs> and not be able to say a word. But the funny thing was, is that like, like he was right, like he was right on the ladder, but like we were both right, so there was no like wrong answer, but... Anyway, the good thing is it has created a lot of memes. <laughs> it has created a lot of memes, which is good. As long as the boys are having fun and enjoying themselves, that's what we want around this show. Um, but yeah, look, the, the Seagulls, it's a devastating loss because oh. now they fall out of the eight and we just spoke about the next month of footy for them. Plus they lose Tom Trubojevic. Is this a season-defining unfortunate loss? Is this, put it this way, is this a situation where fans have every right to be pissed at a call that changed their entire season? Yes or no? Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's obviously compounded with all the other shit we've mm. spoken about. But yeah, I mean, if we get to the end of the season and Manly are twelfth or thirteenth, I think this will be the night that we look back on and go, "Fuck." Yeah, that's what we it, changed it, everything. Just shit that night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, injuries aside, Manly aside, coming into twenty twenty two with genuine title credentials, uh, and even with Tommy Turbo there and other players there, they were underperforming and should have been higher than they were. So yeah, it was one bad call that may have cost him a game, give or take. You know, it's hard to blame it on one call, isn't it? Mm. Um, but that game on the weekend, the poor old Manly fans just would have had their souls ripped from their bodies. We we pretty much I had my say on this game before before we got to this game, but how good Josh Schuster looked and how important he was coming back into that side. Oh, what, what he did for Tommy Turbo and the space he created for Turbo at the back, um, going up against Parra, who are top four side and looking great and going, we're back, here we go, mm. to that decision, to not getting beaten on the buzzer, Tommy going down. It was just like everything that could go wrong uh, just did as, a, as they got their buck brightest moment of the season and it just got ripped from them yeah oh. absolutely i feel for manly fans and obviously on wednesday i'll say it's the best reckoning i've ever seen in my life but on this show i'm going to say i feel for manly fans because <laughs> that that was bullshit now they fought enough to win that game they yeah. fought enough to win that game uh and who knows if that call because there were still minutes in the game so it's, you don't definitely know that eels wouldn't have you know won it but if if uh Tui Polotu makes that tackle, then they get through their set. All of a sudden, Eels are at the other end of their, you know, other end of the yeah. field. So I cannot totally understand why Manly fans would be devastated with this loss because it's such a crucial time, especially after they lost Tom Tavoyevich. Where do Manly go from here? Like we've spoken about it a little, or we've probably spoken about it already. Is there anyone else that you wanted to speak about in this Manly side? Uh, from the weekend oh, I, I just He's already been mentioned But Josh Schuster Like I watched that game Then I had a look at the stats after Like I couldn't believe He only played 33 minutes Yeah, yeah. I felt like he was everywhere 
Like, uh, I would have guessed he was up around the 50-55 just by... And you look at his stats, you'd go, yeah. Like, look at his stats. 61 metres, 14 tackles. But if you actually watch the game, yeah. you go, this guy was electric. Like, actually electric. The, the no-look pass that he does is better than I've ever seen in my life. It seriously is. I think as well with Schuster, you got to remember, like, he's obviously come back from injury. You know, he's a while off being his best. Like he, he came back and played one game. I think that was the Thursday night. Mm. He had his 21st on the Saturday night, so he, I'm Crazy. sure he would have done a number on himself there. Yeah. So. No, he's not like that. He no, no way. That. But, you know, it, it, like match fitness, the better he gets, it's going to be scary him, especially if he gets a few weeks at 5'8". Mate, I was about, that's my next point. If he does fulfil his potential, imagine that... Like, I'm trying to think of the last time we've had a six this big. Could you remember a time when a six has been this big and strong like the last time i can think of a guy that was really big enough is probably freddie that could play 13 but schuster is a much bigger body than um than freddie mm. and freddie probably wouldn't have been big enough to play on the edge i'd assume could be wrong whereas schuster like he's big enough to even play in the middle if he had to mm. have we seen a big fella that can play six as this silky hands before filetti mateo See, but I, I think was he was very, lot. and yeah. he was very like offloady. Yeah. I, I think like actual passing, mm. I would probably have Schuster a little bit ahead. But you're yeah. right, he, he's silky hands. Thereabouts. Yeah. The only one I'll throw, and Schuster's probably a more skillful player, but Johnny Sutton. Yeah, yeah. That's good. A that's, a, that's a great yeah. shout. Great shout. Uh, and people forget, like Sutton, fucking in his heyday was this this close to playing Origin too, wasn't he? It was a train off between him and Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. Well, I think the other one, and obviously Schuster's a lot more athletic than him, but just like the ball playing ability, it's a bit like Glenn Stewart. Yeah, yeah, that's a great shout. But he's so much more athletic than what Stewart mm. was. Um, Mate, if I, they, I don't think we have seen a Schuster. That's what I'm. That's what I mean. Before. I can't remember a player that fits the same description as Schuster that has as silky ball. Like even little things like his ability to square the player. Like a lot of big boys just don't have that ability to do that. It's wild. So the key for Manly is just making sure they keep him fit, you know, keep his weight down, keep him agile, keep his, keep his weight down so that he doesn't get a lot of soft tissue injuries, all that kind of stuff. Because if they do get the best out of him, we, we may have a new type of six that we haven't really seen before, which is exciting as anything. Mm. And he's going to um, be hard to emulate as well. And, and also hard to defend. Yeah. Because if you give him an inch, he'll fend you, he'll bump you. We, very rarely have we seen a six that truly can run at you like a you know close to a front row at the very least so very exciting time for manly and schuster still extremely early days though extremely early days maybe he doesn't kick on to do what we hope he would but the potential in him is mm. absolutely amazing absolutely amazing um outside of that look i thought manly seagulls forward pack turned up in a much better mind frame i do still think they're lacking a little bit of oomph i thought they were a little bit quiet through the middle um now to be fair in their defense the eels forward pack is an absolute motherfucker to play um but i just thought defensively they were outstanding you know you've got uh basically both front rowers only had one missed tackle between them. Olakowatu had no missed tackles. Davey only had a missed ta one missed tackle. Jake Dvojevic had two missed tackles, but he made 52. So if your forward pack is putting up those kind of numbers, it's a fucking great knock. Mm -hmm. So devastated for Manly fans. I can understand why you would feel upset. Um, and also shout out to Harper. You know, I know yeah. he's been under the pump, yeah. but I feel like he's bounced back. You know, he's still got a ways to go, but he had a try. He had a try assist. He ran for 140 metres. He had a tackle break, 14 tackles, and a line break assist. It's not bad. 
it's not bad. So congratulations to him. Have we uh, we done a welfare check on the boys yet, Tom and Eddie? Fuck Tom and Eddie. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Fucking hell. All of a sudden, oh, poor Tom and Eddie. They've been putting shit on me for two years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fuck those guys. Um, the video of Tom watching yeah, Moses kick unreal. the field goal. Uh, kick the conversion. That was pretty funny. Uh, now, on to the Eels. Uh, one of those games where you just go, thank you. Yeah, we'll take thank, it. We'll yeah. take it. Yeah. Thank the rugby league gods. I will say, though, I'm going to sound like a cynic. I don't like this inconsistency. It's starting to concern me. It's starting to make me go, oh, when I, when I was saying they're premiership threats, if you play like this, eventually it's going to catch up to you. It's going to catch up to you. Uh, so it, it was a good win, and they did really well to fight back into it. But what do you think about it, Timmy? I mean, starting off, they, the fact that they... They started Murata Niakora, who's played one game this season. He was back from injury. And they had Ryan Madison and Nathan Brown coming off the bench. I did not understand it. One of the weirder decisions I've seen. But it also says, like, holy shit, how good is Paris depth and forward depth in particular? To have Nathan Brown and Ryan Madison yeah. coming off the bench. Um, mate, Parramatta were terrific. And I think the bloke who impresses me more and more every single week is Reid Marnie. Mm. Just as a complete hooker. Yeah. He has a kicking game. He tackles his ass off. He has a terrific running game. Great like, service. Great service. Like, he assesses what's in front of him really well and takes the right option nine times out of ten. He's going to be so, so huge for the dogs next year. And I just I rate him more and more every time I watch the boat play and how key he is to this side. Mm. Um, and you're right with Parra. They're sort of up and down. They're getting up for the big games, which is important. But, uh, again, they, they got the job done. So, Yeah, what do you reckon, Guru? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I find it so fucking frustrating how up and down they are. And whenever you talk to a Parramatta fan, yeah, but we beat Penrith and Melbourne. I'm like, I know, yeah. but you do it every year. Yeah, I know. You beat them every year in the regular season. I, I, I think what you just said echoes what uh, I've heard Smithy say a few times, mm. that the way that you play during the regular season, it will come out in mm. finals time and they are inconsistent. They've beaten the top teams twice. I understand that. But I remember sitting there last year and, They'd done the same thing. They'd mm. beaten Melbourne, down in Melbourne. They'd done this. They'd done that. I don't know. I just, I, I, honestly, I just want to fast forward 15 weeks with To Paramount. see. To see. All, yeah. I, I don't care what they do for the yeah. rest of this season. Because it's, it's, it's honestly, it's almost irrelevant. Like, yeah, I know because, they're good. Yeah, you don't you know have to prove good. that to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm still going to stick to my guns that they are a premiership threat. I still believe that they genuinely can win the NRL, the comp. The concern with the consistency is, though, is that when you get into finals footy, especially if you're not in the top four, and the crazy thing is, is that top four is getting fucking hard to make yeah. because you've got Storm, Penrith, Cowboys, Sharks, and Broncos now. Like, all of a sudden, that top four becomes mm. hard. So you need to go... Let's say they don't make the top four. Let's say they just make top eight. They need to go week one win, week two win, week three... They need to win four games on the trot Four high-quality games on the trot to win a premiership. Now, could you genuinely say right now that they have the capability to win four games during finals footy on the trot? No, they don't. That's what they're not like, the same oh. team week to week. They're completely different. I'll, I'll say this about Parramatta: they've they play the Canberra Raiders this week down in Canberra. It's going to be tough. After that, they go by Canterbury. They'll play the Roosters, missing origin players. Then they'll play the Bunnies, who'll be missing origin players as well. Then they've got the Tigers, the Warriors. Oh. It's a big opportunity for them to stack five or six wins and lock themselves into a top four spot. Mm. 
and then really prepare them. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. That's up to a smarter guy than me. But if they can lock themselves into a top four spot and know that three or four weeks out from finals time, like, and mate, it's not only going to be four weeks of finals, it's going to be five. They play the Melbourne Storm round 25. Yes, that's five weeks of finals. It's five weeks of finals. And they play Melbourne at Combank Stadium round 25. I, I guarantee you they'll fucking win that. Yeah, probably. They'll win that game of football and then finals will start. I just, I think... I've got faith that they're going to pull them together. I don't know what it is. It's something about, like, Dylan Brown's form. Have a look at these stats. 140 run metres, 45 post-contact, two tackle breaks, 29 tackles, zero misses in the half. He, he just adds such an extra dimension to them. I think Mitchell Moses has matured dramatically. Mm. I think he's playing easily career-best footy. So, yes, they, are, they do concern me because I'm like, oh, my God, I just want them to get consistent. I do think they're going to find a way to pull it all together. Now, does that mean they're going to win it? I'm not sure. But I do think if I had to bet money now, I would say they make a prelim. Mm. I think they make they take that extra step this if year. If they don't, it's a disappointment. Yeah, that's, it's true. If they don't, it's a disappointment for sure. Uh, Will Pensini, I think he's been really improving each week. Um, I will say Bailey Simonson, I love his energy. I love how much work he gets through. In defence, though, some of his decision-making... Mm. It just needs to – he needs to fix that. Did, is, did you feel that yep. watching it yeah, at all? Yeah, issues. Yep. Uh, Mike Acevo due back any day now. Yep. <sighs> yeah, he That's played cup on the weekend, game. scored a few tries, yep. so he looked good. And yeah. you've also got Sean Russell. Yep. He's back available now, Ser- so they've got serious options. Serious depth across that entire side. I yep. mean, if there is a time to win a comp, it is now. Yeah. It is now and with the thing, Reed Barney yeah. there. The thing is with the, the inconsistency, I know it's a bit of a narrative we've seen before. I don't think we've seen – even when they've been up there, thereabouts, after eight to ten rounds, I don't think we've seen a parasite this good. You know, maybe you go back this time no, last I year, agree. maybe we had, but I, I don't agree. think so. They've still got 15 weeks to sort of get this shit sorted and get and become a more consistent side. Whether they can do that, only time will tell, but 15 rounds is a long time. Yep. I, I feel like we haven't seen them better when they're playing good, but I don't think they've been this inconsistent. Not this early. Usually they're killing it, they're yeah. flying. Yeah, normally they fly. And that second half, they just go, and then they get a little bit up for the finals. Yeah. I agree with you, though, Tim. I think that this is the best. When they're playing good, it's easily the best footy they've played. Easily. Like, all, all their players are, you know, nearly in career best form when they're playing good footy. So, it's hard to, it's hard to put our finger on. It's a, it was a fantastic win. They stayed in the game. They put themselves in the position to get that um, conversion. I mean, let's just talk quickly about Mitchell Moses. What a clutch what conversion. A <laughs> Pouring down in the rain. Everyone, you know... Mitchell Moses, one of the most unfairly maligned sevens in the game, in my opinion. Everyone's expecting him to miss because it's like, oh, Mitchell Moses, yeah, big games, he doesn't turn up, rah, rah. It's a big game in a big moment. Nails it. Nails it. For a right footer from that side. Extremely tough. tough. Extremely tough. In the wet weather. And, like, so massive congratulations to Mitch Moses. I, I think he's been so good this year. He's just... He's really maturing. He's, he's making the progress you want your halves to make. He hasn't stagnated. He hasn't stayed the same. Like, his defense is great. His attack is just... You like That try that he scored... Like, last week, he was the best player on the field mm. against the Roosters. Like, I know they lost, but he was incredible. That try where he grubbles twice, I think, mm. was absolutely amazing. So, congratulations to Moses. What a conversion. He's gone from a real... Highlight seven to just a well-rounded seven. Yeah. Like you're happy to – like you used to be happy to have Mitch Moses on his good weeks. You're yep. happy to have him any week now. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Mitch Moses, I'm pretty sure, could you check, he hasn't taken his player option up yet. It still says player option on NRL.com. So so right now he's only contracted for next year. Yeah. 
should the Eels be worried because his value just going? Mm. I think so. We've seen we've seen the impact of halves moving clubs this year. Yep. Reynolds and Townsend have made it even harder for clubs to keep good 100%. sevens because you're going. There's never been a better time to be a seven right now because yeah. you're you're literally going guys like Townsend who everyone like oh, I thought it was a great signing, I fully backed it. But you would have to say the general consensus with the Townsend signing was like, what's he going to bring to the Cowboys? Like, and look what he has done with that club. He's a Premiership winning seven. So the, to be a seven, even if you're just a solid seven, you know. Mitch Moses is on the fringes of Origin 7. He played Origin last year. I thought he did a good job. Do the Eels need to push quickly to get it done? What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, of course they do. I mean, it would be such a shame um, for him having persisted. The, cl- the club persisting with him over the last few years when he's been maligned and vice versa, him sticking with the club and that sort of thing. Um, it would be such a shame to see him leave Parramatta. Um, yeah. I'd love to see him finish his days there. And the issue there is, isn't it, just that his value is going up with every single game he plays at the moment, particularly if they get results at the back end of the year uh, in 2022. So then it becomes salary cap constraints where we know how rounded their entire 17 is, their depth. We've just spoken about it. Yeah, they've got Reid Marnie leaving, Isaiah Papali, and these sort of things. There might be some money freed up, but you know, all of a sudden a bloke you have on 600K becomes a 900K a year player. Mm. Um, it's a lot of pressure on that cap, yep. isn't it? And, and all of a sudden, you're, you're reeling to sort of find cap space where another club's already got it. So, mm. yeah, if they can lock him up long-term, happy days. But and I think he's 27 as well, so he's mm. hitting the age yeah. where he should get that contract. <clears throat> it can no longer be like, mate, the contract will come, it'll come. Yeah. How much are you paying for Mitchell Moses? I was just about to say, the other thing that makes it tough is because Mitchell Moses is playing so well, the bloke next to him as well, his value is just skyrocketing. Yeah, they've got to keep go. Dylan Brown. So and Dylan Brown is only just taking up an option for 23 as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, correct. Like, if they manage to keep both of those, I think they've done incredibly well. <laughs> Brown has just been so good. Do you see Moses leaving, though, considering he hasn't won a comp and he probably do you, like he probably wouldn't go to the Dolphins and start again, as you guys mentioned a few weeks ago? Look, it's, it's an interesting one because, you know, maybe there are clubs right now that don't need a seven, but they do need a seven in the next 12 to 24 months that are title threats. For example, the Melbourne Storm. You know, I also think that if they don't win a comp this year, some of those guys have to be looking around the room going, yeah. when when is, what, if it yeah. hasn't happened, yeah, when does it happen? When is it going to? We've just pulled a nine out of absolutely nowhere, Reed Marnie, who's yeah. turned into a premier nine. He's now gone. Got Hodgson walking in, who's solid. He's coming off an ACL injury, like Papali'i gone. But we just, we hey, just, Cora we gone. also just pulled the one of the. I would say he's the best forward in rugby league right now, Isaiah mm. Papali'i. He's fucking so. If good. not, he's top three. Yeah, call him the third best if you want. Yeah, we pulled him out of obscurity. Mm. He's now gone, mate. Yeah, look, it's fucking. It's, this is the time. This is the time. So interesting times. I personally think he stays. I do believe he will stay. I think the Eels will find the money for him. But then the question becomes Brown because Brown is, is slowly creeping up into that worth five, 600K, 700K. Well, if you're another club, is Moses a guy you're happy to pay a million for? Or is he just – is he just like he couldn't be a heap far below that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't pay a million. I'd put him around the seven to 800K for me. Okay. I think that's a really fair – Oh, I get a, a desperate club and play nine for him. Yeah, I think so. Like if you're the Bulldogs or whatever, yeah. for sure. Even the Tigers to a degree. Knights. The Knights make a play at him. Probably don't have the money in the cap. Um, for me personally, because he hasn't won a comp and he hasn't actually played anything further than second week of finals, yep. I would put him around the 700 800K. I think a million dollars is reserved for like you've won comps and or I mean, you've, you've yeah. come close to winning comps or prelims and rah-rah. Um, 
But yeah, look, they got the win. That's the main thing. Uh, hopefully they can continue uh, winning going forward because the last thing they want to do is go into finals footy. But I agree with you. They've got plenty of time to sort it out. Dragons v Warriors. Uh, look, Dragons, we have to say, well, I have to say personally, I can't speak for you guys, Hook got it right with Ramsey. <laughs> got it right with Ramsey. Yeah. I, I was a very surprised at the call. I thought that Ramsey, and look, it's, it is just one game. But in my opinion, before this game, I thought Ramsey was a winger, straight out winger. I didn't see him as a fullback. If he continues playing like this, he's a long-term fullback. If he keeps playing like this, um, I thought he was incredible under the high ball. I thought his line break where he gassed the centre and they, you know, then backed up and I think he scored or, or set up the try for the try assist after that. Ramsey was absolutely fantastic. And Anthony Griffin deserves the raps. He made the choice. I've got a list at home of just shit that Hook does that makes no sense to me <laughs> that somehow works. Yeah. Add this one to it. He was, he was my fullback of the week. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was a huge mistake. I, I still feel sorry for Sloan. I still think it's very harsh on him. Yeah, I still don't think it's the best way to handle yeah. Sloan, for yes. sure. But at the end of the day, you're in the business of winning. Win. Yep. And Ramsey was fantastic. What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, poor old Sloan's demoralised till the next, uh, about 2025, after the back of in, out, in, out, in, out. But uh, hopefully he bounces back well to New South Wales Cup in coming months. Um, Cody Ramsey, yeah, did not see that coming at all. I thought he was out an out-and-out winger at best. Uh, and he was terrific. I think he's been trying to get him a run there, Hook, for some time now. But things like the emergence of Sloan and a couple of other factors, Ramsey's been injured at times, uh, haven't allowed it. And, uh, and he's taken the opportunity with open arms. Uh, the question now is, as you said, can he do it back-to-back games? Was it a one-week flash in the pan? Uh, we'll find out in the next few rounds. But very exciting for the Jaguars to see a fullback come in there and really own it and dominate. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Moses Suley. Man. He was nearly in my team of the week. Uh, only reason I went low max is because he had those two tries. Uh, if not, it would have been uh, Suli. He's coming out of trouble runs. Are fucking outstanding. He's playing outstanding footy. And he's proving, you know, we all, everyone in their mind had like, the one thing with Suli is like, is he going to be consistent? Like, is he, is he going to find that form where he's playing week in, week out? I think... He went through quite a lot in the, in the years where he came into first grade and he, I think he was at the Tigers and he, I think he was at the Dogs for a week. I think he had a lot of personal uh, things going on with his family, like either sickness or people passing away very close to him. And so I, sometimes that can linger for, for years and years and they never really recover. But right now, looking at it, Suli is turning into the player that we all hoped mm. he would be. He's, consi- he's one of the most consistent outside backs in the comp right now. Uh, massive shout out to him. What do you think? Yeah, oh, I thought it was Sully. You know, I actually thought it was a couple of tries that uh, Valia scored where the ball went up and there was tap downs. I personally thought Sully could have done a bit more on those mm. plays. And I, 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 after the second one went through, like the, the, the camera just flashed past Sully and you could see how disappointed he was. Mm. And like the old Sully, if he had one or two things go against him like that, oh, he's not done. seen him again. So yeah. you're, like, you're, you're probably better off not having him on the field. But he bounced back. Um, the boys got around him too, which I think is a great sign at, at the Dragons. And yeah, I, I think he's been great. I think the other centre, Lomax, I think one of you had him in your team of the week. Yeah, as soon as you said it, I looked back, I yeah. thought back and thought, fuck, he brained it. Yeah. Lomax, uh, mate. The other winger that the, the, the you. guy. Oh, fuck. How good. He just. Mate, him getting out of that fucking in goal, not the, not yeah. the Lomax one in the first half. I'm telling you, Fagai is special and his athletic ability is akin to RTS. You know, n- now, he may not reach the heights, but 
The way he moves is electric. He just has two touches every week where you sit there and go, ooh. Yeah. Like, that's different. Yeah. Like, just one of them blokes where you just go, just wish you had a twin brother. Imagine if there was two. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, yeah, Fay guy is special, man. Have like, that up your sleeve for a while? And the special thing about Fay guy is, like, we're not really even getting close to his potential yet. Yep. We're not even seeing close to where he's going to go. I, yeah, I, mate, the first time I laid eyes on Fagai in first grade, I was like, there's something about him. Just yeah. the way he moves, his, his step, his speed, his strength in contact, he's going to be something special, I think. They'll do well to hold on to him. I think a lot of I don't know how they do company. hold on with him because yeah. there's going to be a lot of clubs that could use a guy like Fagai in their back line. Um, when you've got guys like Ravalawa, Lomax, Suli, I don't know how you can keep a guy like Fagai because Fagai – He's the guy. He can be the best back in your back line, in my opinion. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Now, maybe the fact that he has a twin brother that is also at the club, I'm pretty sure, yep. yeah, Max. helps keep him there. But he, he's impressive. Um, I thought Amone was great as well. Uh, his defence was a lot more solid than what it you know, was previous weeks. Uh, his attack was outstanding with two try assists. Um, look, the, the, the Dragons did what you wanted. Like, when Hook was preparing his team... They played exactly like that. Gritty, tough, got the job done. Uh, and look, are they going to play finals footy? I think the research or the, I guess the um, the resurgence or whatever of Broncos, Sharks, and Cowboys going to has made that eight super mm. hard to get into. Uh, but when you look at the points, they are actually on equal points. They're on ten points as well as, you know, Rabbitohs are on 10 points. And so the only thing that separates them and the Rabbitohs is points differential. So in their defence, they, they're still there. They're there or thereabouts, which is, is a really good position to be in because the Dragons, everyone talks, talks so much in the offseason about they haven't recruited well, they've gone all like, you know, old guys and veterans and that money ball approach. But in reality, they're in within striking distance with the eight, and their next game is Canterbury and then a bye. Yeah, well, they go Canterbury, bye, then they got Cowboys, Bunnies, Raiders, Brisbane. So they got – and then Roosters. So they Well, Bunnies, Raiders, and Brisbane, they're winnable games for them. They're winnable, yeah. You know, like really winnable. Like Raiders and Bunnies are on the same points as them. Like right but for two, here. maybe three of those games, you've got to remember, I don't think they're going to have Ben Hunt. Yeah, he'll be off the bench for sure. Yeah, sure. So I'm, Bud I'm sure Sullivan, I can't wait to see him get a crack yeah, at seven. Yeah, it will be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, look – Although it hasn't been as good as I hoped that year would be, they're still within striking distance, and that's really all that matters. They play the Rabbitohs and the Raiders both at Wynn Stadium too. Yeah. They rack up a few. They go three from four here. Mm. They're in the eight. They're in the eight. And also the good thing is they're playing two teams that are also on the same points as them. So they get those points, they land in the eight. Where do you think the Dragon season has right now? Um, I, I'm a bit harsher on the Dragons than a lot of people out there. I, I didn't have a lot of ex- expectation for them coming into the season. I thought they were, again, a team with, with so much youth that a bit like the Dogs, they're further down the track than the Dogs are in their, their plans, but more aiming at 2023 and sort of seeing these combinations come together. Um, I don't see them playing top eight footy, uh, and I think if they can finish sort of ninth to 12th, I, I think that'd be a good season for them. As you mentioned, Earlier in the year, and we thought sort of six to eight to be up for grabs in the eight, with the emergence of the Sharks and Broncos and Cowboys, that is just not the case, yeah. I don't think. They were the my, I didn't expect them to make, make the eight. They were my smoky to make the yeah. eight. But I didn't expect Cowboys, Broncos yeah. to be as good as they were. And they're just, 
what, won five, lost six. Um, not a lot of pretty wins, a lot of tight wins, but, you know, sometimes that's all you ask for as a coach. Like, oh, we're slowly putting it together, but we're finding ways to put two points on the board, mm. uh, whereas a lot of other clubs aren't and are, are losing tough games. So it shows some resilience in the roster that mm. they can get a job done, even if it's ugly. Um, it'll take them a long way. As I said, I, I don't see them as a top eight side, but they're thereabouts. Yeah. It's, uh, look, I, I just give them credit where credit's due, where, you know, Compared to other clubs, for example, the Titans right now, um, you know, you look at the Knights, the Dragons have managed to deliver on about where you think they would deliver on. So I think you've got to give them that credit. Also, they weren't in the best position when Hook took over. Like, yeah. they were in a pretty rough position. So will they make the eight? I don't know, but at least they've given themselves an opportunity to make the eight. And I, I know people don't like the hypotheticals, but when you look back at the start of the season... Fuck, they had some crucial sin bins at crucial times. That's Jaden Sewell one against the, the Pen. Like, Sewell had about three in the first five weeks, yeah. and two of them I thought were pretty fucking bang average, mm. to be honest with you. Like, there was the one against the Sharks in the pissing rain where that turned the game on its head. That They were in that one with the Sharkies. Uh, I think there was one against Penrith as well, which they were in that game as well. So it's going to happen in rugby league. Yeah. what it is, but... Um, yeah, I guess it, it just... When we talk about like what could have gone either way, it's just putting into perspective of like, yes, they're sitting 11th on the table, yeah. but they're not as far they're not away. Miles away. Yeah, they're not yeah. miles away. Whereas like, for example, the Tigers, the t- Tigers are a perfect example because although they're still sitting 14th, the style of footy they've played since Hastings has come is yeah. totally different. So even though they're not getting the wins, you can see something being built there. So they're actually, like, I don't believe Tigers right now are playing 14th place footy. Like, I really don't. No. So um, even though they are 14th. Uh, so look, Dragons, Ramsey, if he's the guy, he's the guy, you know. Fuck, how good. That's great for the club. Um, I think outside of that, Benny Hunt, like, I want plenty of people to win the Dally M, but if Benny Hunt wins the Dally M, that will make me so happy. A guy that was unfairly maligned for one mistake in one crucial t- No one ever talks about the fact that they scored on the buzzer and three people missed tackles or whatever. Imagine the redemption. If well, he the could- fact that they weren't a top eight team if he wasn't in the team. Yeah, but exactly. Anyway. But imagine the redemption arc if Benny Hunt can, and he's currently sitting, what'd you say, equal third? Third, I think it was, yeah. So he's currently sitting equal third. I think he's second, actually. I think he's equal with Nico Hines. So he's equal yeah. second with Hines. Yeah. Imagine if he wins a Dalian. Look at the season Hines is having. Yeah. That and would a be team amazing. team that is flying. Flying. So Benny Hunt, hats off to you. I think that what I love about the Benny Hunt situation is you would be very hard to find a Dragons fan that isn't a fan of Ben Hunt ben now. Hunt. Yeah. I think there's a couple of years where he's on the big contract. Very easy to blame Ben Hunt. I think a lot of Dragons fans have come around to him. Do you get the same feeling, Timmy? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's something narrative that we speak about over and over again. But the whole Milford Hunt, uh, who they, who was held, who let go of, where yep. they went from there, and that, uh, and Benny Hunt. You know, whether Dragons are probably getting the results they want from a big money player. Every club has big money players. It doesn't mm. mean every team is finish, finishes top four every season. And yep. uh, what he does week in week out for them, it's. Clearly won fans over, and yeah. thank Christ for that because he deserves it. I, I love when you see one of their forwards get on the front foot and Hunt just sprints into dummy half. Oh, yeah. He goes, I just need the ball now. Yeah. <laughs> just, so just, just come with me. I love it. I, I just, I don't think people really appreciate the amount of vitriol Benny Hunt oh. took over those years. Like, I don't, I don't think he has social media or anything like that to, to the point where he doesn't really engage that much mm. in that environment because it is so vitriolic. So to see him fight through that and win the hearts and minds of Dragons fans... Uh, good on him. Uh, good on him. I, I mean, I had some something to do with Brucey when I, he was coming through. I was at the Broncos. Absolutely love Bruce. Great bloke. Um, 
Now, onto the Warriors. What do we think, boys? Sean Johnson, mixed bag if I ever saw it. Mixed yeah. bag if I ever saw it. Drops the ball off the kickoff. But then without Sean Johnson, there's no way they're even in the game. There's no way they're even in the game. So very mixed bag. Uh, Adam Vanille Blake running over 200 metres, no surprise. Look, I think Arcee uh, has a lot of potential. I think he's a good ball running six, bit, bit of a bit of, uh, bigger body. I thought Watani Zelezniak didn't stop trying. Mm. Uh, no matter what, I thought a lot of his tap-ins were fantastic. Uh, Tohu Harris, you know, back playing 13, runs for 155 metres, 35 tackles in his second game batch back. I think that was a, like pretty amazing, actually, <laughs> second game back to do yeah. something like yeah. that. In saying all that, I'm getting concerned for the Warriors. They do so many things every week that you think, oh, they should lose by 40 doing this sort of stuff. Yeah. And they just don't. I don't know how they manage to lose every game by, you know, eight to ten points or whatever mm. it is. They just – like, they, they kicked off. Sean Johnson knocked on. There was another try later where they did score some – like, at the end of the day, they scored two, two of their tries off tap backs, off kicks. Mm. Like – and like they've done that a lot this season. Score a lot of tries off kicks that sort of become a bit of a lottery. Um, they were well, well placed kicks and stuff, no doubt about it. But I don't think you want to be relying on that sort of yeah those sort of moments. So it was another after they scored a try. I, I, I'm pretty. It was Sean Johnson or Arcee, one of the two, kicked out on the full. Just an absolute killer for this side. But they still managed to hang in there. We spoke about it earlier. If Walsh was Simbin, I think the Dragons could have won this by a heap, which he should have been. Um, I, I just think they're so light in their centres, outside backs. I think it really is starting to hurt them. Yeah, I think they're really missing Josh Curran too. Yeah. I think they're also missing Egan. They waste two spots on getting two hookers yeah. um, that are doing a job. But and I, I, I don't think Egan is an outstanding hooker either, but he's mm. just consistent and solid. We can build with him. You yes. Know? You get the, the combinations there. I, I just think with this, I think Pompey has got a huge, a, a solid future and um, – Viliami Vialaya, they all they've both got a lot of potential for sure. I just think putting so many green guys in, yeah. we saw for example with the Newey Knights, how much of a difference does it make when Dan Gagai is in that side? And I think that the Warriors have underestimated how important it is to have at least one experience outside back there. Yeah. And you know, I know it's frustrating as a Warriors fans to hear this, but like if you had Hiku or Herbert there. I think it's a bit of a different story. I think you said it last week when you compare their scramble defense compared to the Panthers. Like when you watch the Panthers' edge, whenever the Roosters, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but there's just bodies everywhere. Mm. The Warriors, it looks like the ball goes past them and they go, no. "My job's done." If they come no. back, I'll be here. Yeah, but that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, don't dare step back inside because yeah. <laughs> I will whack you. Just, just to put this in perspective, boys, and I hate singling out outside backs because I know how hard it is, but Wailea. Apologies if I'm getting that wrong. Eight tackles, seven missed. Yeah. Adam Pompey, eight tackles, eight missed. So that's their two centres. And and they've got so much potential in attack. It's just when you've got both sides like that, you just need one at least to shore everything up or, or, or even like to teach them. Because right now, like, it's not a lack of effort. They have, they rip and tear. They're not scared of contact. They're actually some of the better ball running centres in the comp. But when you see that amount of missed tackles, you go, you know, what's happening out there? Is it communication? Is it they're shooting in or not in or, or whatever? And if, if they can sort that, they become good quality centres. I mean, I mean, you look at um, Vailea's uh, attacking stats, two tries, a try assist, 100 metres, 
three uh, tackle breaks and a line break assist. Like, that's a great game. You look at uh, Pompey, 167 metres, 58 post contact. Like, so attacking wise, they're great. It's just defensively, just a bit loose at the moment. So what worries me at the Warriors, I feel like in the last two years, everything that was going on, they'd come so far. They look so resilient. And the last few weeks, just as it looks like they're going back to New Zealand, it's like they're falling into old habits a little bit. Mm. Yeah, man. No, I, I agree. They, it, it does look like a little bit of the Warriors of old where week, one week they're great, next week it's like, what, what's happening? I mean, if there is one team we have to cut slack, it is the Warriors. Yeah. We have to remember that guys like Pompey, Vailea, uh, you know, you've got Tavanga, You've got uh, Tavanga, sorry. You've got Murdoch Masilla, uh, Tohu Harris. Like these boys have been away from, and a lot of people say, yeah, but they've got their, you know, their close family living with them. But it's the family network as yeah. well that they miss over there. On top of that, you know, multi-culture and Polynesian culture, like family is very, very important to these guys. Um, so I'm sure they're missing, like they've got to be missing home. 100%. They've got to be missing home. Yeah. So... It's, it's hard to be too harsh on the Warriors when they've been away for so long, mm. you know? But it, that's, you know, New Zealand Warriors fans, they're not sitting there going, oh, yeah, that's all good. We can just keep losing. Like, yeah. they want to get Well, wins, that's you know? the thing. And, like, every Warriors fan I talk to, they're sort of at the point where they're like, we know we've done it tough. We appreciate what you've all been saying, mm. but we should be better than what we are now. Yeah, which is fair, which is fair. And then, yeah. unfortunately, it's like you look at the side and go, yeah, they've got key ins with Torhu back, getting back to decent minutes, two games. Mm. Josh Carr will be a huge in, you mentioned before. Uh, but... Losing Matty Lodge and AFB potentially for the season oh. in the space of a week, they're two strike front oh. rowers. Not only do they, like you said, AFB ran for over 200 metres on the weekend, mm. but they're blokes who they have a rare ability for front rowers to play big minutes. If there's injuries in the pack or whatever and they need them to step up and do it, they can play yeah. 65 70 uh, and maintain quality throughout that entire yeah. period. So without them two, you know, Torhu Harris probably shifted the front. You know, he's He's a big boy. He's not a massive boy compared to those two. Jeez, oh, it's it's pretty grim. And, and yeah. they've got other good front rowers there, but none of them are ready to yeah. be the guy. Mm. Lodge and Fenor Blake, on their day, duo-wise, are right up there, yeah. tippity tippity yeah. top of the NRL. Like Adam Fenor Blake, if you said if you said he's the best front row in the comp, I would say I respect. I I probably put him top three, but I totally respect. That's a reasonable opinion to have. It, you know, you add that onto Lodge. I'm trying to think of another front row combination. Like, they're right up there with every – name another good combination. Leota oh, and I was Fisher. about to say, name another team where both of them don't start. Yeah. Like, exactly. they, they would walk straight into Pretty, pretty start, much. I like, think. the only one I can think of is, like, Leota and Fisher-Harris. Fenor Blake and Lodge against Leota and Fisher-Harris, I think that's a fair battle. Hmm. Like, I think that's a fair battle. Like, now, Fisher-Harris is, is being – you know, he's a premiership winning – but they're not that far off. So to lose those two guys, fuck, it's a big loss. It's a big, like, intimidation loss too. Yeah, massive. Through the middle. Sure. Like, you're, really, you're losing your big two alphas there. Yeah. You know, now, now you look around and, you know, the team belongs to Sean Johnson and Reese Walsh and SJ is, like, he's not in great form. Let's call it what it is, unfortunately. I mean, he had a try, two try assists. I, I know, I know it was up and down, but he's mixed back. He had a good game bad. on paper. Yeah. But... Yeah, you want to be yeah winning games, especially it's Sean Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he's one it's of the better. A, if he was a rookie coming in and did that, yeah. you go, oh, it's a good knock. But it's SJ. You you expect more out of him. Yeah, look, interesting time for the Warriors. Um, I I do think that if their outside backs 
we're sure the outside backs up a little bit. I do think the game result is a little bit different. Um, so hopefully they can uh, work on their D. And look, all rookies go through this, man. Look yep. at um, look at uh, you know even Harry Grant for example. Like defensively, sometimes he can have weeks mm. where he misses a few tackles. And Harry Grant is literally one of the best nines I've ever seen play rugby yeah. league. Like v- Valera as well. You got to remember, like he he played rugby league last year. I signed him from Union. He hasn't played much rugby league, which explains a lot. And you put I him in a starting that. center spot. Yeah. Like it's a he's Big very ass. green. It's a tough gig. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so hopefully they can bounce back now. On to an absolute incredible performance. I'm not going to say anything. Timmy, speak to me. Cowboys vs Storm. Unreal, wasn't it? Um, and you look at you know factors such as the Storm missing these Pappenhausens and Jerome Hughes, and yeah, they had players out, so you've got to take that into consideration. Had the Cowboys won by six or twelve, you'd be like, you know, they missed them blokes. That would have been the difference. Like they smashed them by thirty points. Mm. So it's like, even if them blokes are there, you know, how much of a difference would they have made? Would it have been 30 points? Well, you'd be a brave person to say it. Mm. Um, mate, the thing that excites me so much with the Cowboys, and I get more hype for them every single week, like we all are, mm. is just how raw they still are. So I'm just wondering where their ceiling is and how good they can be when you look at these Nanais and Lukies. Even Drinkwater, who it's taken him so long to become a consistent performer in the top grade and get the errors out of his game, and he's getting there now. Like, how good can this side be, Whether even if it's not this year, like maybe next year or like, oh, the sky's the limit. Yep. And I can't believe I'm saying that after the opinions at the start of the season. Yep. Guru? I thought there was a set of six that stood out for me. There was They, they had it on the left-hand side and Drinky got it at first receiver and Chad swung around the back of him. So it was a bit of like a roll reverse on the way they normally play. But then they went to the right, Drinky got it back, he went left. He got tackled, did and jumped into dummy half and he threw it to Robson to go through. Yeah. So you had your halfback playing a hooker role. You had a hooker playing a middle sort of role. And like, they just... Cohesion one Just clicks into gear. Yeah, and it's the same as we mentioned earlier with Val <coughs> and with Hiku. As you said, there's a million reasons why you don't do that. Mm. But they make it look so simple and so easy. Yeah. The whole 17 just understand their role. And like, you could see Robson on that play. He was running over trying to get into dummy half. And as he went over there, he realised that Dearden got in there. Mm. So he just went bang and just yes. played another role. Instead of getting out of the way, which a lot of hookers would have done in that moment, mm. I'll just get out of the way. He saw something and him and Dearden, like there's, there's, there isn't a world where Dearden and him have ever practiced anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just that footy instincts, they're all on the same page and they just make it work. They're playing for each other. Yeah. There's no ego. There's no ego between anyone in their spine of like, I want the ball, give me the ball. It's all, how can I help you do whatever you need to do it is just so good to watch. And also, very rarely do I see a half outplay the Storm. <sighs> Chad Townsend was putting on specific plays that were like, wh- what was the one where it was a, he was Drinkwater like ran like a, a shorter line that was out the back. I've got it here on the notes. And then there was another one, a ruck play, where they ran like a real tight short line and ended up scoring. There were two tries that were set plays that, required everyone to run their line perfectly and Townsend to execute it personally perfectly. And very rarely do I see the Storm's defense get picked apart like that. Like I just very rarely see it. And the, the Cowboys did it. Like I cannot believe how good they're playing. Townsend, his legacy has changed from, yep, premiership winner, but good solid seven to, hang on a sec, have we not been appreciating what he managed to do, you know? The Cowboys last week, it was their fourth week in a row scoring 30-plus points. It's the first time they've done that in their club's history. Mm. 
Then they just put 30 points on the Melbourne Storm. Wow. And then we look at it and go, I think I've said this four weeks in a row, but the Spine have now played 11 games together. Yep. Complete set of new combinations, and they're doing what you just mentioned, about slotting into new spots seamlessly. Like, mentally. Mate, they haven't even played 11 games. You've got to remember they haven't yeah. played the first few weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's more like six or seven. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's is honestly incredible what they're doing. Um, Todd Payton, like I feel like we're going to be repeat all week, every week, sorry, for the rest of the year of just giving him raps. But how – okay, so I sent you that message. Yep. This, this is – this is hopefully I can find it. It's not going to take too long. But this is the Broncos um, – not the Broncos, sorry, the Cowboys last five years. 2018, 13th. 2019, 14th. 2020, 14th. 2021, 15th. 2022, halfway through the season, they are third. Equal second, but they're third. Like equal second points, but they're third uh, by points differential. I can't remember. Let's say they do finish the season in third. Let's just say that. Have we ever seen such a dramatic turnaround from a club to go from essentially 14th on the table all the way to top three. I, I, and, and not just like, like for example, you might look at Roosters and go, well, 2016, Roosters finished 14th and they came back the next year. I'm talking, it wasn't just like one bad year. This is a block mm. of bad years, like nearly five years of finishing 13th, 14th or four years. They now could be potentially a top four side. I can't remember. And not on top of all that, he's a rookie coach. The, the turnaround has been something... Like, something we've never seen before. Can Surely I add into this game on the weekend? Yeah, yes. Melbourne were missing Pappy. Melbourne are missing Husey. Cowboys have got two players in their football team that are still there from their premiership victory. Kyle Felt, Tamalolo. Both got injured in the first 20 minutes of this yep. game. Yep. They did that with, with 15 players for the last 60 minutes. And the two that went are Tamalolo, who... Is he not their best player in this football team? He, he uh, literally played 26 minutes. Yep. And Kyle Felt played 15. They had to bring in Hammer, who's... You know, very handy, but he hasn't played a heap of rugby league this year. Yeah. To play 65 against the Melbourne Storm, they still won by 30 points. And when they lost Felt and when they lost uh, Tamalolo, it was like six all. Yeah. Yeah, the, the game was... The more you look yeah. at it, the more impressive it is and the more I can't put as much value in Melbourne had players out as what people want to tell me. If they had have lost by, as you just said earlier, if they lost by six to 12 points, I'd be like, yeah. Hughes and, and, and Pappy would have been the difference. But they didn't. They got absolutely dominated in every area of the park. Now, you know, in their defence, I think Munster was really, really sick throughout the week. But Storm have been through way worse situations and played much better footy than they've played the last two weeks. What do you got, Matty? Uh, just unfortunately, Tam Lolo and Felt confirmed to miss this week against Panthers and Felt's going to be out for like four to six mm -hmm. weeks. I mean, as unfortunate it is, because Felt is like such an incredible finisher, at least it removes the headache for the Hamiso situation. Uh, but Felt will be sorely missed because the amount of times he gets him out of trouble with a great finish, a great saving, try-saving tackle or, or whatever, uh, he will be really, really sorely missed. But, yeah, look, massive congratulations. Gilbert was outstanding. Uh, Jordan McLean, where's this been? <laughs> How good's he been? He's been outstanding, outstanding. Uh, Townsend, obviously great. Dearden, one of the great turnarounds for such a young mind. Like, usually when you go through the, the ring of the way he did, it takes years to come out of that. For him to turn it around this quickly, think, put it this way, this is how incredible Todd Payton 
uh, what he has managed to do over the last couple of years. When he signed Dearden, everyone was like, why would you sign Dearden? He can't even make the Broncos side. When he signed Townsend, everyone was like, why would you sign Townsend? You know, he's way past his best. Um, when he moved Hamiso from fullback and put Scotty Drinkwater there and then didn't put Hamiso back in, has been the correct decision. Like, these aren't all easy decisions that, you know, are very obvious shouting in our face. Like, these are really, really tough decisions. Ruben Cotter, who we thought was, you know, going to play nine, then 13, he's been moved into the front row. Like, it is incredible what, they, what he's managed to do. Um, and the Cowboys, are we sold? The, are they the real deal? I'm sold. I was just going to say quickly on your, you mentioned a while ago now, but um, uh-huh. the, the, the season turnaround in the space of 12 months, one that came to mind for me was Penrith. Um, never forget this one, but back in Wooden Spoon 01, 02, they finished 12th out of 15 teams. The yep. 15th team being the Bulldogs who had their points stripped. Yeah. Two wins off the Wooden Spoon. Uh, Premiers in 03. Premiership yeah, wow. in 03. So yep. that one, that's as good as I can remember. Yeah. So we're, we're talking 20 years essentially. Yeah. Since the last time, time. A, a team has turned incredible. And that, that team had like Freddie Fittler in it and that, didn't it? No, that no, was that Craig was, Gower. Yeah, Gower. Oh, that was that's um, Scotty Sattler. Yeah. Yep. Tackle. Luke yep. Lewis on the sting. Was he on the sting? I think yeah. Luke Lewis on Luke the sting. Luke Lewis, Luke Rooney. Reece Rooney. Wesher at fullback. Rooney. Oh, Reese Wesher. What a gun. No, he was a gun. Pritchard. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, yeah, that is a great turnaround. So we're looking at like 20 years. And since like, yeah, it's just incredible. Congratulations, Cowboys. I, I cannot speak highly enough of what you've managed to do there. And I do think you can see Peyton has really embraced like that kind of gray area where he's really harsh. He's really like, this is the way I want to do it. But I think he seems to be a bit more flexible in, in what he's trying to do compared to last year. Last year, he seemed very like rigid in what he wanted. I think this year he's been a bit more flexible in it. Wouldn't it be crazy if, you know, Todd Payton was obviously at the Warriors, as was Chad Townsend for a while there. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah. it be crazy if Chad and Todd stayed were at yeah. the Warriors instead oh, of fuck. like when you think about like when I look at the shell that he walked into at the Cowboys, I would have personally rather walk into the Warriors side that they had. Yeah, and what he's done with the Cowboys. Well, Warriors nearly made the eight that year. It's crazy. It's fucking mental. Uh, sliding doors moment. Now let's quickly talk about this guy because we got to talk about him. What I love about this performance, everyone's going to look at the tries from Nanai. Everyone's going to look at the tries. What I love about this, 29 tackles, zero missed against the Melbourne Storm from Nanai. This kid, this kid is such a gun. Townsend literally rocked up, did a whole preseason. At the end of the preseason, someone goes, Nanai, like, you know, he's so good for a teenager. Townsend was like, what are you talking about? Apparently, the whole preseason, Townsend thought that Nanai was like 23 or 24 <laughs> years old. And then that, but that's how professional Nanai was. That's how hard he worked. And look at the dividends it's paying. It's in, like Nanai for me is just so impressive. He's just got that, just something about him. I know we, remember I spoke about his debut? Yep. And I was saying, like, I can't put my finger on it. Like, he's not massive, he's not fast as anything, but there's just something about, I compared him to Menzies, not in the way that he looks like Menzies, but. You can't look at him physically and see what the answer is, but he has that something about him. The way he moves, he's stronger than he should be. And I think we're seeing that. I think with, with Nanai, we're, we're truly seeing he has that little special source that you can't really – you can't, like, uh, measure it. He just has it. And so much so, do you think he's a smoky for origin? No, I don't think he's a smoky for origin just yet. Uh, but As a Queenslander? No. On the bench? 
No, which is credit to your team, mm. to be fair. Like, what, I, what do you reckon? No, I think he's well too raw still. It's a great stat because a month ago we were talking about how, how good he's looked plan. but missing 10 tackles a yeah. game, whatever, for zero missed tackles. Um, I still think he's very raw. I love coming out of that game where he said something like – and talking about his how quickly he adapts and how quickly he learns and how quickly he's improving – Said something like he can't remember scoring a try off a kick uh, coming all through juniors or there was very few of them or something. Yeah. And then it's just become his trademark this season. So I like, don't believe him. I yeah. really don't. <laughs> I, know. It's I not can't believe him. Yeah. Like, he's too good at but it. But we say it, like, I, I had someone message me last week and abused the hell out of me saying, oh, how could you say he's the best off a kick ever, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, you know what? He's not. He might not be the greatest off kicks ever, but as far as forwards go... Tell me anyone that has got close to half of what the amount of tries he scored off kicks. He's seen it like 10 or 11 tries. He's scored about eight of them off kicks. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Would you yeah. pick him? Would I pick him? Oh, fuck, I'd be thinking about it. So I'm just trying to think, okay, let's say Fafita isn't back by that stage. He wouldn't start for me, but you look at their bench, who would you have on the bench? You'd have probably... Well, who, who, who's your starting front rowers? Starting front rowers will be... Um, oh, my God. I had Papa? Big Papa Lee. Yeah. And most likely either Carrigan if he doesn't play 13 or maybe even Flegler. There's another guy I had. I can't remember now. Uh, okay, so, so you got one of those two on the bench then. Yeah. One of Flegler. You, you got, uh, is Mo Fodawaka going to be there? Probably on the bench. So Flegler and Fodawaka, let's yeah, let's just say Moe starts. We'll just say okay. he starts. Yeah. So you've got Papali'i and Fodawaka starting because he's already played Origin. You've got Flegler on the bench. You've got Carrigan at 13. Yeah. You've got uh, – oh, sorry, Tino would start in the front row for me. Tino, Tino would start in the front yes. row. So you'd have Flegler, Fodawaka on the bench. Yeah. Cotter as your – probably Cotter as your 14-ish player. If not, you'd have Cotter. Then you'd have probably Brimo as your 14. But, if, but, yeah. We haven't mentioned Arrow. We haven't mentioned – Ben Hunt. So Arrow would be my wide – one of my wide running forwards. And Cateball on the other side? Yep, Cateball yeah, on the other side. And so that's where I'm like, that last bench spot, again, I'm not saying I would select him. I'm just saying maybe he gets yeah. a sneak in there or maybe 18th man or 19th man. Is Lindsay Collins in the conversation? Yeah, good point. He was really good for us in Queensland. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's a great problem. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you've got a lot of guys that are in form. Would you start Lindsay and uh I wouldn't Papali? start him. Or would you go Tino and Papali because you know they can get through big fucking minutes? Yeah. Big, big boys. Would you just have Carrigan at 13? I was going to say, who's your 13s at Carrigan? Carrigan, then? yeah. For me personally. But I understand if people go wanted to go Cotter. I personally think Carrigan's the I, perfect I think 13 origin. The bench. I think that'd... Carrigan for sure. Yeah. 13. 13. Uh, Kate will one edge. Arrow one edge. And then the bench is where, you know, let, let's say Maui drops out. Let's say Maui drops out. because well, There's a bit of word that he could. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Kafusi will drop out? Kafusi will Oh, Kafusi on the edge, yeah. yeah. No. Okay, yeah, all right. To be fair, yeah. we spoke about it last week, but I'd prefer Arrow at lock in the middle anyway. Mm. Um, whether that mean, means you just play Carrigan off the bench or Arrow off the bench, which is fine as well. Um, if they do want to go with Kafusi, yeah. which they probably will. Yeah, they they probably, yeah, he's so good at origin. Yeah, look, I, I think Carrigan is just too good not to have on the field as much as possible. Yeah. And he's a big body in the middle there, so I'd probably have Arrow on the bench. Yeah, now that we go through the forwards, Nanai probably a bit too soon for... Mm. Like there's going to be other really good forwards that miss out on that side. Yeah, which is fuck. It's a great sign to have. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, I didn't have him being selected. I just had him as in discussion. Mm. Like, you know, would he be in discussion? But then when you start naming guys like Kafusi, Arrow, Tino, um, you know, Lindsay Collins, 
it starts going, yeah, it's going to be a bit too hard to probably get him in there. Matter of fact, it might even be a bit too hard to get Cotter in there. But in saying that, we were saying six weeks ago, thank God they signed him for one week because he's got a lot of shit to sort out. Yeah. Now we're talking about him as an origin Well, to be, to be fair in his defence, if you just were picking form and you didn't know anyone's name, he's probably the form edge, uh, edge forward for Queensland. Would you say he's playing better than Confucius? Yeah, and if, if you go like, like blank resume Blank stuff, resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think you guys are right. I think probably a year or two away from him, put him a bit more... So- Imagine That's what's crazy. He's a teenager. <laughs> Imagine when he puts on fucking yeah. incredible. So uh, again, another thing as well is like, Cowboys, the sign of a good club is when you get young guys coming through and they they improve their game week in, week out. It means your systems are working, you know? Like Nanai, you know, before he came through, we weren't hearing about this next Australian schoolboy that's killing it or whatever. He was a good, solid guy coming through and the Cowboys system has turned him into this kind of player, mm. which is a good sign for the club. Have we only got one more game until Origin teams are selected? I think so. Yeah. So, so one more game. Then Origins selected, then another game, and then Origins the next week. Far out, that's so close. Do, do you think Kyle Felt would have been in the side? I don't. I think there's too many good players. Yeah, okay. being, like I think Xavier Coates for me three weeks ago was in the side. Mm. It's Coates and Oates on oh, the wings. Yeah. Now Xavier has been a bit quiet personally, and I probably wouldn't have selected Selwyn a few weeks ago. Now though, and Billy Slater coming out and say age is just a number. Maybe Selwyn is ready. I was just about to say, like, it would have been interesting if Felt was injured four weeks ago and you also had Hammer given a month of footy. Yeah. Because it, it is his jersey. Mm. He was there game three and did well. I don't think he'll be there, but it would be interesting if he was given a few extra weeks to show Who's your Queensland there. wingers? Uh, the same as you. I would have go with Oates and Coates. So you'd still keep Coates in there, even though he's been a bit quiet? Yeah, for sure. So you yeah. wouldn't go with Selwyn. Would you go with Selwyn? I'd go the same as you. Coates and Oates. Mate, I can just imagine someone in that maroon jersey. <laughs> I thought you weren't keen last week. No, no, I wasn't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, saying okay, right. like, like, it's. I didn't expect him to have three line breaks and 200. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, fair, yeah. with how good he's playing and with how quiet Coates has been, it's starting to. And also hearing Billy Slay say like he's definitely in the mix, it's starting to make me go, maybe. Maybe Billy, and I know it's a crazy thing to say, boys, but maybe Billy's seeing something I'm not seeing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's seeing something I'm not seeing. Um, but the positive thing is, is Queensland is in a totally different position than they were yeah. like 12 months ago. They were scraping oh. together a team. And I, I think that's why I probably don't pick him. Yeah. It's just because you have got other guys that you know have been there before. They've done a job. They've been successful. They're coming out of good systems right now. They're in yeah. form. Um, yeah, but... I, I don't think it's a negative on Selwyn if he doesn't play Origin this year. I think it's good if I said to you the Cowboys are going to towel up the Storm essentially without Jason Tamalolo, what would have you said at the start of the year? No way. No way. Crazy, eh? Yeah, I would have laughed at you. Sounds um, like a trial. I will say, uh, Reese Robson, although he still has a tendency, some of his forward passes, Jesus. <laughs> um, but outside of that, he's really developing into the player. Now, he came from the Dragons, had a lot of raps on him, so much so that... A lot of Dragons fans were surprised that they let go of a guy like Reese Robbins. I think he played for Queensland. I think he uh, – was it Queensland or New South Wales? He played for New South Wales. Played for Australian schoolboys as well, I think. Yes. He played every, every year. Like he, he was a, a weapon. Gun, yeah, a was, weapon. Yeah. And Dragons, for some reason, I don't know, let him go. And I think we're starting to see him develop into the player we always thought he could be. Uh, so, look, great stuff, guys, honestly. Uh, and we'll just talk quickly. Uh, Talangi, is he a smoky for origin? Well, yeah, I, I think he should be. He's – 
He couldn't have done finishing. much more. He's outrageous. Yep. There was only one bomb that he dropped where I was like, oh, like dropping bombs, like, you know, that are just just dropping them without any pressure on you or whatever. That's almost like the biggest no-no ever for Origin. You just can't afford to do that. Like, fair enough if you're going up for it and you drop it over, but just dropping it cold. But outside of that, like the goosey for his try, um, his finishing last couple of weeks has been outstanding. Oh, I think he's been a better finisher this year than, than the other two that I'm picking at the moment. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Biggest body, you know, he, he'd be able to handle the contact. Mate, good signs. Uh, so Especially if you are going to have Val Holmes in the centres too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Outside, you yeah, build those combinations. Jeez. So he might be a smoky, actually. It's a good point. He might be, yeah. Because, like, you go Val Holmes, him on one edge, and then you go Gay Guy, Oates, too experienced. Yes, I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, onto the Storm. Uh, I should have I had more confidence in myself, but remember when we watched the first trial with the Storm, and I said, if there is one thing I'm concerned about with the Storm this year, it is their depth, and their yeah. depth is specifically in the middle and we spoke about Nelson being really the only big body they had that could, you know, skittle players. And I think we're really seeing the Storm's depth isn't as good as yesteryear at the moment. What do you guys think? For sure. This is where I, I think a Lodge signing would just make Whoa. so much sense and it would make such a difference to this side. But, um, yeah, look, I've got – I know we, we, we don't say it very often, but – when we do, it gets used to a lot. It was a very un-Melbourne yeah. performance. Like, like even two like weeks the, in a row. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, but just some of the tries they conceded in this game, like they were really soft. Mm. They were soft by any team standards. Mm. Like um, the Gilbert one off the short kickoff, like that was that was just, surprising. That was bang average. There was a uh, even the one that, that that I pointed out before that Robson scored. Like, you should never score that against Melbourne. Mm. Then you've got the Cohen Hess one. It was a great play, and it was a double movement. It got disallowed. But, like, you know, around the ruck, they're usually just so strong, so strong. Um, yeah, look, I really think we're seeing uh, their depth just isn't the same as... Like, very rarely did, it, did their centres come in. Like, <clears throat> unfortunately, you know, Iremiah uh, and Seve, like, they had a real tough, tough night. Like, yeah. a really tough night. <clears throat> well, yeah, we, we, we were talking during the week, and, you know, I, I think... This weekend or the weekend after, I think we'll start to see a Warbrick, maybe a Howarth, mm. start to come into yeah, this I side. thought they might have, haven't spoken to you about Warbrick. I hadn't paid a lot of attention to you pointing him out to me. You looked at his numbers, watched him highlights. Looks very good carving up Queensland Cup. I thought he must have been a chance last week ahead of either Seve or Iremiah. But <coughs> I did see on NRL.com he was listed as injured and due back this week. So maybe that, well, more than likely, that played into it. Uh, whether or not he's good to go this week. But pretty exciting, eh? Yeah. Look, yeah, the storm, I don't know what to say because it's actually been, so the last time they lost two games in a row, 30 plus points or whatever, it's 2013. Ooh. So it's been a... It was probably during Origin too, Yeah, I'd probably guess. during Origin. Yeah. Is it, are we concerned for the storm? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not concerned as in like, fuck, they're going to miss the eight, but I'm concerned that you know, it's a worry. They're playing teams that are at the top that... They're not competing with. Mm. Like they, and I understand they're missing players. I get it. But 30 points is a big whack in the modern game. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought the Cowboys were unlucky not to score more. Yep. Yeah. Mate, what do you reckon, Timmy? Uh, concerned in one element. That's obviously depth. But if we're going to plan and they get players back uh, for the business end of the season, Bellamy 
and that roster are way too good and I do not have concern in the world and they'll be there come prelim grand final time and knocking the door down for another premiership. The issue is obviously depth because if they do have a couple of key injuries like they do now come prelim final time or grand final time, there's no way they're beating Penrith at mm. anywhere near full strength. Um, so I think, yeah, we're seeing that we're, they're going to need to be full strength. I know it's only a two-week little passage, but it was pretty detrimental on what we saw. Mm. A bit of an eye-opener. So if they're full strength come finals time, wouldn't concern me one bit. But as you said before, they're just not dealing with – they don't have the depth that they have for the last 15 years mm. where blokes have just slotted in seamlessly. Yeah. Look at that team. Like Harry Grant played at halfback. They're chopping and changing fullbacks. Nelson was out. Welch has obviously gone for the season. But there was a lot of different moving parts to that side. Yeah. I think, you know, I must be, I would be biased because obviously I'm mates with Smitty, but I think we're really starting to appreciate the greatness of Cooper Cronk, Smith, and Slater. And why I say that is, is like, imagine that team that had no Hughes, no Papanusen, but Smith was playing nine. Mm. They, there's no way. They, they keep winning. They yeah, keep yeah. winning. Or imagine that team, it had no Hughes, no Papanusen. Uh, I've got it mixed up now. Is it Housen or Husen? I fucking I don't know anymore. I've been I've, I've got my mind in a pretzel. Ryan Pappenhausen. Housen. Jesus. I don't like. I try to fix it, and then it just gets mixed up. Housen. Housen. Uh, anyway, imagine that same side with Cooper Cronk still on the side. Yeah. They they win probably. They win probably. And I think that we're seeing we're really starting to appreciate the greatness of these guys. Slater in the side still, whereas you know Munster, although. Absolutely amazing. And yes, he was actually sick this week. But it shows that if they lose one of those guys... Now, some people are trying to say, well, see, Storm made the right decision to pay him unders because he's not playing well without Hughes. I think Hughes without Munster would be in the same boat. Yeah. You know, I think they complement each other equally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whereas I think Storm in the past, Cooper Cronk, Smith especially, was so, so, so great that if they lost a few key players, they would just pick up the slack. Like, Smith would just play halfback. Remember when they made the grand font? Was it Brody Croft that was their seven? And, like, Croft, you know, he's not, not even, in, at the moment, not NRL standard. He's gone over the Super League. Like, Smithy was just, Smithy was essentially playing seven. Yep. And then you look at Cooper Cronk. We have to remember, Cooper Cronk won three grand finals in a row. In a row. Uh, so, I do believe that although the Storm Systems have continued their dominance and played really good footy, it still can't replace greatness. And they're going to have to find a way to get around that going forward. Yeah, Cross was the halfback in the grand final loss to the Roosters. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I do think that it's all it is showing is that when you lose goats, it does affect you. Even the best systems, arguably, at least some of the best systems in world sport, like Melbourne Storm system, I honestly think would, would it compete against the All Black system, you know, great NFL team system. So I don't think they've got anything to worry about because when they've got their full 17, they absolutely can win the premiership. Uh, but I do think it is a, a bit of a, not a wake up call because they'd be aware of it, but just a warning shot of like, our depth probably isn't as good as we th hoped it would be. I do think it is concerning for next year because if this is how they're playing now without key players, they lose Kafusi, Bromwich Brothers, all next year. They lose Cheese as well. Who have they Who have they signed to cover those positions? Yeah, well, they're hoping Tariq Sims. Has that been confirmed? Yeah. Yes, yeah, for next year. Okay. And then they for were talking year. about maybe releasing early or whatever. Okay, so like, for example, they could have really used Tariq on that. 
on 100%. Like weekend. Yeah. And this is where, you know, it'd be interesting to see what Melbourne do over the next few weeks, whether it is a lodge or whoever it might be. I think they have to bring in some middle somewhere, don't they? Mm. Like they have got a lot of really good edge edge young guys there, but it's the middles that they're really lacking. Yeah. And we, we spoke about this at the start of the year. I think they need to go in the market for yeah. a couple of big boppers. I really do. Uh, what do you reckon, Timmy? The Matty Lodge one intrigues me because it happened so suddenly down nowhere. As we said, we couldn't really explain it before. Imagine if you just got a call from Belliac saying, mate, come here, be every chance at winning a premiership with us. Exactly what Melbourne need right now. He'd have to be taking unders to do it unless they've got some cap space somewhere, but that mm. seems relatively unlikely. Um, mate, if I'm... Geez, ma- you could fit for them. Mate, if I'm Lodge, I'd honestly almost go there for free. Yeah. 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 Seriously. Like, I would honestly... He's already got paid, you know, 400k for the year, mate. You can afford to. Mate, you I literally just send him your expenses for the week and say, yeah. cover this and I'm good. I'm good. Just, just get me somewhere to sleep. Yeah. Mate, I'll sleep in your spare bedroom. Lodge there. It, it, lodge and Nuss. <laughs> like, wow. So I do think that the Storm need to go into the market for a couple of forwards. Mm-hmm. I think my concern isn't for them this season. They absolutely are the Melbourne Storm and they absolutely will be challenging for a premiership. No doubt in my mind. But... Uh, little little concern is for next year that I, ha- I unless they've got some young guys coming through that I'm unaware of, I, ha- I think that they're probably going to need to go into the market to replace guys like Jesse, Kafusi, yeah. and uh, Kenny. Yeah, and I mean, you're still going to, we're going to come back next year, and yes, Christian Welsh is going to walk back in this side, but he's That's still coming off an ACL. Yeah. That's another, Christian Welsh would have been, you know, yeah. yeah. And look, in, in Storm's defence, Welsh, Nass, Papenhusen, Hughes, it's going to affect. I think the reason why we're so surprised is because we have we hold Storm to a higher standard than any other team in the comp. I think is that mm-hmm. a fair statement? Yes. Um, and it's because they've earned the right to be held to a higher standard because they are so great. They are so great. I think that it's. Let's say they do go into finals footy injury free. It's actually a scary time for other teams because this is like reality check yeah. shit, and you don't want the Storm to get reality checks because then they become even scarier. Uh, so, yeah, I just, the, the key concern is the depth. I don't think it's concern for their premiership threat at all. Uh, they are missing any side, missing their one, their seven, and their key two front rowers would struggle. And I mean, the reality is this Cowboys side, they're the real deal. Yeah. They beat Parramatta by the same score last week, the full, uh, a few weeks ago with, this, mm. with their full strength side. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I think I think that they'll be fine. I think they'll absolutely be uh, challenging for a premiership. Uh, I think it's a mixture of the Cowboys are the real deal and Storm missing quite a few players, but it does put a spotlight on their depth. They need to probably sort that out, especially for next year. Uh, now, on to the next game. Some breaking news. This is a kind of one from left field that I didn't expect. Warriors playmaker Chanel Harris-Avita will take a break from rugby league at the end of this year. So he won't re-sign yeah. with the Warriors. He's just going to travel and do things that he wants to do and then he'll wow. probably come back to rugby league after that. Yeah, look, you know what? I understand it, man. Like even like me personally, like building all this up, like you work so, so hard for so long. You still want to go and live your life. Like you, I've never been traveling. Like I've played rugby league since I was 17. I've never traveled the world. I've never experienced like Europe, any of the Asian countries. I mean, I went to Vietnam for like two days outside of that. You know, I've never really experienced the world. So although like it's shocking, it's also, I get it to a degree. It sounds outrageous. 
But then when you more and more think about it and the experiences, well, like you got to remember, like the last two years for him have been a nightmare. A nightmare. Yeah. And also like he has a year off and, and some, like he's already played in a role. So when you think about like what, how many games he's played? Like 40, 50? 40, 50 in a role games. It's like, what's the difference between playing? And let's say he comes back and plays in a role. He's only going to miss one, one season. We've seen plenty of guys come back and play. So I kind of understand it. In the grand scheme of things of life, you know, if that's, his, if that's what he values, then that's what he values. So I, I hope mentally he's all happy and it's not about like mental health. He, he made a point to say that it definitely is not mental health. He just related. wants to live his life. Yeah. yeah so man, I, just, I think there'd be a lot of guys in this position that don't have the courage to do it. I respect the shit yeah. of it, actually. I yeah. love he, it. He's yeah. been quoted to say that he, he kind of feels guilty about the decision, but he's going to do he it. He shouldn't. He shouldn't. And I think it's brave. And I think that he's not going to regret it. Like to go travel the world and experience life. Like there's so much more to life than, you know, Footy. rugby league. I yeah. mean, uh, fuck, I live and breathe it, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so look, I res- respect to him. Good on him for, for having the brave to step out of societal's expectation of, are you serious? You, you know, you've been given this gift to play rugby league. You should play it. It's your, it's your duty. It's like, well, no, actually he doesn't actually have a duty to anyone except for the people he loves and himself. So good on you. Jeez, there, there would have been a couple of clubs eyeing him off too that have been filthy a lot of clubs would have been keen on so one, like as we said before with your Mitch Moses your Dylan Browns there's another one off the market yeah. teams would have been looking at he's silky man he just hasn't been given with injury and that he hasn't been given a chance to really find all you know his, his potential and he's what still 22, 23 so is that at the end of this year or is that yeah so he'll play out the year he still wants to play the World Cup whether that's for New Zealand or Samoa and then he'll take take a break respect to him that's the right way to do it. Keep in mind that he's spent the last two years living away from home and yeah. family, yeah. everything you touched on before. Yeah. Um, bloody good on him. What yeah. a legend. So legend. If you're the Warriors, do you, do you play him this year or do you just sort of do you look to the Mate, future? if you're the Warriors, I'm just getting wins this year. I'm yeah, just doing okay. whoever is the best 17 to get wins. Because, like, I look at their side and, like, it's not like they're recruiting anyone big that I know of that they're trying to build for. Um, yeah, I'm just... Well, they've got Volkman that's just walked in there. Yeah, look, I'll put it this way. If I have a choice between playing Volkman and him and Volkman is ready, I'm absolutely going mm. with Volkman. But if it gets to a point where, you know, Volkman absolutely isn't ready, I'm just trying to get wins. Um, but, yeah, look, good on him. Now, Roosters, Panthers. Uh, you know, first half or at least the first 20, 30, I'm going, look, Roosters are in this. They're in, in this. And I thought a really, really key takeaway from this game was um, basically – the Roosters had, sorry, the Panthers had three more errors than the Roosters, I think, in the first half. And the Panthers had three more tries. I think this was in the first half. I've, I've got it in my notes here if I can find it. But, yeah, okay, half time. Roosters, three more errors than the Panthers. And the Panthers have three more tries. And I thought that's such a good statistical indication of the difference between the sides. Because the Penrith Panthers, you give them any sniff, they will score points. They will score points. Um, so although it was quite a dominant win in the end, Roosters fans, like, I, I wouldn't be that disheartened. I, I really wouldn't be. I know it's a 32-12 to 12, um, loss and it, they ended up running away with it. But I think we can all agree now it's become pretty apparent that the Roosters are kind of in a rebuildish fade. Not a rebuild like the normal sense. They're still in the top, you know, six or whatever. But uh, a mini kind of just finding their new direction after losing – the, the Morris brothers, Cordner, Friend, Orbison. I think they're just trying to find their identity again. What do you think about this game? Yeah, Penrith are just <laughs> like they're a good side. Fucking hell. I, I think you just have to accept that. 
when when you're looking at this. So I mean, I think it was was it nil all after thirty minutes? Yeah, nil all after thirty. Um, they won thirty two to twelve Crazy. in the last fifty <laughs> minutes. Crazy. Like uh, they're just a good fucking football team. Yeah. And you look like the it's not like the Roosters. Like, it's not like the Roosters run zero because they they were struggling to score points. They were putting themselves in positions. Yep. Against most teams, I think Swaley scores two or three tries. Yeah. Yep. Their defense was just incredible. They've you know we spoke about it before when you talk about their scramble. There's just numbers everywhere. It's like they got three fullbacks that just float along the back of the line. It's yep. crazy. Um, on Swaley too, that shot that he put on kick Mate. out. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> what a cracker! How good. Mate, Swaley, his potential is absolutely. He's the closest I've seen to Israel Folau since Israel Folau. You know, he has leaps and bounds improved every single week. Um, he's not even. He's 18. He's yeah, 18, 18 yeah. and he's yeah, doing that to Billy Army Kikau. So think of the natural body strength that you have to have at 18. Imagine when he's 22, 23. Far out. Incredible. And he's hot as fuck. <laughs> I love the grin that Kikau had on his face after. Yeah, he yeah. just You could just tell that he was like, fuck, this kid. Like, yeah. I don't even feel bad about that. This kid's just genuinely a weapon. An absolute weapon yeah. of a player. <clears throat> what do you think about the Roosters? Yeah. Trent Robinson summed it up after the game. He said... Penrith are a better football team than us at the moment. Um, and you look at every time Penrith beats someone each and every week, we sit on here and, and you sort of look at the scoreline and naturally lean towards criticising him. But sometimes you've got to go, as you said, 30 minutes they went nil all with the best team in the comp by a lengthy margin. Um, Penrith, who are just relentless and grind teams down, grind them down, will often get away from them late in the game. The Roosters scored their two tries from 60 minutes onwards. That is such a massive, massive sign of like, you know, the Roosters were, I don't want to say in that game, but they were competitive, mm. which is something that most teams aren't against Penrith. So I think the Roosters would have taken a lot out of that. They would have, I don't think it was a reality check because I don't think they thought they were a better team than Penrith coming into the game. But, um, and then you look over at Penrith and it's like an old storyline, but it just blows my mind, their production line each week, looking at Talion May coming in for running for over 200 metres, just about every game this year. Yeah. And you're like... You know, Toto gets injured. May comes in and does that. How do you stop these blokes? Mm. I, I mean, it's the Penrith is a really interesting thing because I honestly believe, outside of maybe the Broncos' younger forward pack, athletically they just seem more. They seem faster. Mm. They seem stronger, and they seem fitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wonder whether Roosters trying to come to grips with that newer, faster style of forward. I think, mm. and and, and I, I could be wrong, but. I do think that the Roosters' current pack is very suited to, you know, pre-2020 footy. And I think Robinson's trying to, like, find, mould his way into that new style of... Because I just think, like, when you look at that Penrith forward, like, I'm trying to compare them to any other forward pack. Can you guys name a forward pack that comes even close to them when it comes to speed, explosiveness and size? No, I'll tell you what always catches my attention, and it's, it's sometimes it's on their social media. When you see those Panthers boys playing basketball during the week... So athletic. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like, crazy. Their forwards are doing stuff that, you know, like, like and, and you see, like, I'm sure a vast majority of teams would play basketball during the week yeah. or whatever, but and I know nothing about basketball, but I look at their front rowers and the shit that they're able to do, their ball movement and the yeah. stuff that, the way that they Ath jump, it's unbelievable. Athletically. That's yeah. what I mean. I just think, like, whatever decision they've made of, like, we're going to take footy players and make them athletic or we're going to take athletes and make them footy players, I don't know, but they just seem athletically to be a step above. Yeah. And they like I look at their gym too. 
that, that you can see on social media, they've put a basketball court smack in the middle <laughs> yeah, of their the fucking gym. gym. Yeah. Like, I look at the, like, I, I know Brisbane, the Dragons, like, they've got a hoop out the, in the car park or yeah. whatever. The Panthers have literally brought into it. Like, you see them in their downtime. Yeah, just playing hoops. Yeah. Hooping. Hooping with the boys. <laughs> Mate, it's, uh, you know, you're, t- you're totally right. It is inc- and even their outside backs, like, Crichton, like, literally could have played in the NBL. Um, they're just athletically so, so impressive. Uh, just back to the Roosters, I think if if Robson was sitting here saying, like, I don't know what the issue is, I don't know what's going on, I would be concerned. But we have to remember, Robson at the start of the season was saying, defensively, we're not anywhere near where we were a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, or not anywhere near. We're not near where we were a couple of years ago. And, like, I think the fact that Robson was calling that before the season started gives me a lot of... Uh, comfort because it says he's aware of where they're at whereas if they were if it was coming into the season and saying you know we're ready and you know we're really going to make a push and then they come out and do this you'd be like there's a disconnect here he's not aware of the problems but i think robson is is quite like really aware of their shortcomings and where he needs to fix it so although they're not where we all thought they would be this year i think maybe last year it, it kind of we thought well because they've got those injuries and they they did what they did this year they're going to be incredible um i think maybe we overestimated that a little mm. bit and to be fair they're, they're still sitting what they're sitting six i think it's incredible so so they say are uh, currently i mean they've dropped to seventh but before this week they were fourth yeah and on seventh is they're on 12 points so they're only a, a win behind fourth place which is pretty incredible considering um, you know, where they're at. What is amazing though is that the Rabbitohs are on 10 points and they're in the eight with the year that they've had, which yeah. is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, so look, Roosters fans, I think that it's pretty obvious now. I think we can all kind of agree that there is a mini rebuild happening or, or a, not a rebuild, a re-identification of who they are as a club um, because when you really look at their results since the back-to-back finals, they haven't really been the same side and... They lost Cooper Cronk. <laughs> like, again, we're going back to, we talk about the storm and losing Smith and Cronk. The Roosters lost Cooper Cronk. Before Cooper Cronk, they couldn't even get past the prelim. So that's a big loss. It's a yep. big loss. So I think they're in a bit of a mini rebuild. I think Sam Walker is still showing signs of really, really high quality footy. So I wouldn't worry at all if I'm Roosters fans. I think uh, as well, since losing Cooper, like, Radley's just been in and out of this team. Yeah. And they have to, ch- they have to change their entire structures mm. from when Radley's in to when he's out. Uh, I reckon that is make it very, and it's going to make it very tough for them again because they're going to have to now when Radley does come back. Uh, what's he out for? Six weeks. We're we going to look at him walking back in around eighteen, round nineteen, yeah. and they're going to have to sort of change things a little bit again. And, and what hasn't helped that is that their like for like replacement of Radley, which they're obviously prepared for, is Connor Watson to slot in at lock. And all right, you lose a lot, but you get a similar, smaller, more nimble ball playing lock. Because Verrills was gone, Watson's had to play hooker. So they played Takiaho at lock, which yeah. is not the modern-day lock that we're seeing successful teams go with. So, you know, not the injury worries that other teams have had, but that's a significant one, isn't it? And during the week, they wanted to play Butcher there, but then Tupanua got ruled yeah. out. So yeah. he got shoved out yeah. to the edge. So yeah. there's a lot of moving pieces mm. there. And I will say that, you know, maybe them recruiting a guy like Cheese is evidence that they are trying to move towards mm. a more explosive, fast forward pack. Because he... he like, the cheese is very similar to a lot of those Panthers boys. He's super explosive, he's super fast, and he's strong as anything. Very athletic. And so I wonder if that's going to really help bring some 
uh, impact to their forward pack. You know, like I think when you look at guys like Hargreaves and um, Tokiaho, they're like the grindy, gritty, yeah. tough veterans. But they're not like – like Tokiaho was, you know, and he, and he still has moments here and there. But Hargreaves, for example, like he is just the old school kind of timeless forward mm. front so, rower. So he's not going to be there next year, Tokiaho? No. He's gone overseas. Are we, does Cheese definitely play hooker? Are we getting to a point where they might need to use him? Yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting what they're going to do. You know, or does, or does he play 13 and... What do you do with Rads, though? Then, well, you know, do you put Rads on an edge? I don't know. I mean, Rads is a, an incredible 13, but I'm just trying to work out where you put Cheese, you know. Do you put him at nine and then you have Connor on the bench? And Anyway, interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, Roosters fans... It's going to sound like a cop-out, but you just played a team that is a step above the comp right now. They're yeah. truly just a step above the comp. Yeah. Nothing you can do about that. Uh, Panthers, we'll talk about them quickly. Um, wow. They're pretty good. <laughs> pretty fucking good. What about them Panthers? Uh, Isaiah Yo is just taking his game to a whole other level. Um, you know, Nathan Cleary kicked for 600 metres. Jerome Lewis scoring two tries. Then you've got the, the outside backs. None of them, not a single outside back ran for less than 150 metres. Fuck. How do you defend that shit? Some teams don't have backs that go for 150 metres a week. Like. Yeah. Four of the five, 175 metres plus. And the 150 metres one was Brian Toto. Yeah. He's the best meat reader in the game. Literally. <laughs> Mate, incredible. Inc- like that just... Whatever, they, whatever decision they made two years ago... To just change things up, I can't remember a time that's just paid such big dividends. Like they are truly a powerhouse now. There's just no denying it. We're in our third year, and in the three-year period, they've maybe lost four games. That's <laughs> and yet, yeah. insane. And you have a look at all the stars. None of them they've brought from elsewhere. No, they all just, developed oh, there. They, they yeah. brought Cape Wall from Cronulla, but Appy, was... Appy's really and Appy was the top, like everything changed when Appy came to the club. Now I don't say it was just Appy, but outside of that, and Appy actually no, he, he played at the. Panthers. He started. Yeah, he started there, so it is so developed. No, it's, it's Dalian Medal, second row of the year, Scott Sorensen. Mate, how good's he been? Killing it. Fuck, he brings impact. <laughs> yeah. That the line break outside Isaiah Yo, that was incredible line oh, running. I had random stats guy on the podcast last week, and I think he said that he's won something like twenty five games in a row when he's come off the bench, Sorensen. Wow, and good I think he too. started three or four, and I think they've lost those games. <laughs> Fuck, it's crazy, mate. Um, yeah, look. Panthers just look incredible. They're a powerhouse, and and I I said it week after week. I say it, but they're essentially becoming the storm. But they have the biggest nursery of rugby league in the country. That is what is scary here. They have the whole of Penrith looking at Penrith right now, going, "I'm dreaming of playing at Penrith," which is scary because all not all most of the best talent is out in Western Sydney. Uh, mate, I think the thing that makes them even more impressive, all the stuff you said is spot on as well. They're also a club that has shown they can have fuck-ups off the field and they just deal with it. Yeah. Melbourne's always been very in-house. There was never, You never heard anything from down there. You know, We've had the TikToks. We've had all this shit that's happened out of Penrith. They don't care. Yeah, they just, they're different they just breed. get on with the yeah. job. They're just different, man, honestly. The way, like, you know, the, the criticism they cop now and it hasn't changed them one bit, they don't give a fuck. They're just like, yeah. we are who we are. And if you want to hate on us, we don't care. We're still winning and yeah. we're still loving life. Even like the kick-out saga, like for him to sign with another club and have that photo come out, all this media attention, it's like it didn't happen. Mm. But the, like they, they had the grand final celebration that week and they, 
they were geeing him up at it. Yeah. It just doesn't – nothing rattles them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Panthers fan, week, you know, every week we say it, <laughs> fucking enjoy it. It's incredible. Now, Rabbitohs Raiders. Uh, really interesting game, this one. Uh, I picked the Raiders, and they're delivering. Ricky's Raiders. Uh, I thought they were. I thought they were standing through the middle. I thought Tarpane uh, and Papali'i were absolutely massive. I thought Tarpane made a real point of playing for a guy he clearly looks up to in Papali'i in his two fiftieth. Um, Kotrick, as you said, had probably his best game since he returned uh, to the Raiders. Hudson Young continues to deliver quality through all of their poor, you know, form. Hudson Young has been probably a standout for them, and he continues to play really well. You know, Jackie Wyden with a try assist, you know, 100 plus metres. Um, mate, they're looking good. They're looking like a turnaround could be on the cards. I know I spoke about it last week and I said there's a huge opportunity here, but I think they're building a bit of momentum. I really do. Now, we've seen this before, so I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But right now, they really could fight for that eight spot. They really, really could fight for that spot. What do you guys reckon? I still feel like I'm getting lured into a trap with the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm still, I'm still not confident enough to put money on them, but um, they did look impressive. I thought South Sydney the week before against the Warriors, they won that one. But when the Warriors in the 50th minute decided to get off the bus and play, you could really see how much they missed Cam Murray, and I think you could see that on the weekend. They also had uh, Totola, who yeah, first gone minute. in the first minute, so that first makes tackle. life very difficult. First tackle, yeah, uh, but. Mate, credit to the Raiders. I think that that pack would have given it to most teams yesterday. Yeah, I, th- I think they would have challenged most teams. What do you think? Yeah, the milk back in business. Good to see. So three on the trot. They, they're getting back to what we expected earlier in the season, and that was playing through their forward pack. Because on paper, their forward pack is outstanding. Top four. So on the weekend, we had... I was at that, as I said, I was at the New South Wales Cup game on the weekend. Mm. Corey Howard and Naira wasn't in the 17 because he was dropped. Ryan Sutton, who got their coach's award last year, yeah. dropped. They got a young bloke named Trey Mooney coming yeah, through. He's a young gun. bloke, he's a gun. He was an absolute star again on the weekend. They had a prop whose name I can't think of. Uh, outstanding, and they were just dominant on there. Adam Elliott came back from uh, illness. He was terrific. So I still do think they're, they're quite light on in the back line. I think they lack a lot of strike out wide or big time. But when you fall back and knocking the door down as well as they are. A, a below average, I would say, backline can score points because yeah. that's what rugby league is essentially, isn't it? So, uh, really promising signs, and yeah, it was just it was all off the back of that pack because they were yeah. brilliant. The pack were brilliant. Let me read you some stats for the pack. Papali he made twenty-seven tackles, only missed one. Their hooker missed no tackles. Tarpane missed no tackles. Hudson Young missed no tackles. Adam Elliott missed no tackles, and. Elliot Whitehead made 27 and only missed two tackles. What a fucking knock by their forward pack. And this this is how the Raiders get out of the situation they're in. They fall back on their forward pack. They don't try and be fancy. They say, boys, we're Ricky's Raiders. We're aggressive. We've got a chip on our shoulder. We hate everyone. We're here to dominate other packs. We don't respect anyone. Remember their time when they, were, they nearly won the comp? They used to play teams like the Storm, and it was almost they were almost angry at the Storm, like they hated them for no reason. But they need that mongrel, and I thought on the weekend they had that. Like Tarpane for me, he is just such an elite level forward, and the way he like he's aggressive running, but also he's strong defence. It is like high quality, but it's also aggressive high quality. Um, the Raiders, if they can keep this up as a forward pack, 
they really can challenge for the eight. Mm. It is insane to think right now the Raiders, they're on, they're, they're currently sitting ninth, but they're on equal points to the Rabbitohs with 10 points. So basically they are they're, like, they're essentially eighth in the, in the sense that if they win more games than the Rabbitohs in the next whatever weeks, they will most likely finish in the eight. Now, what a turnaround because Four. three weeks ago, you're sitting here going, they might even win the spoon. They're, that, yeah. they're going that. They're struggling that much three or four weeks ago. Now, they truly have put themselves in a position to, to make the eight. To be fair, though, they play para next week and the Roosters the week after. So, in my opinion, this next month of footy is season-defining for them. I will say this about that draw. I think they're, they're both in Canberra and the Roosters one will be without Teddy. Yep. A few other guys. So... Um, and I mean, we just said this about Parramatta; they can do anything. Like I, I'm very hesitant to compliment Canberra too much because made me look like an absolute yeah. mug every second week. <laughs> three so. on the trot, though. You have to three on the trot. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not fully on the bandwagon, yeah. but I mean, we are <laughs> three been, on the trot. You've been burnt yeah. so many yeah. times, yeah. you're hesitant. To, but um, yeah, they, they were very impressive. Um, interesting to see what they do with the halfback spot next week. Frawley was named. Apparently, he was crook. So Schneider came in. I thought Schneider was pretty good, to be honest. Um, but in saying that, I would probably bring Frawley back in if, you know, because he was just so good. Hand, you got a thousand bucks in your pocket. Do the Ra- Raiders make the eight this year? No. No? Garina? No, I think they'll just miss. Matty? No, I don't think so. Yeah, you have little faith. <laughs> Why do you hate milk so much, bro? Nevada thousand. Uh, 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 well, mine might be coming from a place of bias, considering now that what you've told me, I kind of need them to lose as a South fan, <laughs> possibly. But no, like they got a tough draw well, coming up right now. Like unless like the Eels, Broncos, or Sharks go on a mass. Like so, the Eels, Broncos, and Sharks are all on equal fourth with fourteen points. Now, obviously, points differential change that. But it really for that eight spot, unless one of them go on a fucking crazy you know, losing streak right now, really it is just, it's, it's the Roosters, the Rabbitohs, the Raiders, the Seagulls and the Dragons that are fighting for seventh and eighth. Okay. Well, do, do, do the Rabbitohs play final footy this year? Right now? I think they miss out. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right now, I think they miss out. If they, if they play the way that they're playing for the rest of the year, there's no chance they'll make the yeah. finals. They're making an error every six minutes. It's crazy. We were looking at, you know, probably eight or ten weeks ago from a super coach point of view, looking at the Rabbitohs and their draw coming up and going, the next ten weeks is unreal for them. Like, they've shit the bed every second game. Yeah, and that's, what's, it's, it's cons- that's what the concerning thing is, the Rabbitohs. And I said it to you, I, th- I might even said on the, no, I said on the podcast, but I, said, I definitely said to you off the podcast, I said my concern is they don't even make the eight this year at the mm. start of this season because of the snowball effect. Because what's happening right now is like, the spotlight is getting brighter on Cody Walker, brighter on Cody Walker. And then Lockie Elias, that also gets brighter. And all of a sudden it's like, then Adam Reynolds playing career best footy makes the spotlight even brighter. And before you know it, every newspaper, every second day, it's you know a story about the Rabbitohs. It's a, you can yeah. tell though, they're, they're sorely missing Cam Murray last two weeks, yeah. just in the yeah, middle, for sure. and they'll get Latrell back. So Latrell's a big, big back, big back. But what the concern I have is, is like, by the time they get to that point, too much damage is done, but you have to. You have to. Like the reality is, Cam Murray, 
one of the best forwards in the game. Latrell Mitchell, one of the best backs in the game. Any team missing that high quality isn't going to be as good as they, yeah. you know. You have a look at the last few weeks. I mean, they got done by the Tigers. They beat Manly with 12. They got dusted by the Broncos. They beat the Warriors, who didn't play footy for the first 50 minutes. Then they got beat by the Raiders. Like, it's been a pretty... That's what, that's what's concerning time. for me. Yeah. That's what's concerning. The one thing that I'll, I'll give the Bunnies and get in the corner in, like, they were, like, almost beyond believable how poor they were on the weekend. But... Mentioned before, but they're, they're lacking so much go forward that just made their like life so easy for their backline last year. Between Blake Taff, sort of Alex Johnston, Tane Milne, uh, there's no punch coming out of yardage, except for maybe Campbell Graham. Except for maybe Campbell Graham, I think we probably underestimated a bloke who's flown under the radar a little bit. And that's Marky Nichols being out. He's yeah. added a lot to them. Totola gone in the first minute of the game. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was it Hame Sele the week before who was gone in the first minute of the game. Yep. So you throw Latrell back in there for the punch through the middle at all times is huge. Marky Nichols coming back. We know how important Cam Murray is to their go forward through the guts. Um, they're three pretty big inclusions. You get Totola back for who's been playing bigger minutes in the absence of these sort of blokes recently. If they can get all these blokes back on deck, you know. I think they can get close to what we think they were and potentially be that top eight side again. Mm. But it's also a case of you've got to see it before believing it, don't you? Well, the, the thing is, is and I, it's, I feel like I say it every week, but every week, look at their completion rate. If they complete around 80%, they win matches. On the weekend, it was 65% completion rate. And although I agree with you, I 100% agree with you, those are important outs. That still doesn't excuse mm. that completion rate. You know, If they're completing at 80% they're, and they lose, you could go those outs are the concern. My concern is is this completion rate has been an um, issue for them since the start of the year. Like They have not managed to sort this out. And the, one ga- and the games that they do look really good, it's all around the completion rate. What have you got there, Matty? Uh, yeah, so they have... Um, 17 more errors than the second worst team. So, so they're the worst team? By far the worst. By as, far. as I said before, they, we played 880 minutes of footy this year. They made 148 errors. That's one every six minutes. See, that, oh. the, that's the real concerning thing is like, it doesn't matter who you have in or out. That's purely mm, concentration. Yeah. Like that's purely concentration. And some of these errors, particularly in yesterday's game, it was almost like last year, they were so dominant in attack, the four-pack rolling forward. You know, we know what the six again rule did to the game, and they were scoring so easy for like two, three-man overlaps. The attack was just humming. This year, it's like, well, they're not getting their go forward, and that classic cliche, not cliche, they're going wide before they're going through the middle. Yeah. And there'll be times where they're getting bent over in the middle, and then they'll just go to a short side or whatever, an open side with an attacking set, and they'd be like, they'd have less numbers than the opposition. And then Taff would try to pull some magic pass out of his ass when it was just never on, which is leading to these just relentless errors. Like, boys, just calm down. I almost take a leaf out of the Raiders' book and be like, you know, let's try to start winning a game through the middle before we try and produce something on the edge because it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Want to hear a crazy stat? The most metres run for the Rabbitohs was 118. Oh, fuck. And guess who it was? Campbell Graham. Yeah. I will say, like, we were probably having the exact same conversation, though, this time last year. Like, round 11 at Dubbo... Last year was when they got dusted by Penrith. Mm. The conversation was similar, then they went on a run. Can they do it again this year? Who knows? But, but like, so let's imagine, let's imagine they were inconsistent last year. They were inconsistent at around like seven to nine performances. I think their consistency this year is between five and seven. You know what I mean? Like they've dropped 
a level of quality. Yeah. But you are right, and we did. We have said Rabbitohs fans, glass half full. We have said ad nauseum. Rabbitohs are a unique side where it's like week to week with them. You know, you just even under Wayne, they were still very week to week. Like sometimes they'd come out and be unbelievable, and then sometimes they'd be the average. So. Hopefully they can sort it out. Well, they'd want to go on a run soon because round 19 onwards, they play the Warriors round 21 outside of that. They go Melbourne, Cronulla, Parramatta, Penrith, oh. Cowboys, Roosters. Oh, so is that the last? Fucking nightmare. Is that the last five that's weeks? The, that, that's before finals footy. Holy fuck. So, again, similar to the Raiders, this next month for them is season defining. Yeah. If they yeah. can't sort this next month out or next six weeks out, the season's essentially yeah, yeah, and mate, done. Like, if, if they do go deep into finals, it's going to mean like they're going to have to play nine weeks straight of finals footy pretty much. Fuck. So, look, it, the, the Rabbitohs, it hasn't been a complete disaster of a year. I, I wouldn't say that at all. Like, it's, there, there were naysayers last year that were like, nah, Wayne, Reynolds gone, Gaga gone. It's going to be a disaster. I think they've managed to hold it together. But this next month, it could turn into a disaster. Yeah. When you consider how good... Reynolds and Gagai have been when they've gone elsewhere. Yeah. Instead of the history of Wayne leaving a building, they've done pretty well. As I, disappointing yeah. as it is, you want them to be better. If it was grading, I'd be like a C. Yeah. You know, satisfactory, but, you know, room for improvement. And losing Latrell for long term and Cam Murray as well, definitely going to hurt them. Uh, now, on to the Titans versus Sharkies. Uh, really interesting game. Titans, you know, their defense in the first half, especially on their long, was absolutely outstanding. Oh, I haven't done it yet, but. Uh, the 12 stores in spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half hours late. <laughs> uh, Cronus Liquors, Jerrygong. Paddo's Grog Shop, ACT. Page Bottler in ACT. Camperdown Sellers, Bronte and Darlinghurst. Charles Liquor, Liquor Barns, all stores. So all of Charlie's Liquor Barns were in all the stores. <laughs> Super Sellers, Werribee. Blacksland Sellers, Yoronga Sellers. Reef Gateway, Early Beach. Club Hotel, Roma. Harry Brown's, Bouval. Tats Hotel, Armadale, and we are in every single celebrations, Bottolo, Porter's Liquors, IJ Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. Now, was that Cronin's on the weekend? It was flying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, good. Um, now, Titans versus Sharks. Yeah, look, their defence was outstanding in the first half, I thought, the Titans, and, and that's what we want to see. We know they can attack. We just need to sort their defence out. Um, I do think that they are young, yes, they are probably not where we thought they were at the start of the year. I think the Titans are probably maybe 12 to 24 months away from where we thought they were at the start of the year. And I think a really good example of that is, is you know, Sexton, the, it's like the last two sets of the game. The game is on the line. He drops a ball and the, and the shape that was set up around him was really clunky. So he drops the ball. And then the next, he gets another last set of the game and he goes to pass outside him. There's no shape outside him. He steps back inside, basically gets tackled or the, the set kind of ends. And so I think that's a really good example of like Sexton was the barometer of where they are as a club, mm-hmm. where however he was going to go was really how they're going to go as a club. And I think he may be just a little bit further behind in development than we may have expected. In saying that, it is to be expected that he is still a rookie, guys. He is not experience it's going to take him a few years to get to where he needs to get to so i actually think from a titans fans perspective in this game specifically there is a lot to take out of this the sharks are red hot and they only lost 25 to 18. i agree i think sexton is a perfect representation of where this club is at and so he should be Mm. because he is what they've backed in yeah and it's gonna take time 
rinse and repeat. Yeah, it's going to take time. We say it each yeah, week. It is, yeah. Um, but things to build out of this game, their defence on their line was outstanding. Outstanding, especially in the first half. Um, you know, Tino, once again, working his absolute ass off. Jared Wallace scoring two, two tries, which was hilarious when he was <laughs> celebrating. Um, I thought Brimo had some really good moments. Uh you know, Isan Masters looks good trim. Look, the good thing about the Titans is in their outside backs, they got depth, like depth. Um, so, yeah, look, I think they've just got to stay the course. What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, similar as um, Guru said, it's a bit rinse and repeat with them at the moment, isn't it? We, we talk about Toby Sexton each week and how mm. there's, there's signs of life, but also plenty of issues there. Um, I think probably the scoreline, despite decent defensive effort in the first half, probably flattered them a little bit in yep. the end. Two late, late tries in that one, last 10 minutes, I think it was. Um, you know, sort of running out of... The edges are quite frail still, but I suppose they're getting there. But, yeah, I don't have a lot to add on the Titans, to be honest, mate. Yeah, I, like I'm the same. It is, I, I think it's pretty clear what the issue mm. is. It's, you know, they're a young side. Um, you know, even their captain is extremely young, uh, even though... If there's one captain that's working his ass off, it's Tino. Like, Fuck, I, I thought he went good. Yeah, like, he just... Yeah. yeah. He's such a... He's the kind of player that... And I don't mean this disrespectfully at all to the Titans, but if this club doesn't turn around, he will have wasted his career. And I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but Tino, for me, is a guy that should be winning premierships. And so if the club doesn't turn around... Now, he's a captain, so he's going to stay forever. But let's say we've got five years down the track, the Titans are still fighting... They can barely make the eight or whatever. If you're Tino, like, do you sit there and go, well, my career can be so much more than this? And same with Brimo, for example. Brimo's another example. Jaden Campbell's another example. These kind of guys, do you turn around and go, you know, it, it's time for me to go to a club, maybe for unders, but to play some finals footy? Yeah, I, I look at Cam McInnes as an example. Yeah. He's one that, you know. How much would he be loving footy right now? Oh, mate. And there, and there would be so many clubs that would that would look at Tino, would look at AJ, and would go, "Fuck, we could do anything with them." Tino, happy, yeah. imagine Tino at like the Panthers. Yeah, I was heard. Um, Matty Johns during the week. I think it was on his podcast. He was saying that they had Tino on the Fox League show after Magic Round, mm. and he said that um, yeah, crowd was all over Tino. They loved him. He was yeah. so good with them. And he said there was a moment where someone came up to Hindy and asked him for an autograph, but but didn't say please or use manners or anything, and Tino sort of. Just, just this stranger just pulled them up on it and said, hey, be respectful, say this. Really? Say that. Yeah, like, and, you know, Matty sort of said, you know, it's a small thing, but it just shows the sort of mm. guy he is and the value I'll show you. I, I've up got with. another little story. Uh, so I asked him to come on the captain's run, and he's like, mate, I'd love to. I'm so sorry. I've got to, like, move houses or, like, bring a lot of furniture into the house or whatever. Anyway, I was like, yeah, totally sweet, bro. Like, no issue whatsoever. <laughs> anyway, the next day, he sent me a picture to show me to that to he wasn't lying. <laughs> he's like, just so you know, I'm not lying. And, you know, in big fashion, I just put shit on him. I was like, bro, you look cashed up. <laughs> all the boys are telling me you're cashed up. What are you talking about? You moved all in. But, you know, obviously I'm joking. But, yeah, truly, like, he is that guy. Like, mm. he's just absolutely, if you ever wanted your kid to look up to someone or, or anything like that, as a footy player, he truly is that guy. And it's a great story. Like, even, like, little things like manners. Like, that's yeah. – fuck it. That's, it's, it's a small thing, but it's a big thing, you know? So – and also, like, for Tino to make sure that Hindy gets enough respect. Yeah. A guy that everyone loves to laugh about, you know, the premierships, whatever. Hindy was one of the best fucking yeah. back rowers we've seen in a very long time. And for Tino to go, mate, show him a bit of respect. Yeah. I love that Legend. shit. Sunday night of Magic Round, 
probably eight, nine o'clock. Yeah. Like you're just yeah. done. Yeah, fucking oath. Fucking oath. Uh, what do you think uh, about the, the Titans' ability? And guys, I, I, Titans fans, I'm sure there's going to be someone like, upset that we're talking about this, but we're just speaking in reality here of sometimes when you're a club like the Titans and if you, if you don't manage to pull yourself out of this in five years, you lose your superstars because they may go, look, I want to play some finals footy. Now, I do believe that they will pull themselves out of this, but what, what do you think about that? Tell you one thing I noticed on uh, Jaden Campbell, how effective his kicking game is. He's yeah. got a really good boot on him and, like, both finesse and long-range kicking out, like, can time a footy. And I think that's really important for them going forward because, again, all the conversation goes back to ta- Toby Sexton, but it just takes a lot of pressure off him in the sense that they've got AJ Brimson playing there who's essentially playing out of position in that side, mm. albeit being a gun 5'8". But, yeah, for, for Campbell to be able to kick that well, it's just... Again, it's still Toby Sexton's number one job, but it just takes a little bit of pressure off him and can allow him to play a bit more of a natural game. So um, there's plenty they can build towards, and the combinations can work. I can't believe he wasn't in this team for so long. <laughs> I know. Like, we said it every week too. Do you think they've settled on Campbell as a fullback and Brimo as six? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I had a few Titans fans after we spoke about it last week reach out to me and say, oh, even though Foz is coming, you know, it's Sexton's job. He's 100% there. He's the last guy that will fall out. I'm not buying it. I, I I think that Campbell has to be the one, and I don't think you can leave Brimson out of mm. this team in any way, shape, or form. I, I think that um, – I, I definitely think that Toby Sexton should be a little bit nervous. Yeah, look, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, I do think people that say Sexton is the guy, like – He's got plenty of time. He doesn't need to be playing first grade right mm. now. So if Foran comes in and plays really well and plays seven, Sexton can spend an extra year in, in yeah. reserve grade. It doesn't hurt the club long term. It helps the club long term. Whereas, you know what does hurt the club long term? Keeping a guy in that hasn't had time to develop his game long enough and then his confidence gets annihilated because guess what happened at that club five years ago? <laughs> they brought a guy in and kept him there when he wasn't ready for first grade. His name was Ash Taylor. And he never reached the heights because he was there too soon with no guidance. So well, to say Sexton is the guy. They, 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 they've got, obviously, Toby Sexton's there. I mean, Australian schoolboys halfback looked like the big thing a couple of years ago was Tanner Boyd mm. sitting there. Mm. They've also got Tom Weaver, who is another Australian schoolboys halfback who looks like the next thing he's in this squad too. But they've got no one to lead these guys. They've got three yeah. guys that could be quality sevens. I hate to say Jamal Fogarty again, but it just doesn't <laughs> I don't know. Uh, look, uh, you know how, how do you not mention it though? Yeah, I know. In fairness, I think that it is showing each week we're seeing more and more foreigners a fucking great signing. Yeah. I think the Titans have done an outstanding job in getting him to the club. And if it is purportedly the four hundred K they're talking about, that's an absolute steal in my opinion. Like if he plays every ga- every game, that's a steal in my opinion. So this side with foreign in it, that's that's a top eight side for me. It really is a top eight side. Now, they probably need to recruit a little bit maybe in the hooker, hooking role. I'm surprised Aaron Booth, if he's still struggling from injury or whatever. Um, but I think we say it every week, just got to be patient. It's going to come. They've got a young, yeah. really young squad. Um, now to the Sharkies. Uh, look, I thought as Heinz' hair got wetter, he got stronger. <laughs> um, mate. Great, great win from the, the, the Sharkies. It took him a little bit to get into gear, I think. I think Lockie Miller, who on debut was outstanding at ball running, there were just, I think it took him at Hines a little bit to get used to his timing on his runs and hitting the right holes. I think Will yep. Kennedy, obviously, they built that good connection. Um, but Lockie Miller was absolutely outstanding for a debut 294 metres, uh, nine tackle breaks, 100 line, uh, one line break, uh, and a try, you know. 
27 years old, makes his NRL debut. Great debut. So I'll tell you who else I thought was really impressive. Connor Tracy. Yep. Fuck, he's a goer. I was actually, I was at like a, uh, at an event a couple of weeks ago and Connor Tracy was standing about five metres to the side of me and I, I've never met him before or spoken to him before and I, I sat there, I stood there and I sort of I looked at him and I thought, is that Connor Tracy? And he just looks like the most average <laughs> guy imaginable. I, I had a photo of him out on my phone going, I'm sure that's him. I said to my missus, I go, is that that guy? And my eyes aren't great. And she went, I don't think it is. I went, I think it is. I think he plays for the Sharks. And she went, he doesn't play for the Sharks. I'm telling you, he plays so far above his weight. Yeah. Like, and, and then, anyway. About two weeks later, I saw him put up a vlog from that event. Oh, so you and knew it was him, him yeah. Far, but yeah. he just—he looks like the most unassuming guy. But he gets out on the footy field, and he's tough as nails. Mm. And I remember watching him playing years ago, halfback for the, for the Bunnings when he had all those injuries. Like he's skillful too; he can mm. just do everything. Connor Tracy, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's another guy that you know, if they need a six, he could probably jump there in a six pinch. one. He could so do it versatile. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the Sharkies, Timmy? There was a pass that Scotty Drinkwater threw about a month ago, the big no-look over the top to, I think it was Kyle Felt, and I thought, that's going to be pretty hard to top as the yeah. pass of the year. Oh. That ball that Nico threw oh. to, was it Katara or Mulitaro there? Holy shit, it was Mate. unbelievable. Like, how perfectly he nailed that and was not looking one iota. And that connection went whack. Thanks for coming. On the run. Like, oh. Mulitaro just had to run fast and it <laughs> landed in his hands. And if it was a dry track at Shark Park on a Sunday Arvo, still as impressive. Yeah. In the pissing rain. Pissing (laughs) rain. Like to to throw over two blokes' heads, to land it so – because if he doesn't land that so he has to run onto it, the winger has time to slide and he Mm. tackles him. But the reason why he scored it was because the winger had could run onto it, so the yeah. winger didn't, the, the defending winner didn't have enough time to turn. Right, the ball curved in the air into wow. his line. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> right now, for me, Nico Hines has been the player of the year, in my opinion. I think that what he's brought to that club and the way he's playing is absolutely incredible. Like, incre- like the amount of if you if you go back and watch his highlights from this year, it'll blow your mind. Mm. The amount of big plays he's made in games and just his constant willingness to be on the ball like he must be a nightmare to defend because every set he's asking questions like very rarely is there a set the sharks have where it's just like yeah yeah we'll just do hit ups and then kick it it's like every set nico is is asking questions of your defense making sure you stay on us making sure you stay concentrating and you keep your body square physically you're there like it is just nico hines is been outstanding he must outstanding. be so unbelievably fit he's oh. in everything yep I would love to see his K's run for a game. He'd be up there yeah, with the, the, yeah, the most yeah. K's run. Yeah, but like the thing stood out for me for the Sharkies, and you know, as much as you know, M- Moylan ran for eighty-four meters, Nico Hines ran for ninety-seven. So neither unbelievable, but they had thirty runs between them. Mm. Just the fact they're taking on the line, yeah. constantly. Yeah, it's um, mate, they're just looking great. They're really looking good now. It's just about consistency for them. It's about consistency. Blake Braley. I think he is just getting better and better. His service is crisp as anything. Some of his set plays are outstanding. Forty in the, think about this in the torrential rain. So slippery as anything. Everyone's slipping sliding. Everyone, forty-five tackles, zero missed, zero missed in the torrential uh, torrential rain. Braley's been outstanding. Um, I thought Cam McGuinness was really good. He battled all night long. Uh, you know, Toby Rudolph, although he had an error or two, I thought that he, you know, he's brought a lot of energy to him uh, to, in the game yesterday. Uh, ran for 170 metres. 
Yeah, Sharkies is just all about finding that consistency now um, and the position this club is in. Like, to be able to bring in a guy like Lockie Miller when your Will Kennedy is injured is incredible. To be able to put Connor Tracy in for Ramian, they have depth now. I, I can't remember a time when the Sharks had depth. When was the last time the Sharks had depth? Like, yeah. a long, long time ago. Now, they've got guys like Lockie Miller, who's nearly running for 300 metres in his debut. Connor Tracy, who... You know, could play anywhere in the back line. Um, I think Talakai has been, you know, really consistent. Some of his out-of-trouble runs are, are outstanding. Mulatalo, I don't think he... Mulatalo gets enough raps for how silky he is as a, yeah. as a winger. Icavalo's not on the side still. Yeah. That's backline depth. And the forwards, we, we worried about, you know, losing some of them those mobile forwards like Dale Finuc and Jack Williams. Hanlon Newelli's gone. Yeah. Blokes just stepping in, doing a job. Mate. Teague Wilson comes on 47 minutes, 136 metres. Fucking I think Wilson's a really interesting one, and I can't believe I'm saying it. I think they look better on the left edge with him over Graham. I think I think Graham just mm. needs some time More to get time. back into the. I think he's he's still finding his feet a little bit. It's just been such an injury, you know, a couple of years for him. Fuck Wilson's playing. Oh no, I agree. Footy yeah. though, like it's hard, and this is where I I I, I think it, it could get hard to sort of once you get once you get like at the moment they're able to shift Wade into a sort of middle role. Yeah. Once you get Dale Finucane back in this side with Cam McInnes, it's going to be hard. But it's a great problem to have. Yeah. Um, now, I, I agree with you. Form-wise, if you just took the names out of it, you know, Teague Wilton, you know, has yeah. been outstanding. One of their best outside backs. Um, sorry, outside backs, uh, wide running forwards. But, hey, just the good thing is, is they've got crazy depth. They're looking so sharp in attack. Hines has just, you know, changed that club um, dramatically. Blake, Blake Braley is looking outstanding. Um you know, and Finucane coming back. Like, Dale Finucane's going to come back. Far out. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. Just got to find consistency. Um, do you think the Matty Moylan situation will get sorted sooner rather than later with the contract? Would you offer him, after the last few weeks, would you offer him two years? He's a roller coaster Moiser, isn't he? He's a so massive roller coaster. <laughs> a few weeks coaster. ago. Um, uh, yeah, I think... With Connor Tracy there? So, I don't know. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm a bit of a Moylan fanboy, as you all know, so I'm probably not the best person to ask. But, um, I mean, if it's working for them. Yeah, that's, that's a tough thing. It's like individually, the last few weeks, his form hasn't been great, but it's working. It works. If it's, it's not broken, don't, don't try and fix it. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, you might want to bring in a guy who individually performs better, but he doesn't complement Hines better. Yeah. So it's a tough, it's a tough I, gig. I honestly think you ask Hines. Yeah, what do you want? Do we keep him or not? What do, we, yeah. what do you reckon? What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing with Moiser is always durability, isn't it? And he's played 10 straight this season, 11 straight this season, played 15 last season, pretty good by his standards compared to other years. So the fact that he's stringing games together, that's where I'm going, all right, I'm starting to get a bit of belief that, you know, he can stay on the field and he'll be worth investing in for two seasons' time. Mm. Um, look, they're getting results, looking phenomenal. There's still a new combination coming together and looking this good. So, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't. Which like, I mean, money yeah. being the question mark, yeah. but... Just crazy with Moise because you remember he didn't play a preseason trial because he was injured. Yeah. Now all of a sudden he's played eleven on the trot. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think as long as money is is sweet, I think he'll find that form. It'll come. It'll come. Like they, like even yesterday, like he kicked it instead of passing it for that trial. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> um, but I think at the start of the year he showed outstanding form. I just think there's just a bit, little bit of a lull, but. I agree with you. It's not broken. And clearly he works well with Hines. And that's the key. The key is the combination, not the form. The yeah. form will come as long as he works hard. But, he, you know, they're getting wins and they're a top four side and he's a part of it. And I think the other thing with Moiser is that if you're, if you're going to brush him, 
you got to find someone better than him. Yeah. And when you like, oh, I agree. This back line has been sensational. There isn't a heap of finals experience and stuff there. Moiser has played sure. a fair whack of finals footy. He's played Origin. He's played for his country. Like, oh, I think he will pay more dividends mm. at the back end. And I don't think Trindle's as far along as I, I suspected at the start of the year. Yep. I thought he was a little bit further on. So I'm actually of the mind of, you know, maybe put some clauses in when it comes to the second year when it matches played. I think they resign him. Yep. I think he, I think he complements Hines perfectly. And the Sharks are just, they've got such a good thing going, don't break it up. Especially if you can afford it, you know. If they're not on the cap pressure, don't break it up. Um, that is us done and dust for the day. Anything, any shout outs, anything going on? No, nothing doing. Nothing doing? Nothing Timmy? Doing. Oh, maybe Josh Papali's 250th, legend, and that's about it. That's about <laughs> it. All right. Uh, make sure to grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. We're in every celebrations in ACT in New South Wales. Also, Bottolo, uh, IGA Plus Liquor or Porter's Liquor. Make sure to grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. Uh, we will be at the Locker Room Hotel for Origin Game 1. Make sure to be there. It's going to be a great – it'll be a podcast live. It'll be this, but live. Talking all things footy with a bit of fan interaction, so community interaction, sorry – asking questions of, you know, you can ask us footy questions, all that good stuff. Uh, And as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you.